Welcome to The Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. My name's Daniel. And this is a very special edition of The Save Room. We got through 2021, and now we are legally obligated to talk about the new video games. Even though I spent 70% of my time playing old video games. But fuck those games. They don't exist or matter according to the game of the year list. Yeah. So This is a trademark backlog year. Backlog. Yeah, there's a big backlog this year. <laughs> now, before I move on, before I keep on rambling, there we go. We got a hiccup in there. <laughs> we have none other than the Bay Area Bay herself. Chelsea. Oh. Heck, God. <laughs> Chelsea Heckabad has joined us for this very special gaudy episode. Hello, Chelsea. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for taking the time. I know uh, you were oft demanded and you said no to those shitty podcasts. You yeah, said, I only want one. <laughs> yes, only the save room. <laughs> only the save room. I heard GameSpot reached out, IGN. Right. Kotaku. Yes, Games Radar. Extremely real fact. <laughs> right. True fact. Hard so facts. What made us the, the go-to podcast to talk about your game of the year? Why are we better than them? Yeah. Have you guys heard your sweet, caramelly voices? Buttery, smooth? Oh, uh, let me try. Bubsy. Did you like oh. that? Butterscotch. <laughs> Daniel wins. <laughs> you know, I don't like butterscotch. It's weird. It's one of those weird, like, grandma candies. It's, that, a like, candy. it's just there by necessity, but you never quite want it. Yeah. Is that the dip that Dairy Queen does? They do chocolate and they also do a butterscotch if you're lucky. Like in the ice cream. I didn't know there was like an RNG to Dairy Queen. That feels like um Ben and Jerry's is like RNG. You never know what you're gonna get in like the sampling of, of a pint. I yeah, I guess that's true. I haven't been to Ben and Jerry a lot. I'm lactose intolerant and ice cream ben? drips out of my body. So we're going to get off the rails, obviously, very early here. But and Jerry, they do have like non-dairy <laughs> versions. They have like almond milk, uh, Ben and Jerry's, they have yeah. coconut milk, and they have like uh, sunflower butter. What the fuck? Yeah. How are they yeah, squeezing them that. sunflowers? I've had that one. The, How is the it? The milk and cookies one. Wow. Is it good? They don't specify that the cookies are made with no dairy, though. They oh. only say about the ice cream, so that's the that. confusing part. It's okay. It definitely doesn't taste um, comparable, obviously. Gotcha. Can we rank our top ten? <laughs> I was gonna say like uh, non-dairy ice creams uh, for the for the list. Fuck the video games. Let's yeah. talk about our favorite ice creams of all. Video time. games are boring. Everyone talks yeah, I, about them. I found my favorite ice cream jar to go get when I want a little treat at night. So tell us about your little treat. I'm I'm fascinated. I have been in love with Talenti's gelato like layers. That are kind of expensive in the store, but they're so good and they're technically a little bit better for you than regular ice cream. Talenti's Gelato? <laughs> gelato? Okay, what was the first part? Talenti's. Talenti's Gelato. Yeah, and it's in okay. layers. So there's different fun layers in each one. And the 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 pretzel one, Chef Kiss. Oh. I'm going to do my first vulnerable reveal of 2022. Uh, oh no! Oh, we got a V rev. I've never had gelato. <gasps> yeah. Gelato's so good. It's, it's really good. It's very tasty. There's a gelato place not not far from here. I saw mm. it. it. Said gelato on the side of the building, and I went, "Daniel, gelato." And you said nothing. <laughs> he said nothing. <laughs> Daniel, look. <laughs> it's true. It's right. It's right on that I, one. Street. I think it's because I, I've gotten so much fatigue from things that aren't ice cream. So like, you have frozen yogurt. Uh, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. Um, <laughs> 
There's a few other <laughs> Too many too. pretenders to the throne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, just give me ice cream or give me nothing. <laughs> okay. Sorbet. We got to try the, yeah. the gelato place, right? You know, risk a little bit of Omicron for a little bit of the sweet. You know All what right. I'm saying? Well, when it stops being fucking 20 degrees out uh, and I feel like having ice cream, we'll do that. What degrees is it for you, Chelsea? Right now? Yeah. Let me uh, let me look uh, into the outside and check it with my finger. You can, okay. you can eyeball. Uh, 54. <laughs> it's 54. 54? Wow. Okay. I'm jealous. Yeah. We're, we've been like my rocking. Right well, now, today's so. like. Today's like 27 degrees. Yeah. Bit. It's been for, really cold. For the listeners who who haven't uh, been around with us uh, in the last two weeks because we haven't been putting out podcasts, uh, it's been snowing here. It's been freezing yeah. here. We've been trapped in our home for like the last week and a half. Yeah. Uh, there's a icicle that almost killed us. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It tried nice. to Lovely Bones us. It's a murder. Yeah. Is that what happened in Lovely Bones? <laughs> yeah. The, the main character, uh, the, the titular character, the Lovely Bones herself, okay. uh, tries to come up with a way to murder uh, her abuser basically a murderer but she wants to do it in a way where like it's untraceable so she kills him with an icicle basically just drops it on his head because like it will melt after the fact so it's untraceable kills him gone isn't she a ghost at yes. this point yeah she is a ghost. so she's like a murder ghost yeah it's kind of rad i'd like a video game where i play as a ghost trying to like hurt, like do incidental murders some people are putting red dye in their icicles on their house so it looks really creepy what <laughs> Not bad. No, that's cool. That's very cool. Wow. Just a little, little side fact about icicles for you. Hmm. What a beautiful Christmas we yeah. had. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I guess we got to get into this episode. Yeah, Oops. let's do some top of the episode uh, promotion. Okay. Should well, I do it? I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. He's going to do it. In, new year, but same podcast. Chelsea, you're going to do it. We are the Save Room, uh, <laughs> gaming's favorite video game podcast. Uh, you can find us over at soundcloud.com slash the Save Room Show on Spotify, oh. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Where else, Kevin? RSS feeds around the universe. RSS feeds across the universe. Uh, we just put out a Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler cast that's like as long as the movie. Yeah. So please go check that out. It is. You can watch it side by side with the movie and yeah. get your impressions about yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you can also find us in the Twitchosphere, Kevin over at twitch.tv slash the Red Herb. Huh. He's got a green screen now. Daniel got me a green he's, screen he's in the old Elgato. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm in video games. It's very good. I, I need to, I need you to know that that green screen is Elise. Uh, yeah. I only have it until February 2nd. February so 2nd? please get the most use you can out of it. Okay. Yeah. What do we do about the stains? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I've been watching those streams, so I don't know. <laughs> those teams, those steam streams have been getting a little, little wild. I don't know what it is about the green screen. People come in like in droves to be like, oh, I gotta be weird in your chat. Chelsea mm. saw it. She's seen it. Yeah. There's been some strangenesses happening here. You can find Chelsea over at twitch.tv slash ChelseaHeckaBad. Doesn't stream, go. but streams with Kevin often on Hecka Herb. Uh, she's one of our awesome mods, by the way, if you don't yeah. know her. I have a sword next to my name. She does. That's true. <laughs> she banned somebody yesterday for being weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. How do you feel? Like, what's it like? Do you get like a rush when you ban somebody, Chelsea? If I were to do it without like getting the okay from you or like maybe checking with you, he would have been banned like way sooner. <laughs> Oh, uh, you should have just done it. Yeah, you don't need to check with us. Yeah, you don't need to check with me. I'd be like, oh, looks like somebody offended Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And that that's all I would <laughs> yeah. say. Like, I wouldn't be like, what did you do, Chelsea? I'd be like, nope, <laughs> Chelsea's correct. Like, you know when the vibes aren't, right? Yeah. It feels it feels good, but then I lose feeling in my fingers after for about 30 seconds because it feels bad sometimes. Real? Oh. It has so much power, you know? So you get like a little, like, um, how would you say, like, guilt nerve damage. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, 
I don't like doing it, but it needs to be done. Like it needs I don't to be feel done. bad for them, but gotta purge the chat. You know. yeah. Gotta yeah. purge the chat. <laughs> Can I tell a story? The other day I was streaming Spider-Man because I love Spider-Man. He's a spidered man. And somebody comes in, says a few oh, yeah. things. Yep. And asks out of nowhere, just no, no prime for this at all. Um, do you like eight-year-olds? And I like, like my brain stopped. And then people in the chat were like, uh, and I was just like, I'm just going to ban you. There's no follow up on this. Although, no, I did ask him like, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And <laughs> their response was nothing. <laughs> so I just banned him and I was like, I don't know where that's going. Yeah. But, <laughs> but somebody else was like, maybe they were an eight year old mm -hmm. looking for your validation. <laughs> Even if they were eight, that is just a little bit a weird wording. That was incredibly strange, but yeah, I don't know. So my recommendation is never stream Spider-Man. <laughs> did we get to you? We did not. Daniel streams at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. The last video game he was streaming? <laughs> Final Fantasy XV. The Boys. The Royal Edition. The Royal Edition. The Royal Edition. Which, the Ooh. funniest thing in the intro where you're like, so they <laughs> yeah. famously play um, a Florence in the machine cover of Stand uh, By Me. Stand By Me. Yeah. And like, he was just going on and on about the song, but like, like really emotional about it too. <laughs> but he streams natively from his PS5. And I guess they did an update where they literally mute the song, but mm. everything else is in place. So you just hear a bunch of like bickering boys pushing a car <laughs> and he just keeps on going like, ah, oh, the song. <laughs> it was really good. When are we getting the return? I've sat it in uh, archive that one. Uh, I, I let it the was... two weeks come and go, and it deleted itself. So oh, that's good. That's um, a crime. When do we clipped. get that again? I don't know. Uh, Monday is my two stream day. Um, yeah. I've been pretty busy the last few Mondays. I don't know if I'll get to it tomorrow, but sometime in January. Okay, there will be a return of Final Fantasy fifteen. I'm also taking like a, a week or so off, like towards the end of the month. So I might do a Kevin and just like stream every day. I'm off. That's true. Yeah. That's what I do. When Kevin's bored, he just streams. But I stream. It's been fun going back to that game. I think there's um some definite bl uh, blemishes to it. I, I oh. you know I, I love that game, but it's nowhere near perfect. What could you mean? Uh, the combat is pretty simplistic. Even going back to it, yeah, they, like, yeah, they just they don't want like to get anything in the way of your fun. You know, like hey, put it to one button mm -hmm. and. All it does is like one thing, basically. So you can just think about the story and the ramifications of the story. I'm excited to get back and do a side quest for a cat. That's all I'm saying. That cat needs me to find things for him. The one by the lighthouse? The one by the lighthouse. No, actually the one um in, in Galden on the, Key. On the boardwalk. Yeah, on the boardwalk. On the boardwalk. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I miss that game. That's a great That's game a good right game. there. Yeah, there's a bunch of content in that game I haven't really touched. Like all the extra episodes, episode yeah. Gladio and Ignis and Prompto. And like, I'm interested to see what they did with the reworked like ending chapters. Because they fucking reconfigured the whole like... Yeah, they changed uh, chapter 13 because yeah. everyone fucking just complained about it through... Literally every review, every post was about chapter 13, so they figured they had to do something about it. Chelsea, you're a big Final Fantasy fan. You love the Ziv. Uh, what did you think about Final Fantasy 15? <laughs> I actually revisited it recently, yeah. a little before you did, and uh, I, I would say it's pretty clunky that I kind of put it down again. Mm. But I wanted to check out the new content. Yeah. But I will say, great mm. haircuts and great uh, brotherly bonds. Do you guys remember the little animated shorts that they did, that mm -hmm. they put out on YouTube? Those were really good. What was it called, like, Brotherhood, or...? Was it the little, like, episode, like anime episodes that did, like, uh, their story before everything? That's correct. Yeah. 
Okay, okay, yeah, I do remember. I'm gonna look it up. It's called Final Fantasy 15, boys. <laughs> no, they, it was called Brotherhood, actually. Oh, it was called Brotherhood? Yeah. Okay, very good. Chelsea, did you hear that yes. Final Fantasy 16 has been delayed oh. by six whole months? Oh, no. Yoshi said it himself, <laughs> and he said, fucking COVID, y'all. Is it because they're that trying to integrate, sense. like, blockchain and NFT into it? Yeah, they're trying to integrate more blockchain stuff, so you can get some Bored Ape NFTs uh, every time you play. You can get a Bored Moogles. Oh, no. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to bleed into gaming this year, by the way. Like, the conversation around NFTs and how just stupid it is and how it doesn't make anything better, and yet every single video game company says, we don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to double down on doing it. And we don't even know why we're doing it. We just know that we have to do it. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, okay. So Square Enix came out and said that they want to jump into the NFT, NFT train. Do you, do you anticipate seeing some stupid shit like that? Like, I feel like Ziv, Final Fantasy fourteen. If, if if people don't know, I feel like Ziv is like prime territory for like Square Enix to be like, you need the NFT this fucker. I hope that Bungle doesn't bull. happen, or at yeah. least that they reverse the site, like the thing they put out recently, because it fucking sucks. Another company had to immediately reverse it. Remember uh, yeah. Stalker two? And this is bigger, I would say. Obviously, so the reversal yeah. that happening is crazy. Yeah, and, and Ubisoft actually did launch some sort of version of it. I forgot the, what the name of it is, because it doesn't matter. But they mm -hmm. they launched some shit for that um, that failed Ghost Recon game that nobody played. And they're like, well, we got to make some money off of this fucker in some capacity. And somebody was actually going through the numbers, and they're like, oh, yeah, there's only like 100 people using this. Can I read the statement from the uh, the Square Enix president, uh, Yasuke Matsuda? So this was um, their New Year's letter. Uh, it doesn't focus on any particular game in the catalog uh, or any successes in the past year or the fact that they had to shut down uh, people buying Final Fantasy uh, 14 subscriptions again because there's so much server overload. Now, it focuses on NFTs. Oh. Um, and one one block of quotes here is is interesting where he says, I see 2021 not only as, quote, metaverse year one, but also NFTs year one, given that it was a year in which NFTs were met with a great deal of enthusiasm by a rapidly expanding user base. However, we do observe examples here, and there are of overheated trading in NFT-based digital goods with somewhat speculative overtones, regardless of the observed value of the content provided. This obviously is not an ideal situation, but I expect to see an eventual right-sizing in digital good deals as they become more commonplace among the general public right. uh, with, with the value of each available content corrected to their true estimated worth. And I look for them to become as familiar as dealings in physical goods. So, like, he's really anticipating them being, like, just so integral, I guess, to their business model moving forward, which is kind of disappointing. The The last quote here, we will keep a close eye on societal shifts in the space while listening to the many groups of users that populate it and ramp up our efforts to develop a business accordingly with an eye to potentially using our own tokens in the future. So, yeah, I don't know. Kind of not excited about that. The future's so bright. 2022 looks so good for video games. Yay. I Yay. hope I, I get an armor that has like like my face on it. <laughs> Is that how NFTs work? When Geralt uh from The Witcher sits down on Roach, he's sitting on my face. Yeah, this guy's thinking big. Right I'm thinking big. I'm thinking really I'm big, it. everyone. Oh, well, I guess we can dive into this episode proper. Yeah. Let's talk not of the future, because it looks like it's gonna be nothing but doom and NFTs and bored apes. But let's talk about the past. 2021 
we we've talked about it throughout the year. It was a weird year. I think a lot of that is because of the conse- consequences of COVID. We're finally seeing uh, ramifications on you know workflows for different studios and production houses. Things are getting delayed. Things are getting pushed. Things are coming out in a completely just fucked up state. Looking at you, Battlefield 2042, 42. Who cares? It's um. To be expected, but what that left us with was a year that, one, didn't feel like it had, like, that big linchpin release that everyone flocked to. And and then that's different for other people. I'm sure some people would argue, like, no, Halo's that. And I'm like, not everyone has a fucking Xbox or PC, you know, that, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it did create this um, kind of like the, the ripple effect when you take down a crime lord and all the other crime lords start fighting for the territory. Suddenly people are like, yo, I got this indie game that no one's heard of that's fucking great. And it starts climbing up game of the year conversation. I'm looking at you, Inscription. Mm-hmm. In a year where we didn't have like a big old monolithic game, it becomes a more interesting year where people have all these different experiences that they seek out. So I that's how I felt. Like it reminded me of kind of like 2019 where literally everyone had a different game of the year. Guys, I'll, I'll kick it off to Chelsea. How did you feel about this year? Like what was... Especially in comparison to like the previous year, because I feel like 2020 was our last normal release year while it being our first pandemic disaster year. I think this this 2021, not this year, uh, <laughs> it, I feel like I was more picky, obviously, because uh, I thought about my wallet a little bit more. But uh, I got to experience a lot of games I never would have just by talking to new people and a lot of like, small studio games are like at the top of my list and that is what makes this year super different for me and I just I I think it was just a weird year because my list feels weird I don't know how to explain it (laughs) it's like I'm looking at I'm like this is not what I would have had two years ago it feels like because it was way different because a lot of bigger games and and me not even loving an RGG game this year is what is making me feel weird. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's how you know we're in a pandemic. That's how you know we're in a pandemic where an RGG game doesn't hit. We, we got problems. That, that is a spoiler for me, but like okay. it's crazy uh, that that's a thing for me. So that's how this year feels is that RGG was not at the top. God, that's that's that, that's a shame right there. I got, yeah, that, that's another thing. Like going through my list, it was um, like previous years, I would agonize over what would be like top five, bottom five. This year, it was like, you could just literally shake the whole list and I would still be okay with it. (laughs) That's kind of where I was. I was very nonchalant about my pickings where I'm like, there was not any hard deliberation. I was like, oh, this thing could be number six or it could be number 10, depending on how I woke up that day. Um, And it's not to say that like the games on my list are bad by any means. It's just that like, I was just very indifferent to like having a strong preference towards one or the other. I definitely enjoyed all the games I played uh, this year for the most part. Um, but yeah, it, it, there was no like fucking God of War that I wanted to scream from the mountaintops about, right? Um, or Spider-Man and obviously. Or, or Spider-Man or Sekiro in, in the year after. Even uh, last year, um, fucking Final Fantasy VII Remake. We had The Last of Us Part Two. Like yeah. coming off of 2020, which yeah, like you said, it was the start of COVID, but everything that was in flight was already being pushed out. Right. But we got such a full fucking year. We ate last year, God. you know, whether it was Nintendo games, whether it was PlayStation um, not so much Xbox, but you know, they're, they're coming back. They're coming back. In, They've in done some stuff. So Xbox is, uh, their little disruption technique with game pass, uh, sucked me in this year, by the way, this is the first year that I onboarded the game pass, uh, since I got like a laptop that can handle games mm-hmm. and it's opened up a whole new playing field of just interesting, cool experiences. Like I playing stuff like the gunk 
Chelsea watched me play that on stream. Had that one almost fucking punched its way into my top ten, by the way. Hmm. But I was just like, no, 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 let me, let me, let me weigh it out <laughs> for the other games that I played. Recency bias is real, by the way. Um, but yeah, that like I think Xbox has a pretty bright future ahead of them. I mean, I think the big three are doing fine, right? I think maybe Sony needs to figure out a few things, especially when it comes to the releases. But then again, this year they they. Pulled back the veil and showed that, hey, that you're going to be eating good. Not right now. It's not done cooking. Mm-hmm. You're going to be eating good in 2022 and 2023 mainly. But right now, just, you know, stick with us and try to fight for a fucking PlayStation 5. <laughs> I, I appreciate that this was like a year of like acquisitions for them. I feel like some of their messaging was like... For a little, Yeah, it, some of their messaging was a little weird. But I am kind of excited for, you know, what might be next for them. You know, the idea of the rumored Spartacus... Uh, their solution to Game Pass, and then some of the AAA titles down the line, right? You know, Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok, so on. Wolverine, Wolverine Spider oh, the God, Man that's 2. Right, that's right. How could I forget? The Stray. Stray. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> with, the, the, with the cat. Sifu. See, oh, Sifu looks sick. Yeah. Sifu I really want. How do, how do you guys feel like these companies did this year in terms of like getting their messaging out? Because I feel like it was just kind of all over the place. Well, what's the message like of, of companies is like buy our stuff? Did they do a good job of asking us to buy their shit? I think I think they all did an admirable <laughs> job of asking for money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let me let me push that question to you, Chelsea. So like between like all the big three, like Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, like with their releases, their hardware, their software, do you feel like they, they've done a good job like this year kind of just telling us like what's coming next and what to expect? Or do you feel like it's just been kind of like all over the place? I think it's been all over the place. I think um, I think I'm the most confused with Nintendo a little bit because uh, I kind of don't really know what they're doing most of the time. Like I know po- that new Pokemon game's coming out, and I, I know people are really sad about Animal Crossing, and that's kind of what I know about Nintendo. What was the situation with Animal Crossing, by the way? Yeah. Like they just didn't they're, support they're it with content. Done. They're done with that last DLC, is what oh, I, I think I saw. They're just like we're not, we're done. We gave you what you wanted. We gave you the yeah. coffee. Uh, we gave you the froggy <laughs> chair. <laughs> <laughs> but I think people are just like, okay, so I'm just going to redecorate my house anymore. There's nothing to look forward to anymore. Well, some of that mentality is from the pandemic itself. True. <laughs> <laughs> but I think people are always looking for like, okay, well, they'll slowly be bringing in like little updates, but it sounds like they gave one big update and they're like, bye. <laughs> yeah, but Nintendo doesn't do games as a service. Like yeah. they, they release games that almost look like that model and then they stop supporting it after like a year, basically. I think that's, it's just kind of shows how old school they can be sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where people are expecting like constant updates now from other games that when it comes to like an Animal Crossing or Nintendo game, you're not going to get that. You probably right. get one big update and then they're done. I feel like Smash yeah. Brothers Ultimate is like the exception to the rule. Where it's yeah. like, oh yeah, we have like an ever expanding roster, ever expanding like content in terms of like the spirits and new mm-hmm. music coming, which is cool. But like, not every game is going to be supported that way, unfortunately. Although they're also done though. Yeah, but that's true. But like, that's three years later. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's like... true. That that was like a long tail right there for 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 that game. Same with like Pokemon Snap. They did one or are doing one more update, maybe or one big update. I think it's crazy. Pokemon? Like a game like that would get an update, right? Mm-hmm. I would figure that's a project that Nintendo would look at and be like, "It's a one and done." Like we we launch it, aren't you happy? And then just never return to it. It, it is nice if there's an update. What's What's kind of weird to me with Nintendo is like you don't know what's going to happen until they just shadow drop like a Nintendo Direct like the next morning, where it's like, "Okay, we've been quiet for like a few weeks. Oh, there's going to be a Pokemon Direct or this," and it's like, 
it, it's nice that they always have kind of stuff like brewing in the background that we don't know about, but it does kind of just, it, it's confusing. Cause like, I don't know what their, their roadmap is for a lot of their year. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not a big like Nintendo diehard anymore anyway. So like, you know, if something comes along, that's for me, I get excited about it. If not cool for other people. Well, talk about Nintendo. Uh, some of the conversations online are really hyperbolic as they always are when it comes to Nintendo for some reason. But some people just felt like Nintendo had a bad year this year because in most of that conversation boils down to they didn't release a net new Zelda or a net new Mario. It was either like a remaster or a port or something. But each of their franchises got representation this year. Pokemon got representation in multiple fronts, including the remakes. Uh, I forget which generation remakes they are. Chelsea, do you know? Uh, <laughs> Soul- Pearl and Diamond? <laughs> fucking, something like that? <laughs> fucking Rhinestone. Rhinestone Super Cowboy. Yeah, I don't I don't remember either. But um, And then they, they had Skyward Sword, which... <laughs> Okay. And then there was um, Bowser's Fury, which I had a lot of fun with. That was actually an honorable mention. Me and Chelsea played that, and I forgot it came out this year, but that was a good game. I really enjoyed what they did with that, which was like a new thing, but in, in with an old package. Like it came with like a previous, a game that already released. I forget what it was. Super Mario 3D Land, right? Or yeah. 3D World, 3D something. 3D World. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to keep track. Uh, the only thing that I, when I think of Mario this year, I only think of the fact that we're getting Chris Pratt. <laughs> as mario mario that but, was this year or last so, year but. you know nintendo had me eating good plus we also had a new uh metroid mm-hmm. like a, a, a brand new metroid came out this year so it's hard to look at them and be like oh yeah you did a bad job this year because you didn't give me breath of the wild but literally that's how people think <laughs> i mean there were also like a, a few really cool like i don't want to call them niche but like uh jrpgs that got on the switch like you know you had um smt5 right uh monster hunter uh stories right uh, Monster Hunter Stories 2, The Wings of Ruin. Yeah. Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Among many other things. Like, so I, I feel like there was a little bit of everything for everyone. Right. So. Yeah. It, it was a a year of bench depth, but nobody could look at the players and be like, you're Michael Jordan. <laughs> that that was this year. Yeah. Right. Not to say that things like, like Deathloop and all that weren't like, you know, bangers in their own right. But I just feel like there wasn't the unification game where everyone's like that's a great triple a game that's that's it right that's there. the one you know like now nah, it, it didn't feel like that this year but how do we want to do this dude how do we jump into this listicle thing well, we can we can do an overview of the year right like i okay. let's let's do like over year overview going into our honorable mentions and then we're going to kind of do the uh game of the year round table a little differently this year um Chelsea, do you want to you want to maybe give the viewers some insight as to what we're doing with that? We start from the bottom, mm-hmm. number ten. We say our number tens, and then Kevin, you take it from there. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Well, it's kind of a round robin. But what's what's what it's gonna what's gonna happen is that um, whenever a game that we all share pops up on the list first, that's when the discussion begins. So, say for instance, I have SMT five at number ten, which I don't didn't play it at all. Uh, if I have it at number 10, but Chelsea has it at number three, we're going to talk about it. And Chelsea's going to be like, this is my number three. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. Sorry if you like, like it being like unwrapping, mm-hmm. but there's three people and we need to like, you know, fight through this, uh, in a timely manner because this is going to be a five and a half hour podcast according to Chelsea. So 
I did not. I, I would never say that. She might have said that. So we're trying something new this year. If you guys like it, let us know. If not, well, we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, let, let us know a full year from now. Well, what do you prefer? <laughs> um, and we also have some fun superlatives to kind of give out as well. Uh, yeah. Some wacky ones that we just kind of put together. Because we're just wacky fun guys. It's a fun you know? show. We're just, a, we're just a couple of kids. We're out here. We like the video games. I love Mario's mustache. I wish we would take them. <laughs> yeah. um, I will start by saying, like, as, as a backlog year, I had a lot of fun going to into games that, like, maybe I'd wanted to play in previous years but didn't quite get a chance to play. Oh, yeah? Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey was one. Fantastic game. You know? One of the best Assassin's Creed. Fuck Creed's. Ubisoft, right? But, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey yeah. is just a marvelous action-packed dense adventure um i put 80 hours into it i could probably put 80 more into it but i just had so much fun playing as cassandra i love that sorry Uh, (laughs) the 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 power fantasy of being like the mystios and and just getting out there and and just fucking kicking ass taking down cultist uh it it was a great great time and i think a a lot of what kind of kicked me off of, of just mainlining the game is just because there's so much to do. Yeah, and it's great. I have the game of the year edition, so it weaves all the extra content in as well. Um, That's but, stuff I didn't play. Yeah. That's stuff that I didn't didn't get to. I only did the main campaign. Mm-hmm. Was that last year, 100% of that game? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Great job, Kevin. And they just did a crossover, too, with Valhalla, which I'm interested to see like what that looks like. I didn't like Valhalla. <laughs> I was bored by Valhalla. Yeah. That's why I was yes. like, eh. Yes, yes, <laughs> nah. yes, yes. Yeah, right? You, yep. you feel me on that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that, that was like one of my favorite things to dive into this year. Persona 5 Royal uh, was a game I picked up in 2020. Didn't really get a chance to bite into because, again, 2020 was like month after month of like major releases, right? Like I got sideswept by Final Fantasy VII Remake, then fucking uh, The Last of Us Part Two, and then just so many other things. But this year, like in, in that dead spot of, of March, I was like, I'm going to play through this game in full. And goddamn, guys, that, that instantly became like one of my top JRPGs of all time. Mm-hmm. Like... I love that crew. I love that story. So emotional. Uh, the gameplay, the music, just all of it like comes together so nicely. And I'm glad we got like kind of a continuation uh, of Persona 5 this year with Strikers. Strikers. We'll, we'll talk about later. But we yeah, that, that was like one of my favorite uh, moments in gaming this year for sure. Um, a few other things as well. Shout out to The Pathless. Great game. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that one. Yeah, really love that. Um, kind of just a fun, kinetic, just open, mini open world game. Uh, a lot of people have been comparing uh, Solar Ash to it, just in terms of like how you traverse the world and uh, the sense of exploration. And everything gotcha, as gotcha. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, but it was also like an interesting year of like re-returns for us as well. Like we spent a lot of time with like Monster Hunter Iceborne. We went back to like a bunch of Soulsborne games. Like, yeah. Uh, Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin. We went through Dark Souls 3 together, Bloodborne. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was just a fun year to like just kind of play stuff I had been meaning to play and then just romp around in old favorites. It's crazy year. Yeah. Crazy year for backlog. <laughs> yeah. I had a pretty incredible backlog <laughs> year. Because like I do like I, I, I tether my backlog to streaming. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the beginning of the year, it's giving myself these like mission chains, basically, where I said I'm going to play every Devil May Cry game. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't forget about Devil May Fry every Friday. I Devil would May never. Cry. Yeah, that was that was a legendary time right there where I found I had a newfound appreciation for Devil May Cry 5 after just feeling really jilted that DMC wasn't getting a sequel, which is the crime against crimes, by the way. I just want to say that I'll never let that go. But uh, yeah, had a great time with that. Also, at the beginning of the year, uh, finally went back to Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, uh, and beat it. But yeah, Metal Gear Solid 5 is my favorite Metal Gear game now. I'm so glad that I beat it. What a fantastic game with, with the Love boss in the, in the arms. And, yeah, Hell yeah. You know? And, who, who's the one that you think is sexy again, Chelsea? 
they're all they're all sexy. What are you talking about? <laughs> Which one is it? Ocelot or oh. is it? I'm I'm a big boss girl. Right on, big yeah. boss girl. Right on, right on. And then yeah, there's other things too. Um, I I think I don't think it's uncommon in a year for me to replay Resident Evil games. Mm four times over <laughs> well this is an interesting year yeah. for you because like you got a decent working laptop uh, yeah. and an expansive steam library so you went back and played like a bunch of resident evil on steam yeah well. just to see what it was like like resident evil 2 and whatnot um <laughs> friend of the show lovable dingo gifted me every mainline resident evil game on pc with the intention of getting me to stream like platinum runs for them or whatever or 100 runs uh that might happen for like the remakes <laughs> um i don't know that i'm gonna go back to part five and ever try to like 100 that game because that game gets literally worse and worse every time i play it <laughs> like it's just diminishing returns whereas part four is a game that stays like kind of like steady in my appreciation of it when's the last time you played five the last time I played five was with none other than Chelsea Hecabad oh. on Hecka okay. Herb. All yeah. right, just wanted to hear it. That was the last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was an interesting year for backlog. I feel like I was able to go back and finish some games that I just never, either never got to or didn't have an appreciation for. You may remember Doom Eternal. I was going to say Fry Doom. Doom Eternal uh, was Doom. was a game. Well, I still don't really like the campaign, but God damn it, I found the uh the ancient gods dlc it is the best doom thing i've ever played it's so fucking good the ancient gods like made up for all of my frustration of doom eternal i was like this is perfect this dlc is amazingly perfect but stuff like that chelsea was there any old games that you went back to that you were like yo you know what i replayed a lot of games i, I wanted some comfort stuff mm -hmm. uh i replayed uh all the bioshocks nice uh, oh, follow up fallout 4 because i really wanted to play the dlcs again because that's the best part of fallout 4 to me is the dlcs i gotta buy um, them still i did replay the last of us and the last of us part two because oh. i wanted to see if my opinion changed since the last time i was on the podcast it did not um, <laughs> <laughs> but i will say that first game still gets me uh great game and then i played a lot of stuff on my pc this year actually towards the end of the year i played a lot of stuff I put a lot of work into my PC, and uh, now it makes a weird sound because I play so much stuff. I'm sorry, a weird sound? Like it's like... Uh, it's like a like, grinding sound, so I opened it up and cleaned it out, and now it's fine. Okay, good. <laughs> well, right on. Make... Yeah, we've, we've both become PC gamers this year, Chelsea. What happened to us? We were that's console right. kids. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's pretty true. And now we can play all these really cool games, except we're never going to do it, right? Uh, well, I'm getting a Series X next week. So we're oh, going to play Halo. a lot of Halo. Yeah, we're going to play. Are we, are, we, are we diving right into Halo 3? Is that going to be our thing? Is that backwards compatible or do I, I got to buy it? Um, It's backwards, backwards compatible, but do you have the Master Chief Collection? No. Okay. Do you have Game Pass? It's all free no. in Game Pass. You got to get no. Game Pass. I'll get you some Game Pass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bill says we'll get you some games. Save roommates. This is the campaign to help get Chelsea. Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> Great lips, Phil Spencer. Yeah, yeah. Don't, remember, don't don't get Chelsea Final Fantasy fourteen time card. She doesn't like Final Fantasy fourteen. Mm -hmm. She said that to me. Save she said it. it. Don't say that. She said, "Get me Game Pass." <laughs> no. <laughs> well, shall we dive into our top tens, or do we do superlatives? Or do we do honorables? superlatives? Or do, do we, we do superlatives first? <laughs> she wants to do the superlatives. All right, well, yeah, let's do that. All righty. Now we're all going to have a different answer, I anticipate. 
but the superlatives oh, okay. exist as they are. This will be a surprise for me. So it'll be a surprise for you. Best remaster of the year. This is a normal one. This isn't one a jokey one. Mine is Alan Wake remastered. Remedy did a fantastic job bringing Alan Wake to modern systems, and um, I guess it was a little little teaser for the fact that they were going to do a part two, which is <clears throat> fantastic. Uh, I. I thought that the game would be like, it's a 10-year-old game, right? 2010? I thought it would be like, oh, okay, you know, it's it's showing its bones here and there, but it's still fun, whatever. Like, remember, what was the other um, remaster that people were like, oh, this isn't as good as I remember? Diablo 2. Mm. People played it and they're like, oh, this is just old as fuck. <laughs> but like, Alan Wake still feels great. It, it's It's got some like, you know, story drawbacks here and there. Like, it's just a little too melodramatic <laughs> in some places. But um, I, I was like, yo, this is a great remaster. I was more impressed by that remaster than what they did with Mass Effect. And they did an okay yeah. job with Mass Effect. It was just like there. Felt more like a port <laughs> than anything else. Mm. What's your favorite remaster of the year, Daniel? That's a tough one because I didn't play a lot of remasters this year. I think by all means, it probably should have been uh, Scott Pilgrim, uh, the game. Sorry, I forget what it's called. Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game. Yep. I think that's what it's called. Um, but I was just kind of disappointed by the the treatment. And felt it, like a port. Yeah, and it literally just felt like a low-lifted <laughs> port where it's like, ah, oh, we did the bare minimum with this. Here it is. Uh, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't play great no. anymore, especially no. in comparison to like other beat-em-ups like uh, Streets of Rage 4, which I love, and uh, River City Girls. Right, right. Um, it, it, yeah, it's fine. It was it was nice to go back to it, but that I didn't really have a lasting impression from it uh, or feel the need to like go all in and, and platinum it. Um I'll, maybe I'll give it to Mass Effect because like it's just I think uh, the conversation around it's been really great to to see people excited about that that series again and then, right you know, and, have, and remember when Bioware was a good company yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. and you know I I got a chance to finally start playing the the first Mass Effect game again which you know I granted I didn't finish it because I just kind of got bored because uh, it, it does feel old in some ways and I, I think my major anticipation is just waiting to get to the second one mm-hmm. but I still have to muscle through the first one to, to get that right you gotta right. eat your veggies to have your dessert I'm just gonna skip the two yeah okay. eventually yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll give that one a, a lot of credit as like the best like remaster uh, trilogy of the year okay Chelsea what was your favorite remaster this year you know I I didn't play a lot of remasters either uh so I would say from what I've played, it's it's Mass Effect. I think Alan Wake looks great from what I've seen you play, because that's the only way I've, I've seen it is you playing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to say Mass Effect because I think it's really fun because when Mass Effect first came out, that was kind of where I got my like footing and like the the atmosphere of like video game stuff. People were like, oh, Chelsea loves Mass Effect. That was kind of what I was known for. And for it to come out again, I kind of got like that feeling again of where I got excited and like I got to revisit all these characters I really loved. And finally, they're all together on one console wherever you picked it. And it's cool to see other people get into it who've never, ever touched it. And then they all generally say like the first game sucks, which is fine. And it does. It's rough. They didn't change a whole lot to make it that much better. So if you if you played it, the, the original Mass Effect you know, when it came out, it does feel better. But people who've never, you know, gave it a, a chance uh, and are starting with the remaster, it still feels super clunky and outdated and kind of looks ugly most of the time. <laughs> but it is really neat to see, like, people go through those games and, like, find out who they get attracted to, I guess. Oh, uh, there it is. <laughs> we, we hit pay dirt. <laughs> like, I've had so many conversations with people who are like, you, like, Karis? Why Karis? And I'm like, come on. 
but and then the people who who get to the ending and they're like what the fuck is this ending i'm like oh baby oh yeah. baby oh yeah <laughs> so it's fun to see that almost happen again when that when that game came out so i would say mass effect for the fun of it okay right on good choice right there yeah Thank could you, you could you imagine anyone uh, picking ashley williams space racist space racist <laughs> yeah yeah that that was the surprising thing about playing that remaster where um the dialogue choices like you're in your head you're like oh they're super dynamic and change the story and it turns out it's all it's like three different ways to agree with them <laughs> and like one very obvious way to just shoot them in the face yep. and i'm like hmm, this isn't really but like that gets better as as the series goes goes along with yeah, like, the yeah, writing yeah. but yeah mm-hmm. part one is like oh man i played it on 360 i fell in love with it in 360 going back to it now i was like oh no <laughs> Oh no, my memory. It's pretty rough. Yeah, it's a little rough, a little rough. I got a uh I got another superlative on here. Best double A multiplayer shooter based on a movie franchise of the year. Uh guys, what do we think that is? Could only be one thing. <laughs> what what do you mean? <laughs> there could have been any number of games. I'm super lost right now. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens Fireteam Elite. Aliens Fireteam Elite. Ooh. Holy hooty hoo. You know what I loved about that game? What's that? Two things. Too. I like the weird elephant sounds, the little little xenomorphs made. Yeah. That I always called out when we were playing it, and it was probably <laughs> annoying for you guys. And then I think I'm not sure because I've never asked, but I think when you make a headshot in that game or a xenomorph headshot, whatever, the big long thing, it makes that like music sting. Yep. It does. I love that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> when you shoot a, a xenomorph in the head, it's fucking great. Dynamic yeah. soundtrack by Austin Wintery. Austin Wintery. Fucking amazing. Like I, I love watching his youtube breakdowns of like some of the scoring and stuff he's done it's it's super dynamic for an aliens game yeah uh, just just really riveting i think i had more fun listening half the time than 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 playing which is weird this game almost broke into my top 10 but i had to really soul search about it uh mainly because the game has no staying power like when you're done with the campaigns in the game there's really no reason to grind anymore yeah. and they did a really egregiously kind of dumb thing where they change how the stat system worked post-launch. And so all of the guns that you already had unlocked, they just like maxed them out for you, which is like, I guess a kindness. But then I was getting so few guns from the store that there was like nothing to work on. Mm-hmm. So it got a little boring where I was like, what, what am I doing in this game again? Like, what, what, what is the loop? So they, they did a bad job of like, what is the actual like gameplay loop post, you know, everything like division yeah. style. For a game that's like kind of modeled off of Division in terms of like gameplay mechanics and whatnot, like yeah. I, I was hoping it would adopt some of its systems and in, in continual gameplay loops, but yeah, that's a surprising part of it. Yeah. But I, I, what I loved about that game is just like it finally blends like James Cameron's uh, Aliens universe with Ridley Scott's Prometheus like stuff that he came up with in the two uber popular famous films Prometheus and the even more popular Alien Covenant. But I, I love that, that yeah, that you had Prometheus lore, you had the droids, you even had lore from Alien Isolation in the mm-hmm. fucking game. Yeah. With the, uh, what do you call them? The average Joes? The steady Joes? The working Joes? The working Joe robots. Oh, oh milk <laughs> yeah. robots. The milk robots, yes. Yeah. They're, fu- they're fueled by milk. I wish right. they did more story. That's all I wish. They're never doing was- more story. <laughs> You know, whatever that they did, the campaign sections, I guess. Yeah. My biggest letdown with it was like, there's four like kind of sections that you play through. And, mm-hmm. and the fourth one, it's like, oh, there's like the queen, right? But you never quite get to fight the queen. You don't fight the queen, you run from yeah. the queen. Yeah. And it's just like, I wanted that big like confrontational yeah. moment. Yeah, me big, too. That big kind of like raid, like a raid battle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I got another superlative for you. Best game I wish I finished of 
the year. Chelsea, which one? I guess I'm going to say the Endwalker expansion because I started <laughs> it and then I haven't gone around to finishing it yet. So that's basically the game I wish I finished before we started talking. How many hours do you think that is average? Maybe 50 to 70 hours for each expansion. Okay. But right I don't know on. about Endwalker because it's like the ending of the storyline. So I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, I still got to get around to the Endwalker content and uh, right, everything right, right. before it. Right, right. Say, <laughs> if you guys don't know Chelsea from Final Fantasy XIV, you need to. Beer Champion is like iconic on the internet. Everybody knows her. <laughs> Best girl, Beer, Beer Champion. Beer, Beer Champion's more <laughs> famous than me. Uh, Daniel, what's yours? Um, so there's one game I could mention, but it's actually on my, my list. What? Um, yeah, this is a rare year where I added a game that I haven't finished on my list. Uh, previous year's Red Dead Redemption 2 snuck wow. its way on my list, and that was one I hadn't uh, famoused famously. Um, so I'm not going to mention that one. Okay. But Do you want to mention just like a game that you like, I guess? I'll mention a game. I'll mention a game. I just, just mention a game. I'm looking for it. Where did it go? Wow, that's really uh, made an impact on you. Neo 2. Oh, Team Neo Ninjas, 2. Neo 2. Um, I think I'm destined to never finish a Neo. Me I don't too. know why. I just like for as much as I love the the Soulsborne uh, formula. Um, whenever I go over to a Neo game, I have fun learning the systems and like creating my character and all this. Um, my character is based off of uh, Masoto from Evangelion. Perfect lover. Chelsea, what is he saying? I don't know, Daniel. What are these words? What are you saying? Evangelion? Come on, you guys are weebs. You know <laughs> Evangelion. Purple hair? Everybody loves her? Purple? That's not natural. <laughs> See, Kevin watched Evangelion. I didn't. So oh, why are you oh, asking no. me? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but like, it's it's an interesting, you know, take on on the, the genre, and I, I, I have fun every time I play it. I just, at a point, it feels very samey. Like, they're there maybe i'm just i always drop off very early on in the game but the the areas don't feel super dynamic mm -hmm. um and after a while i just kind of get tired of, of doing the dance of like all right besting the yokais and and working my way through an area and then something new comes out and then i just never get back to it which is unfortunate because it is a quality game that's how it be um and that's one that came out in <laughs> what 2020 uh that i just got around to playing uh as the ps5 upgrade this year so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep yeah that's true Actually, Neo 2? That might have been 2019, right? Shit, maybe. I don't yeah, know. probably. <laughs> okay, cool. Mine would be Tales of Arise. I wish I had beaten it because I like the Tales series. It's probably one of the few JRPGs I can get into because its combat's more action-oriented than turn-based. And the graphics were really good. Uh, the story was pretty interesting. The half-mass man uh, and all the rest of it. I, I didn't finish it because there was two pretty long games that I got at the same time. It was that and Lost Judgment. And I <laughs> kept on putting those games in the back burner as like more games came out or whatever. Uh, and then there was a whole stint of me just playing Halo like every night for like mm -hmm. two to three weeks. <laughs> and uh, I had to make a choice between am I going to finish Tales of Arise or am I going to finish Lost Judgment and felt wrong to just let like an RGG game lie. So <laughs> I, I, I went for that one. And I'm glad that I finished Lost Judgment. Now that I'm done with it, I really just have no inclination to go back to, to Lost Judgment. I'm just mm. like, okay, that was cool. That was fine. I don't mm. want to do the mini games or 100% or anything. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Tales of Press. I wish I finished that game. The next one on here. Best game I never got around to of the year. That's a weird way to at the all of them. <laughs> it's a fucking <laughs> word. It. Yeah, best game I never got around to of the year. Um, I'll start. I, I think the, the medium is one that I've heard people really rave about. Um, and I, I'm really interested to kind of get into that 
that that whole world uh what would you guys compare it to because i know you guys both played it too um <clears throat> i mean i would compare it <laughs> it it's funny because that that studio uh bloober team their previous games were all like first person walking simulators this mm-hmm. game's third person finally but it's it shares a lot of the mechanics of those games which is more exploratory and more like kind of solving puzzles in the environment and just kind of like going through story stuff but i would say it's life is strangey mm. kind of kind of in that it's not like it's not like a quantic dream everything is a quick time like reaction thing and if you don't react right one of your characters will either end up uh, dead in the shower or uh, lose their son <laughs> it's not one of those um so it's closer to life is strange i would say okay but horror <laughs> yeah no i i'm really interested in it like aesthetically it seems very cool and then like just the horror aspects of it it, it just seems like it's it's filling the void uh that the the famed uh, pt silent hills has has uh, been left people wanting for Never all these it. years so <laughs> chelsea what did you wish that you played this year but did not of the year i have two or should i pick one Boom, both. Do whatever you want to do. Duels. I, re- I really, I really want to play Halo Infinite, the campaign, because I, I, lo- I love the Master Chief. Me too. His suit jacks that's, moth. That's that's, <laughs> that's my only reason for wanting to play Halo Infinite is I love the Master Chief. Uh, the other one is Life is Strange because I just, I just never got around to buying it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'd really, really, really like to play it. I think we'll end up talking about that today, huh? There's no way to know. There's yes. no way there's, to know. There's no spoilers yeah. in this in this doc. We don't know each other's list. Nobody gets at spoiled all. in this doc. No, we're all looking at different docs for different podcasts. Right. right what about you? Right. Uh, I got two of them. Yeah. One of them is Life is Strange, is a new one because you you were up on it and it sounded cool. And I really enjoy Life is Strange. I skipped two. I skipped part two, but I really liked part one and what came out. Uh, the other game I was just thinking about it uh, is Metroid Dread. I wish that I actually played Metroid Dread, but um, when it came out, I debated so hard of whether or not like to pick it up, and then you ended up picking up, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll just play it when he's done, mm-hmm. and then that motivation never came. Like It just never came, because like, you, you were kind of down on it, and I was like, oh, all right, and then that's why I started playing Hollow Knight, because I was like, let me go play that. Instead. This happened with another game, too. I think it was yeah. an after party, where like I played it, and I wasn't super high on I it. I bought it, too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, maybe I won't play it. Then. Never I'm played like, it. But you know just because i don't like something doesn't mean you won't like it or enjoy it or find merit in it like i just i wasn't as like wowed uh, about that game as i was like oxen free okay uh, metroid dread i i think i talked about it but like you know i when a game like hollow knight has come out and really just set the blueprint for what i want from a, a metroidvania type game for metroid to just come out and do the same thing that the franchise has been doing since its inception it's just a little disappointing uh, right and i just wanted sense. a little bit more from it and, right it's a piece of shit yeah game's a piece but, of shit I have both those games. I have Metroid Dread and Life is Strange. You can just borrow them. So I'll, I'll borrow them from yeah. your body. Thank you. I'll borrow them. Yes. Uh, the next one on here is Most Anticipated Elden Ring of 2022. Any guesses? Does that mean we have to say Elden Ring? Oh, you knew it. What the fuck? <laughs> Are you looking at the dock, Chelsea? How did you I, do this? <laughs> I, I am anticipating Elden Ring of the 2022. Are we going to play it together, Chelsea? I mean, we talked about Is trying it... to play Demon's Souls together and it didn't come to fruition. Yeah. You yeah. said it was a fuck you January game. Oh, did I say Demon's Souls was a fuck you January game? Well, we were going to do December, but I think everyone mm-hmm. was just not connecting in in the time-wise. That's true. Yeah. I think we're all trying to rush through like the rest of the games we needed to play this year. And 
I did Demon Souls December, like the branding was there. It was there, yeah. but now it's fuck you, it's Demon Souls. <laughs> yeah, I mean it makes sense now. I mean yeah. I've never played it. You guys have both finished it and I I need help with it. So Okay. But I also want to be like so Elden Ring has persistent, you know, multiplayer and whatnot, right? Mm. Or I, maybe I shouldn't say persistent. When does this come out now? <laughs> uh end of February. Okay. Okay. So right around other big games like Horizon. Horizon's coming out, Ooh, which I, I definitely see. want to play. But okay. um, I think Elden Ring's going to take some priority. I think mm-hmm. that'd be a fun one if we can jump into and actually do the multiplayer. That'd be I would s- love to play multiplayer with sick. you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, in, I'm excited <laughs> for it. <laughs> I'll take this one because I know what I have in my head. <laughs> Best TV or movie adaptation of a video game of the year. Oh, fuck. I'll start. Arcane. It's Arcane. Arcane oh. surprised the shit out of me. I don't know anything about League of Legends, and I still do not care about League of Legends. I will never play it. Riot, you have failed to drive me to your video game. Uh, But, however, I am looking forward to season two of Arcane, because this show was really, really good. Uh, It's a show that you don't need to know anything about the the video game to enjoy. The acting was great, and some people said the animation rivals Spider-Verse. People were saying, I don't know, because like that's actually <laughs> what's kind of putting me off of the show. I don't mm. like the animation style. Oh, I love the animation style. I think it's really cool. Like in action, it looks fucking really neat. Maybe it, maybe because I haven't seen a full episode and I'm just seeing kind of clips of it. I'm just like, I don't know. Okay. Gotta watch a full episode, man. Yeah. Well, anyone else? Anyone want to say Resident Evil? Can I cheat and say something? Yeah, yeah cheat. Go for it. I'm, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to cheat really hard and twist uh, and make a loophole for myself. But I'm going to say Squid Game because I made video games after uh, the, the show. Technically uh, based off I, of I, games. I, yeah, I there you go. I episode of The Witcher. Uh, mm. So I can't say that. And I don't know if I love it yet. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Squid Game because you know what they made some games and I'm just gonna pretend uh, it counts. Squid Game. There you go, Squid Game. I'm gonna steal video game adaptation. I'm gonna steal Chelsea's answer because that's a good answer. Squid Game as well. Yeah, because I'm struggling to think like what other adaptations came out this year. Well, there was The Witcher, like she said. There was Welcome to Raccoon City. Yeah, we're not. (laughs) Seen it. I'll I'll give that points just for Claire being awesome. Okay, Kaya Scudero was was great. Say it again. Was the last (laughs) season of Castlevania this year or was that 2020? (laughs) Um, I'm struggling to remember. I think Castlevania ended last year. Okay, right? Was that 2020, Chelsea? I'm sorry, what did she say? Ca- <laughs> Castlevania. She was laughing at the Kyle's Cabrero. <laughs> uh, um, Castlevania season four. Was that this year or last year? Um, let me look. Oh, May 13th yes. of 2021. Yeah, so that Oh, shit. Good. I think you know, Ar- that, Arcane that hit me a little too. harder. What's that? I haven't seen Arcane yet, but you know what? Castlevania's up there, but I'm still going to say Squid Game. There you go. Dong Yu's an attractive man. Dong Yu? Okay, here's a side thing. You know, Kevin? You know how I've been wanting to watch the Yakuza movie and I haven't yet? <laughs> yes. Gong Yu's in it. One of his early roles. No, really? Okay, now that, we definitely have to watch night. it. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> well, you, you're saving that for all of us to watch, right? Yeah, I want to watch it with you guys in person. <laughs> okay, there we go. We're going to watch Heck the yeah. Yakuza COVID. <laughs> like the dragon movie. I have something to look forward to. There you go. For once. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, next one on here is the uh, the Balan Wonderland of the Year Award, which oh. I just want this to mean like the worst game you played this year. Oh, OK. Because yeah. um, Balan Wonderland came out and was just like universally fucking shat on. God, what was the worst game that I played this year? It's a tough one, right? That is a tough one. I don't think I played a game that I didn't like this year because I was very picky. Yeah, same here. I, I didn't touch anything that I was just like, oh, this is an absolute wreck. Hmm, that's a tough one. It's okay. It's okay to have no answer. Games are too good nowadays. 
They don't make bad ones. They just make disappointing ones. I think, uh, okay, this wasn't the worst game I played this year. I think I was kind of disappointed uh, with it by the end. Hmm. But Maquette, which was, uh, it was free on PlayStation Plus, I think, like March, but it's like a first-person puzzle game. Um, I was really hot on it at first, but then kind of the puzzle loop and mechanics after a while got really tired and right. just kind of obtuse. Yeah. I wanted to love it way more than I did because like the music design, art design and everything, it, it's really special. But I just, you know, there are other puzzle games out there that are probably like they exceed far more in what they've done. I think of games like The Witness, right? Um, even games like Portal, where it's like they're using unique mechanics to manipulate the world. Um I just think that the size mechanic and the perspective shifts, like while cool at first, doesn't really continually land or succeed. Hmm. Could I say disappointment? That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad game, just sure. a disappointment. Yeah, we please. Uh, lost judgment. Can you tell us why it didn't strike for you like a dragon? It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I. It's been hard to like word it, but lost judgment feels like a game that felt really rushed because the story beats feel scattered and they don't connect as well for me. The mm -hmm. side stories, which are mostly school-based, some of them are really nice. I think the dance team one is really nice. Uh, I got really good at the minigame. <laughs> I, I really like the dance thing and it ended up having a really nice story. Otherwise, there's a lot of it that doesn't work for me. The, the school stuff doesn't work for me because it's just so disconnected from the actual main story, except for they the they worked at the school um mm, yeah I agree uh, a lot of a lot of sidelining of the characters uh the best part of judgment that the original one is that the characters felt like family and they were all there um and they got sidelined uh in lost judgment and i think a reason why kaito who's a fan favorite got sidelined for a lot of the game is because they're releasing dlc this year where you play as kaito oh it feels like a very it feels like a gladio situation ah. if that makes sense yeah that's right he really wasn't a part of like the third act of the game yeah <laughs> like very much it, at all it's missing and like the person who ends up being like the forefront of the the squad is the the, the problem is, is i don't remember his name because i really don't like him uh the techie guy oh and his friend uh, with the mask the guy with the mask is like they're like I like Segura, and Segura? I don't know if I'm saying it right, but the the guy in, from the first game who sits in the uh, yeah. internet cafe. Yeah, because they run a, they run a detective business in Yokohama. Yeah, um, and it just yeah. didn't work for me too much because I didn't like that character too much, That's and um, the story just there. There's very minimal highs and a lot of lows for me. Like there's some highs, like I like the last chapter. There's another random chapter in the middle that I liked, and it just didn't feel like it had the same oomph as other RGG games. That's yeah. All. No, kind of I think that's that's pretty salient because like the thing that I couldn't get over was that a lot of the game is like high school detective club mystery stuff. But you're a grown ass adult. I, I can tell that, the, that maybe they were trying to go after like some of the persona audience or something. They're like, you need you need to do like the high school thing. And it was like, yeah, that doesn't make sense for what you did in part one. Like this dude was dealing with a murder and now we're dealing with bullying in high school feels like a downgrade when it comes to story beats for sure. Like the game felt like an expansion that they stretched too thin. Yes. Make it a full game. Yeah, and it doesn't do enough to distinguish itself from the first game. It feels like a clone of the game, but yeah. a little hollow. And it was sad that we go to Yokohama and they just don't utilize it well. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's just kind of a shell of a place versus how it's, vibrant and alive it was in Like a Dragon. It's also cut off from uh, Like a Dragon, so it feels even smaller. And it just, it doesn't work for me. 
So it's a disappointment yeah. for me. I got you. I feel that. Um, the only thing that comes to mind that I was like, I played it and really didn't like it. I forget if it came out this year. It was Visage. It was a first person horror game that was on Game Pass. And I did like a stream for it and just get got like very like just upset at the game. It was a very obtuse puzzle game where it's like, hey, you're basic. You can't see anything. Everything's in shadows. You're in a house PT style. Right. And it's one of those games where it doesn't like really tell you anything about itself. So you just find yourself like trying doorknobs and looking for weird keys and they use an inventory system that's just garbo garbage the entire time and i just ended up getting like just super annoyed whereas everyone was telling me the game's so brilliant and so scary and i was just like this is not <laughs> this is whatever man um so that was one of the games that i just put down like really fucking quickly where i was like i don't like this and then the medium came i ended up playing the medium and i was like this is what i want out of this type of game this is the shit i like this way more hmm. bummer we got two last ones here. We'll make these quick because we need to get into like the game of the year talk. Yeah, Chelsea, uh, Jesus. Favorite game that we've played this year that didn't release <laughs> this year award. I have one. Uh, I picked up Prey for $10. Um, and I actually ended up really fucking digging it. Uh, I got super absorbed into it because when I first picked up in 2017, I uh, didn't get past the beginning part. So I didn't understand it. But now that I am older and smarter and wiser, <laughs> uh, I, I super dug what it it offered me and i ended up really fucking liking it what do you think was the difference for you where you're like oh this clicks for me now when it didn't before i feel like i was very impatient in 2017 where i didn't want to like learn a new game because sometimes learning a new system is kind of just all over the place for me mm -hmm. and uh, i had the time this year and i got recommended it and uh i thought it was really interesting and when i finally got to the ending and all the ending bits and all the story coming together and understanding what happened it's really fucking good to me i think the first hour is the maybe the slowest roughest part of the game but once you start mm -hmm. getting like the the story coming in and where you start unraveling what really happened that's where it starts to get really good for me okay well, i like right. the mystery of it i'm gonna stream it tonight now chelsea okay thank me. you <laughs> no problem i'm gonna do it no i do want to beat that game i, I hear it's actually i think really, it's really i think it's pretty neat i think for me the the game that i've probably metal gear solid yeah Metal Gear Solid 5 is one of those games I really got into the systems. I, I'm not a big sneaking game guy, but like the way that they do open world in that game, in addition to sneaking, it's just the variety of plays so fun. Like you saw the way that I play, which is I'm not going to kill anybody <laughs> ever. All of you work for me now. So I have to find clever ways of tranquilizing everybody and then using my um, fulcrum. Was it? Is it the, no, the Fulton mm -hmm. to get them back to my base. <laughs> and so I was just collecting dudes. It was a dude collectathon. I don't want to collect cups in a game, yeah. uh, fucking Todd Howard. I want to collect men. I want dudes for my dude ranch. <laughs> my dude ranch kept on growing. I had to make more at, at Mother Base. I have to keep on making more platforms because there's just too many dudes. <laughs> and then when you go back, they go, boss, and they like salute you. And then you can grab them and seek you see them. They go, thank you, boss. Oh. They're like harder, boss. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. That game was so amazing. I already mentioned it, but Persona 5 Royal. Gotcha. Fucking love that game. Yep. I I've talked about it at length on on many an episode. Um, uh, but it just it's a just a beautiful melding of systems between the gameplay, the story, the character work, everything. Uh, and just being just a student sim. I'm out there. Um, I'm at the batting cages. I'm learning to to study. I'm learning to fucking hang out with my cat and just be the best uh, kid I can be. You know, right on. You know, trying to re rehabilitate myself in the eyes of the law and <laughs> steal people's hearts along Stop the way. Stop doing crime. <laughs> um. Another one would be 
Katamari Damacy Reroll, which is technically a game that like came out a while ago, but I never got around to it until this year. Katamari is a series that is like very near and dear to me. Uh, and that game is just, it's a, I guess it's a remaster port of like the first game mm-hmm. uh, from right. the PS2. And I, that game's just a like a serotonin rush for me. If I'm feeling bad, I can put in Katamari and just my, my troubles melt away. You know, they're just me, the ball and the world. Yeah, I love that game. Ball is life. Yeah. <laughs> ball is life. That's what you're saying. Ball is life. Yeah. I like that. It's our last one on here. The last one here. It's it's mainly for me and you. Uh, Chelsea can participate too because I know she got a few of these this year. But it is <laughs> oh, wow. favorite oh, platinum shit. of the year. Well, I know Chelsea's not big on like platinuming games. I platinum game this year. Yeah, um, you platinum a few games this year. Yeah, yeah, I have. yeah. She so had a fun I... platinum. Yeah. <laughs> she should go first, Daniel. Go first, since you snubbed no, her. No, I'm going third. <laughs> no, go first. All right, uh, Tales of Arise, because that actually was really fun to platinum. And I recommend it to both of you if you ever want to go back to it. What made it fun? It's just fun. (laughs) (laughs) Fun game is fun. Okay. It was the same fun where only like maybe one or two are slightly annoying, but not like undoable, like how uh, Ghost of Tsushima was or Days Gone. Like it's that kind of fun where you're almost getting them and just need to do a little extra work outside of what you're already doing. Yeah. That, that was sense. what's fun. And then you got to see stuff like uh, getting all the fish from fishing or uh, getting all the swords so you can see how cool they look when you hold it in your hand like a penis. You know what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> that, pe- people hold swords like it's their penis. You know? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I've seen I've seen that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just my takeaway. <laughs> That's my favorite platinum Good takeaway. over here. Uh, I've done a couple of other ones, but I can't remember them because I don't do it often. You're right, Daniel. <laughs> Didn't you platinum uh, Concrete Genie this year? I did because yeah. it was just basically playing the game. <laughs> I, I appreciate platinums that are like that, where it's just like you're naturally going to get this through the like course a Telltale of the game. game. Yeah, yeah. Life is Strange True Colors was like that, and then the supplemental stuff is just really easy to get as well, which I really appreciated it because like any game where I don't have to like play the game twice or do chapter select. It's just, it's, it's great. Like you, you baked in a good trophy uh, system and mapping there. Let's see. I have a lot of platinums. I didn't enjoy getting this year. Same. Like there were a lot of grindy <laughs> ones this year. Like Returnal is a decently bad platinum because of the randomization for it. Um, even though that game is really, really fun. Um, and uh, finally, finally capping off Marvel's Avengers, getting that platinum. Yo, we did it. The worst grind <laughs> imaginable for Yeah, we did game. it. Yeah. Wait, you, helped, Chelsea. you helped us you did it chelsea it was just hours and hours of like putting on a podcast and then like spending like five hours at night just doing hives it was mm-hmm. terrible it was the worst at least i had my boy spidey with me though sure that's good shit when it comes to fun platinums i got two uh one was going back to spider-man ps5 and re-platinuming that oh, yeah. game that was super super enjoyable and i love that game and it's one of my favorite games of all fucking time there's no i have no criticism about that game anymore none zero i had another <laughs> platinum that I enjoyed very much getting. It is, of course, and I think these are always fun. Good job, Capcom. Resident Evil Village was a fun platinum for me. Oh. The only part that I didn't enjoy was the Mercenaries, which I'm very, very disappointed that I didn't end up liking their version of the Mercenaries in that game because the Mercenaries is king. It is alpha. It's omega. It was a tease. It was a tease. It was a tease. They, they called something that wasn't Mercenaries Mercenaries. It was more like raid mode honestly. But otherwise, I think it was a fun platinum because, you know, you go around, there's some challenge runs, there was... Uh, making sure that you're collecting all this, the fine, fine jewelry <laughs> throughout the game, which I thought was cool. It's always a good reason to like break the game's borders, kind of like what we did with RE7. Where oh, it's like, how fast yes. can I speed through this like section? I think, unfortunately, this game had more like 
locked on sections, kind of like uh, the uh, what's her name again? I always forget with the baby, the doll lady with the baby. Oh, Lady Benevito. Benevito. Yeah. yeah, her her section. Well, <laughs> the first time you play it is the only time that it's very good. Every other time is super diminishing returns, mm-hmm. which is so upsetting because like to get the platinum, you're literally ruining parts of the game. <laughs> That, like, were super effective to begin with. But otherwise, I, I always like Capcom's um, Platinum runs. They're always, like, fun. What were yours? Who? Uh, yeah, this is the year that I platinum the most games I've ever platinumed in my life. How many? I think 10. 10. Yeah, maybe 10 11, out. but at least 10. Uh, it was a lot of long, hard earns. Like, Returnal, Hades, Persona 5 Royal, those were all, like, 100-hour Platinums. Yeah, dude. Uh, a lot of grinding there. Um, it Enjoyable in, <laughs> Avengers. in elements. Yeah, Avengers, exactly. Uh, Returnal, like, I, I love that game. That Platinum sucked. Uh, Hades, I think, um, it became a game where I turned my brain off and I was just doing the run after run to get, get the supplemental, like, resources and, and finish all these side quests and, and do all that. And I, I had an, a deeper appreciation for that game uh, doing the Platinum because there's story elements that, like, you only get by 100% in the game. Um, so that was cool. I think the one I had the most fun with uh, outside of the Pathless uh, was Control Ultimate Edition. Because, like, I played that game when it came out in 2019, um, but the original PS4 version was really buggy, stuttered a lot, the performance sucked. So to get to go back to, like, this PS5 Ultimate Edition with, like, the extra content and stuff, um, and having it run the best it, it runs on, on a PlayStation, like, was really enjoyable for me. And, like, it was just fun to play that game again, get back into that world, and, and just kind of slowly build up my my skill set to where I became, like, this fucking Jean Grey god, right? Like, with my kinesis abilities and being, able, being able to levitate. God. Yeah, it was, that game is so much fun to go back to. Um, well, what now, guys? Well, that's it for the superlatives. That's not it for the content. We got the game of the year talk now, right? Whoa! Look out, the save rooms. 2021, Gotti, the conversation. Plus Chelsea. Brought brought to you by Chelsea Hekabad. Bay of the Bay? No? What's your honorific? What do we call you? It's just Chelsea Hekabad. Don't call me the Bay. No, no. You you need like an intro thing. You can't go, oh, here's Chelsea Hekabad. No, like Macho Man comes in. He's about to break a nacho on these dudes. <laughs> all right, you... all right. I, I'll I'll just go. I'll just go because I didn't come up with anything more creative than what you have. You, so. You'll just go. <laughs> I'll just go with it. <laughs> oh, okay, guys. I need to talk to you about the games first that didn't make your list that you really really enjoyed this year. Okay. Can we can we just like can we just like can you do that for me? Yeah. Let's, like can you let's guys really do that for me? All right. Do that. So Daniel, what what are some games that didn't make your uh? Make you top tenny, but you felt like uh, tickled you in the penny. I don't like being tickled, but I like these games. You like being tickled in the penny? <laughs> I don't think I've ever been touched with a penny <laughs> from another person. <laughs> yeah, we all have a penny. <laughs> so this is a mixed bag of games. One game I didn't finish. Two games that uh, one game that didn't come out this year, and then another game that's technically not a full game. Uh, the first game is Chicory. Um, I just started playing this last week. Um, Got it for 20 bucks because it's still full price. Really charmed by it. It's like I explained to Kevin off stream and off air. Uh, it's like a rainy day sort of game mm. where like I don't feel myself super beholden to like wanting to like barrel through it. But like if I'm like, you know, I need that comfort food or I need something to just kind of like, you know, get under the blankets with and, and play for an hour. Like it's that sort of game. Uh, it's it's really like, no, it's like it's a very like cozy 
uh, heartwarming, charming game. Uh, the characters are are really fun, and, and just kind of like exploring that world and the mechanics is is it's it's unique in its presentation. I mean, the the idea is that you're the wielder. Uh, you're not Chicory. Chicory is like this great like painter and wielder known in the world. My character's name is Chicken Parm. Uh, a lot of the characters in that world are named after food. I didn't know that's what I was naming myself after until it was too late. They just said, hey, what's your favorite food? And I was like, chicken parm. And then that was my name. Um, but a lot of the, the gameplay and puzzles are based around just painting and filling the world with color. It's a completely blank gray canvas of a world when you start. Uh, and then as you go along, you just get different like kind of uh, sets of palettes to where you can just like fully fill, fill in the world. So if like you hold uh, L2, it does like a slow like like there's a reticle and then it'll slowly fill the whole world with color um, or you can just kind of free paint with it. Uh, you could use the joysticks or you could use the touchpad for like quicker, oh, no wider way. swaps. I, I do that when I'm just like manically trying to get through something. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just like the, the people in the world want color back and it's your job to give it to them. Um, the, the the puzzles based around it are pretty cool too. Um, and the music by, by Lena Rain, who did the music for Celeste is just amazing. Uh, Kevin got me the uh, Pulse headset for for Christmas. Shout out to Kevin. Uh, Hi. With the 3D binaural audio. And like just having that on uh, while playing the game, it's just like you feel like you're in the room with the musicians that, oh, wow. that uh, Lena and co. And it's it's, it's great. Oh, so you like that thing? Yeah, you I like that, that thing headset? a lot. It's pretty right good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's one of my honorable mentions. Uh, Hades. What, what else is there to say about Hades? That was on my list last year. Um, it finally came to PS5. Uh, and PS4. Um, so finally got to play through it right in, on, right in on. full. Uh, platinum it, put a lot of time into it, and finally like truly beat it. Because like when it came out on the Switch, I I never got to the final run. I never beat Hades himself. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was good to finally give that game a, a full dicking, if you will. Whoa! I, I, I struggled I with the word in my head, and I was like, you know what? We'll land with dicking, because whatever. That's what gods are about. Of everything we could have said. <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay. I'm glad I really ate out this title. <laughs> I really want ass to mouth on this title. Um, <laughs> so, like, I've never been uh, an appreciator of, of roguelikes because, like, until last year when I first played Hades, I had never played one. And then I think Returnal is really where, like, it clicked for me. And then going back to Hades after, I just had a deeper appreciation for it. So, right, right, right. that was one for me. Play Dead um, Cells now. Eh, maybe go back maybe. to we'll see. same game as Hades almost the same uh, we'll see we'll see uh, the last one on here is Final Fantasy 7 Remake Integrade um, I'll never get the naming convention right but I'll say they got this DLC right I love playing as uh, Yuffie uh, even though it's just like two quick chapters and you're really kind of replaying like simultaneous events of, of the main game. It's great to be back in that world. Um, they tried to fill it with as much kind of like content as they could in terms of like that, like tactical Fort Condor, like mini game and other stuff. Mm -hmm. But just getting to play as Yuffie again in like this remake re-envisioning was just really special. Uh, and the music is fucking like amazing, right? Like the, Chelsea, you've played it, right? The jazz, yes, the jazz soundtrack that just pops off where you're like doing spy stuff as Yuffie or like just going through like parts of the world. And it's like, it feels like spy, like bebop music. It's just, it's really cool. Um, and it, it has me hyped for like whatever Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two uh, will be when, uh, you know, Square Enix is done with their NFT trailblazing. So, you know. That that ending to the Integrate uh, mm -hmm. DLC, oh baby. So good. <laughs> Um, I didn't finish some of the content with it because, like, there's a, a boss fight where you go back and you fight. What's his name? Vice the the white or Vice the Vice. Yeah, Vice. 
one of the hardest fucking fights in any video game ever. It's kind of uh, on the level of like the data fights from Kingdom Hearts. It's just brutally hard. For, Weiss is for no from uh, Cerberus, right? That's that's. I the think weird so. Yeah. Part. Yeah. I love that they gave Cerberus some love. I'll just say that. <laughs> but yeah, those are mine. So uh, I'll kick it to Chelsea next. My honorable mentions. I said Lost Judgment. Uh, it was a disappointment, but still, it's an RGG game, so you know that you're getting some good stuff in there. You still get kind of hooked, uh, so I'll just push that aside. Mass Effect, uh, it didn't change too much from the original release when it came out on 360, etc. cetera. Uh, so I can't, I didn't feel like it was fair to include it, even though I love Mass Effect. It would just been me loving Mass Effect, so I, I kept it as honorable. Did you get through all three of them? I did, and nice. I've almost platinumed them. I just have to do biotic stuff, which I never do, so I just have to do that. My other honorable mention is It Takes Two. Uh, I played that with Kevin. Hi! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that game is amazing co-op, and it de- super depends on who you play it with, who I have played it with the best, which is Kevin. Um, Hi! The, sto- the-, <laughs> the writing is what keeps it off my top ten. I'm not the biggest lover of what they did with the writing i think it would be the book that mm-hmm. keeps it off my top the book and how it ends book. yeah yeah and the, fact <laughs> the only solution like, to divorce is to not and it's like it the the game basically is like these people are unhappy with their marriage yeah. and the game is like well we're gonna force you to work together but it's like that's not always the answer with divorce but the game is telling you that's the only answer yeah it's and a weird take on couples counseling it's it's a little bit loose there with like the the writing for me but sure. it is one of the best co-op games and also with um a way out which is one of my favorite games i played with kevin ever uh just <laughs> that was a good time we made our own dialogue with that game and it made it really fun so <laughs> As far as co-op goes, It Takes Two is the best co-op game I've ever played. And playing it with like someone you really like have chemistry with, it makes it even better. And Kevin was the best person to play with. Hi. Um, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and my other honorable mention is the one that I swapped 50-50 for my 10 spot because I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> I had no one to talk to about this because it's like, I don't know how to do it, is Monster Hunter Rise. I put ah. 200 hours into Monster Hunter Rise. No probably way. The, probably the, the most I've ever put into a game this year, which is like, why am I not putting it at 10? But at the same time, it's just Monster Hunter World, but easier, more accessible for a mm. newcomer. With the addition of the, what was it? The wire bug, right? Yeah, the wire which bug. Which is stuff. great. I love it. And your palico. <laughs> and your palico. It's just a fun game, but as far as like co-op goes, tough to get people to play with you tough to get something going on because nintendo's online thing is just so garbage yeah and it's it's frustrating (laughs) it's frustrating to play nintendo game with someone else yeah um but i put 200 hours into that game i fucking loved it i love the monsters it gave me some aquatic stuff which i've i've been missing um from world and uh yeah that's my honorable mention i just really liked it but it just didn't pass into the top 10 Hmm. i love the wire bug (laughs) You go next or am I going next? I already went. You already went? I started. What'd you talk about? Chicory. Oh, no. oh that's I, why I went to another that. world when you started talking about Chicory. Oh, oh my Kevin God. Has, fuck you. Kevin has so many honorables that he's last. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do. I think Aliens we already talked about. I love that game and I'm probably still going to play it here and there. It's it's a very good turn off your brain, just kind of shoot, shoot game. Um, so is Back for Blood. Back for Blood is fun. It was just kind of a mess when it came out. 
very unbalanced and they just need to fix up a bunch of stuff. But I'm, I'm interested to go back like now since they've patched it a bunch. I think a big problem was with the special zombies. They like 15 of them would show up at like the worst opportunity. And it, it just, yeah, even like normal felt way too hard mm-hmm. on that game. But it, it has some moments where it's like, okay, I see why you did this. And then other moments it's like, I don't know why you did this worse than Left 4 Dead. That's really confusing. You didn't need to do that, but you did. You did. So that's why it really, it did not break anywhere near the top 10. Uh, Back for Blood this year. Hades, of course, put a good amount of hours, finally beat the first like run of Hades, which is not something that I did on the Switch, despite putting like honestly 80 hours into the game on Switch. Um, so I was happy to finally do that. Will I go back? Who knows? Time will tell. Lost Judgment, of course, is on that list. Um, I overall like the game, but it's definitely one of the weaker RGG outings, especially out of the newer RGG outings. Um, yeah. Just just not enough to distinguish itself from the first one and definitely feels like a crashing disappointment after getting something so refreshing like like a dragon that came out. Uh, and then actually I want to uh, good old shout out, fuck Bobby Kotek, but good old shout out to Call of Duty Vanguard because it had a campaign that actually zapped me in almost instantly it borrows the Battlefield 1 vignette kind of kind of thing, but um, I think it does it a little bit better because you have a core cast of characters that you get to learn about through, like, their past events in the war and, like, why is it that they're a part of, like, this super inglorious bastards team? Mm-hmm. And that was a really cool way to frame the story. The writing's actually really strong. The characterizations are strong. The acting is great. Uh, Polina's part, she's, like, a Russian sniper. Mm-hmm. Her whole portion of the game is, like fucking proof of concept for why they should have done that right mm-hmm. of like why the story is built that way so i was actually really really uh up on that game i think it kind of ends on like a whatever note because like there's not much you can do other than world war ii ended <laughs> yeah there's no going home and like hitler's underneath the bed <laughs> like it's just not gonna happen but uh yeah i, I enjoyed it and the online's okay I, I it's not my favorite online shooter mm. like this year that that's the thing like the campaign a lot the online is whatever uh i got near replicate under my honorable mention it might have gone up higher, but I didn't actually like beat all the replay throughs. I just kind of dropped off after the first. Um, but I I liked it a lot. I think it's a lot simpler than Automata for obvious reasons because it came out first. But the music is really, really, really fucking uh, enrapturing. I listened to a bunch of the soundtrack like outside of playing the game this year. And um, I really like the gameplay and I like the story beats. I think it's a strong game. It's just some of the older design held it back, in my opinion. The quest design just like really bored the ever-living shit out of me. But otherwise, I enjoyed the game. Uh, and then MH Rise is on there, Monster Hunter Rise. I mostly just played it with Chelsea. I really didn't play it that much by myself. And then, then I found out Chelsea played it 400% more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I also played, um, I played Bowser's Fury uh or did we play bowser's fury together chelsea or did i play we didn't we just played the the regular 3d world together gotcha i I played so i played that with you and that was a lot of fun that was the first time i ever played 3d world because like nobody in their right mind had a wii u uh and (laughs) (laughs) but bowser's fury is really interesting because it was like wow here's what they could do with like kind of a closed circuited open world mario situation which was really interesting to have like all these different experiences in one map was like one of the coolest things that I've seen a Mario game do. Yeah. It did. It just, it didn't rank for me because it wasn't one of those experiences that I fucking like got stuck with this year. And then, uh, yep, that, that's about it. I already talked about Alan Wake. It's amazing. You should play Alan Wake. It's fucking great. Especially if you like horror or survival horror or X-Files or Twin Peaks or, does he uh, wake up? He doesn't. Oh, Shit. well, spoilers. Damn, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks under the bed and Hitler's there. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was my honorables. But I think now we can go to our video game round robin. Chelsea C, mm. I am not D. You're D, and I am K. So we should go C D K. Uh, sure, yeah, that works. Robin. Okay. Yeah. Also, I want to ask too, like for you guys, what what were the important factors that went into like putting these games in your game of the year? What like what qualified a game for game of the year versus not? I have a simple answer. Hmm. My feelings. Aww. It doesn't even have to be like it doesn't have to be great mechanically, gameplay wise, mm. um, or anything. I could have just had a good time playing it. There could be a memory attached to it. Just feelings. I'm almost like in a similar way where it's 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 all just like gut feeling. It's not um there's no scientific measurement for like, oh well I spent two hundred hours in this game and therefore it's better than you know other games on my list. No, it, it was more like, did this give me an experience that I really latched onto and just stuck with me throughout the year because mm-hmm. like these games like i continue to think about like throughout the year whereas other games mm-hmm. that i played just kind of dropped off in my mind i don't think my ranking matters as much but it's more about like these are the games that stood out as experiences that i'll always lace to 2021 mm-hmm. like oh yeah village was like a moment in time kind of game for me yeah not, nothing too like oh well this game had a art direction that i've never seen i don't give a fuck <laughs> As long as it was fun. Yeah. Was it fun? Did I enjoy it? There you go. Yeah, we, we often do like the gameplay is king argument when it comes to our, like our game yeah. of the years. Like, what do we have the most fun playing? And I, I try and do that snooty, like, you know, objective, like, does it check off all the boxes, right? Is the music, story, gameplay, character work, all does all of it hit? But the thing about this year is like all the games on my list, like the, for where they succeed, there's a deficit, right? Like Love Returnal, I, as much as the, the narrative is interesting, I can't say it as a strong story, no. right? Um, same with uh, some of the other games on my list as well. But yeah, I think I, with, with that, like a lot of it is just like, what what did I get the most enjoyment out of? What left a, a really mm. it, good impact on me, right? M- much like Chelsea. Chelsea by the Sea. What's your number 10 on there? All right. So my number 10 actually snipes both of your high picks. So that's, that's my disappointment here. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I thought was going to happen. This seems to be the biggest one. But uh, Resident Evil ate the village. 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 Um, it was my number eight because I struggled with it. I didn't know if I wanted to put it at 10. I didn't know if I wanted to, to replace it with Monster Hunter Rise. But from what I, this is what I did. Let me explain. I wrote. <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry. I struggled a lot with my top ten. Yeah. I wrote bullet points on a piece of paper of positive things I like and no negatives. Because <laughs> I know negatives can like really derail a conversation. But I basically put Resident Evil 8 because I just I like the world of Resident Evil. I like the continuation of Seven, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Nice. And I just like that there wasn't too much of a slowdown when it comes to like storytelling or like or action or just like this excitement when it came to that game because the village is so exciting there's only some times where it slowed down which i would say is the what's that area with um the the warehouse oh that's heisenberg's factory yeah the factory it would be the biggest slowdown because you could yeah. get lost there if you're not paying attention but i the guns feel really good that's the my favorite shotgun is from village <laughs> um the the fun over the top characters that we all love, like we love the the, the lady. <laughs> Say her name, Lady Demis. De, Demis- there we go. I think it's Lady, lady Demetrice. Is Demetrice. what they landed on. Demetrice. Yeah. I I did a closet cosplay of her. I love her. Um, but she's, she's not fun. taller than you. She's not taller than me. I'm at least a millimeter higher. Does a 
closet cosplay mean like whatever's in your closet or that like you have to be in the closet when you're taking like pictures of the cosplay? It's whatever I have on hand and then <laughs> okay, maybe I sense. buy something really cheap so I don't go out of my, my way to get something. Gotcha. Um, so you had that hat? <laughs> I had that hat already. <laughs> <Amazing. laughs> that, that hat is why I decided to try to do it. Um, I love gotcha. the daughters, which is a, one of the biggest issues is that I I kind of just wanted it to just be that story and then like yeah. flesh it out. I feel it you. was just it was so interesting in the way that they like they they marketed it. You're like, oh yeah, give me this gothic mansion and this <laughs> unraveling lore story of these vampires, and then you end up finding out that. If you want to speed run it, you're only supposed to be there for an hour. I like that the Resident Evil has definitely put itself as like a fun action game. It, it could be horror. Like seven was horror. That was very good to me. But eight went back to like that action-y feeling and that on the rails, you go where they want you to go. And I did revisit it a couple of times, but it didn't, it, it, it had diminishing returns for me. And it was great for a, a most of the time, but then it started to like lose a little bit of steam for me. Sure. Like when we got to Heisenberg a little bit and then the Mother Miranda stuff kind of I wish there was more Mother Miranda. I'll say that. I can agree with that. Yeah, it's definitely higher in both mine and Daniel's list. I, I landed that one at number three for the mm -hmm. year. A lot of that is, well, one, I love Resident Evil, but I think when I look at the different games that came out this year of what I think is like a complete package, I think Resident Evil Village is like it also serves as being like, yeah, here's this big AAA experience that's tight. Um, it gets to its point pretty quickly. There isn't really a lot of parts that I consider to be unfun in that game. Like I'm enjoying myself throughout. There are things that I wanted to remix. Like I think it would have been interesting if the whole thing was about Lady D and her daughters. Cassandra's my favorite daughter, by the way. And uh, how do I tell them apart? I don't want to explain that. But um, I wanted more about that. But what I really ended up enjoying was the fact that each of the different, let's call them the Lords of Cinder <laughs> village, um, represent kind of like uh, a classic universal movie monster. Like, you know, you got your vampire and Lady D, you got Frankenstein with Heisenberg stuff, you got the creature from the Black Lagoon with the, the merman, forget his fucking name, it doesn't uh, matter. Monroe, I think. And then like whatever, like ghosts, ghosty whatever with and dolls. You like you you get a lot going on with a Benevento for some reason. But um mm -hmm. I I think it was a cool escalation of Resident Evil 7 where it was instead of just going after a lot of the same like farmhouse or American Gothic, it said, we're going to go for this different style. That's a little bit more exaggerated and matches the tone of Resident Evil four. If we were to do it today, right? Like, I feel like that whole game is a test pad of like, would people be able to bite down on the camp a bit more, a bit more of the action while us still trying to mimic like the, the, the things that people like re that resonated with people with part seven. And I think it did a good job with that, but yeah, I agree. It, it's not number one for me for a lot of reasons. I think seven has more power to it. I was thinking about that today where I was like, well, when it comes to village, after I got my platinum, I just didn't really go back to it. Whereas after I got the platinum in RE7, I was still kind of like, hey, I think I want to replay it. <laughs> I think I want to load it up again. Or another famous example, to this fucking day, I still replay Resident Evil 2 Remake. Mm -hmm. Like, I know it's only been out for like two-ish years, three years next year. Um, I've replayed it like 15 times, 16 times, maybe more. <laughs> Village, I, I don't really want to replay it that much, but like, I think it's one of those games where if I let time go by, 
I definitely want to return to it because it did have these highs that are just like, this is really cool. And I like that it completed Ethan's story. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I like that we finally got some sort of arc in a Resident Evil game that wasn't just Chris sad at beginning, Chris not so sad at end. <laughs> Chris is a, a daddy. <laughs> Which is the funniest image? This buff-ass man who's been like the hero of this fucking series, holding a baby and like looking at the camera all sullen, gun like... in one hand, baby in the other. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I you get your pop shots on Resident Evil. <laughs> so this landed at a uh, number two for me, which kind of shocked me because I thought it was going to be a little lower. Um, we we did a almost three hour podcast on Village when the game <laughs> sure came out. Did. So if you want my full thoughts, go go listen to that. It's one of my favorite things we did this year. Village is the perfect culmination of like what the remakes and what uh, the first person formula have been doing over the last four years, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of like doing small scale horror that gradually ramps up. In terms of like you know ease of gameplay, right? Like the crafting, the menu system, uh, the gameplay feel, right? Like. Seven and Village have like this this uh, mouth feel about it. That's just like when I when I play it, like I mouth. I really love the way like the, the game feels when I play it. Um, and I think it it's what you said about it being the completion of a Ethan Winters uh, story. Ethan Ethan Moldman Winters. Like I really love that we finally got like a continual story for a character mm-hmm. in this world that felt meaningful and wasn't just shoehorned or you know cleaned up in an anime somewhere, right? Like you know in a weird gunkata sequence. Like I just I appreciate that they really took the time to give Ethan Winters a full arc, right? And mm-hmm. it, it does pay off, right? Like, there's cool emotional beats with it. Um, and I can't say that about a lot of Resident Evil games, right? Like, you know, the, not to say that they're devoid of heart, right? But, like, this one has heart, right? Because yeah. it's, like, it's a story about a father, you know, uh, trying to, you know, save his child, right? And that that's there's some gripping moments about it. Um, it in terms of it, like, standing up next to Seven, like, Seven's a way tighter game. Seven's a game that I would always prefer to to replay. Uh, I, I definitely prefer it's like American Gothic swamp horror feel. But I love what they did in terms of like let's do, expand the story, expand the horror in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. right? Let's uh, let's do that ramp up of of mixing action with horror, and I think it it wildly succeeds with a lot of what it does. The level of exploration, I thought there was going to be more to it, right? Because they were marketing it like this open world game, the Super Metroidvania game with like side quests that eventually got pulled out, right? Yeah. They had to scope a lot of it. But like just the sense of exploration when you first get into the village after like some of the, the canned sections where it's like, all right, I'm kind of pipelined. I know I'm supposed to be just moving along because that's what the story does. And like just getting to explore the village for the first time, it's really cool. It feels like exploring like the RPD for the first time where it's like, what is this? Wow. And then once you learn the ins and outs of it, learning how to break it later on feels great where it's like, oh, I could skip this, do this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I I loved it. I, I don't think like a lot of its scares really landed for me, but like its set pieces did, right? Like it's, it's four major components outside of the the main village hub which is a set piece unto itself like the castle the house uh moreau's little swamp area and then the factory like even though like there's plus and minuses for every part of it um it's not a perfect game but it's one that definitely like left a lasting impression for me and i i'm just kind of excited to see where they continue to go with this first person uh feel Right, like whatever they do with nine, or whatever this game informs Resident Evil Four remake of. So yeah, like whatever it ends up yeah. being. But to Chelsea's credit, yeah, the guns feel great too. Like the shotgun, good? my god, I love having that shotgun in my hands. <laughs> it's one of those games that I wish they kind of like just remixed a bit more, where it's like um, make it a little bit 
open worldy, and mm-hmm. I don't even mean like, oh, I want a GTA style, go around on a wagon in the village mm-hmm. or some shit. No, no I, not at all. I, I want something that's just like, oh yeah, I have more um, option and fr- like free agency to explore it at my own pace rather than it being like kind of in a set route. And also the canned stuff, that's where it gets frustrating on replays mm-hmm. where it's like, this is canned. It's always going to shake out the same way every yeah. single time, which gets a little boring. Which- I mean. Yeah. Kevin had that, like that opening segment. It's always yeah. going to play out the same way, but it's always fun. Like, you know, just seeing Mia go like full evil dead, cut off your arm and all this like stuff. It's just, there's a like, yeah. level of excitement to it because it was so fresh. Well, I was missing some things like the bakers chasing you around the estate had some variables to it, sure. right? Like where you hide and how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. And this game kind of lacked that where it was like, there was always one set way to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it might have ranked higher. But like when I think about the, the gameplay experiences that I'm like, overall, I think like, the graphics and then design of it and everything like that really worked for me. I think like Village is one of the best intentionally designed games mm-hmm. like of the year. Hopefully they make more of these Resident Evil. I think yeah. they're on something. I don't think they should stop. No. What is your number nine, Daniel? Uh, technically my number 10. What? Yeah. What's your we're number still, 10? We're still on number 10s. What's uh, your number 10? <laughs> my number 10 would be Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy by Idis Montreal. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't finish it because the Spider-Man remaster is fucking hitting me so hard right now. Like, I'm just loving my time with that game. Sorry, Marvel's He's Guardians. He's swinging on back. Sorry, Guardians of the Galaxy. You're a good game. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't get to finish it. I'm on, I'm on chapter five. And my, my initial takeaway and impressions of it is just like, it's, it's a really fun uh, Guardian space romp. Like, I don't know that I love those characters. I've I've grown to appreciate them uh, from the MCU, obviously. But I I think it's an interesting like uh, character recontextualization, right? Because like like you've said before on the podcast, Kevin, like these aren't the MCU versions of of the Guardians. There's remixes from the comics and other stuff, right? And I just I like their handling. Uh, I like that they lean into the fact that like Drax killed Thanos in this world. Uh, that Gamora is this kind of like no like unknown quantity to, to Drax can't be trusted and I really do like that it is kind of like the in media rest like uh Guardians tale like we're in the middle of them being the Guardians and we're kind of just like learning them uh where they're at in this part of their career and uh the 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 backtracking to like Peter Quill as a kid and learning the story with his mother, right? Like mm-hmm. getting to be in his room when he's like a 13 year old kid like on his birthday and playing guitar and just learning about his life. It it feels really special. Right. Uh, this is one of those Marvel games that has like a lot of heart to it. Um, and I, I really appreciate like all the strokes that it, it has about it. Right. Whether it is the level design, whether it is the story, uh, the music, right. That, that carryover of like, it's going to have that 80s inspired soundtrack. Like it just, it's so hyped to like, just have the music kick in at certain moments. I don't and, think the strokes is in the game though. Uh, no, 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 not at all. But oh, okay. a few bands from the 80s probably influenced the strokes. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really engrossed with it. Uh, I wish I had finished it. Um, and some of, some of your gripes aren't really my gripes with it. We're like, I think I like the gameplay actually. I don't, uh, I don't think like the lock on shooting gunplay is like that bad. The huddles are fine. Um, and the, no, they're not. and the level of exploration <laughs> is just like, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Some of it's like a little needless where I'm just going off the beaten path just to find like, you know, resources and scraps to do. Upgrades. Oh, I like that stuff. Uh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's, we're opposite. That's the that. one part that yeah. I like where I'm like, oh, yeah, I can go search the environment a bit. But I, I just appreciate the writing that went into like the character work of all of them. It's just uh, that's why I like the Marvel games. Uh, like it's just where's the heart where are the characters right i think of insomniac spider-man takes i think of even the main story for uh marvel's avengers right like mm. centering around kamala and her just being like this 
uh, big-eyed uh, girl who wants to be a part of the Avengers and, and be in that world. And those are special stories, right? That's her power. She's yeah. got big eyes. <laughs> big eyes. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a great game. And um, I just every new area I get to, I'm excited to see how it's going to play out because they're they're big worlds they're playing with, right? It feels mm-hmm. like kind of a, a parallel to like Ratchet and Clank where you're playing with like interdimensional stuff. You're playing with new planetary stuff. There was a lot of similarities like, between those games. Like yeah, character and, and monster and world designs that I'm just like, wow, this is a visual feast. And it's it's a beautiful game too. So like, you know, not to knock that at all. But yeah, I, I can't say too much else on it because I haven't finished it. But that's my Yeah, motherfucker. Uh, number five on my list is Marvel's <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxies. I finished it and it felt We're like it's... We're citing Kevin's list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. It's Welcome. okay. I I think uh, it's my number five because honestly, the story is so fucking good. It's a better story than most games that came out this year. That is the absolute truth of this. Um, the game, and what's amazing is I actually didn't love the gameplay, like you said, because mm-hmm. I I thought the um, the way that they did third person shooting with the brawling just like was just not a great mix, and it doesn't get better over time, even when you unlock abilities. Mm-hmm. And that was like the one thing that blew my mind about the game was like I'm not liking the gameplay anymore. But I'm loving the story more and more and more and more. It's hooking me more and more. I think it took me a damn near week to beat the game because it's shockingly long. It's like 40 hour game. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you th- when you expect this kind of thing to be like no more than 10, 15 hours, right? Like it's like a 40 hour game that really gives each of the char- its characters time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think the teen dynamic is super interesting. I like that it isn't just like, oh, here's where they are in the MCU. Like, no, 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 no. It's something different, right? The actors bring it forward in a great way. Uh, I had to. There's some adjustment because there's so much of the MCU stuck in your head that, like, when you hear somebody else doing the same role, you're just like, ah, that's not you. Like, I was still always annoyed by Rocket because mm. <laughs> I was like, that's not Bradley Cooper. That's a that's a Cooper like like the entire time. But um, I really love the story that they told. I loved figuring out like Peter's kind of history and like it was cool. I think there's some emotional beats that like surprised the hell out of me. The biggest hook being that Peter had a history with somebody who works for Novacore. Uh, a lady, a blue lady, by the way. And Ooh. I know, full blue. <laughs> and maybe has a daughter, <laughs> right? Oh. And so that becomes like this kind of new thing where it's like Peter Quill is not a bastion of responsibility, but he's suddenly like, oh, wow, <laughs> maybe this is something I got to figure out. And that was that was a kind of a, a cool hook for his character, because otherwise, like, what is Peter Quill's fucking thing, right? Oh, I like being dashing and listening to old music that no one likes <laughs> like that, <laughs> that kind of thing but um the soundtrack was cool by the way uh i liked the thing that i really liked was when you were on the milano and you would just have these like kind of sporadic conversations between the main cast and learning about them and where they've been and and it, it, it just kind of gives a lot of texture to these characters that not even the mcu can give you because they don't have enough time to give you this texture right unless they decide to green light a fucking tv series and it built to a an el- like a point in the game where i was just like i am again shocked at how big this story goes like they really go for it like fucking like galactic problem kind of level stuff where it's like this is great like this is stuff that we haven't even seen in the movies where it starts to the first five chapters it feels like very like small scale shit like they're just yeah. trying to make money it's like you know right <laughs> not be criminals and it's it's such a perfect escalation to it all and it's so interesting and you get to see such like i love that it's like the marvel cosmic weird yeah that like the movies kind of give you this one just goes 
full cock into it and like here here's everything that's weird in this universe and you're gonna deal with it there is a fucking talking rushing dog right <laughs> like he's a main character and he has history with our cast <laughs> deal with this stuff right so i i in that instance it's more guardians than even the movies are hmm. like it's just like pure guardian stuff and it has some of the most beautiful art design i have seen the worlds are immaculately done like i I was playing this on PS5, and I was like, what the fuck? This game looks so good. Yeah. It makes me happy there's a photo mode baked into it. Oh, yeah. And and the facial animations are world-class. Mm-hmm. I've never seen better facial animations in a game. Like, everyone is very realistic. Ooh. Yeah, it's really, really good. And that's a hard thing to do, right? That's, like, one of the hardest things to get right in a video game. Interesting. Yeah. So, I would say Guardians. It's story alone shot it up to number five on my list. Everybody has been hailing it for, like, just incredible right. narrative and story work and... I hope, like, the success of this really, like, I don't want, like, Idis to do, just get stuck doing Marvel games, right? But, like, I would like to see what they do next with these characters or in at least the, the Marvel world. What's your number 10, Kevin? Me? I'm Kevin number 10. Hi. Uh, my number 10 on here is a different <laughs> galactic threat. Uh, it's Ratcheted Clank, A Rift Apart. Ooh. Um, Very, very solid game. It, like, Insomniac just makes these airtight games that you can you can look at it and you can't even disagree with its quality <laughs> like it's it's just that good um i i think it's on the bottom of my list just because um i felt like it was a very popcorn experience for me but i i appreciated um it felt like playing a pixar movie right like it it's it, it has a very kind of light plot and a lot of comedy elements and your cast of characters they give you like one or two emotional beats that kind of grab you and you're like oh wow that's kind of serious and it has some of the best platforming i think using all the guns is cool the particle effects are nuts and the best trick that the game pulls off is the rift stuff where mm-hmm. you know the ssd of the ps5 lets you load into another universe within milliseconds right barely that it's instant loading right very cool trick. I think it's uh, one of those showcases where it's like if you want to figure out like what the future of PS5 might look like, there's a couple of games that that kind of give you a hint. That's one of them. Uh, so is some of the stuff that Demon Souls does where it's like, hey, this is how loading could work. This is what we mean by being able to like instant load and shit, right? So yeah, great stuff. I think the, the story was kind of disposable fun, you know, but I really, really liked Rivet. I think she was a great addition to that like because i don't know that we'll ever get a story where we're like ratchet mm-hmm. that's my dude i'm like who gives a shit <laughs> i think jennifer hale like shines in that role yeah it brings so much depth and character and performance my commander character. yeah femship that's right <laughs> uh but yeah gameplay was fun and you fight a giant t-rex at a certain point which is just my favorite thing you fight a bunch of them and then you fight a bone t-rex oh that's right the bone t-rex was really fun yeah I, and i thought the yeah. levels were really cool um the design of levels were really cool and there was always like some heightened experience where it's like hey you're gonna be uh i think you use like a some sort of ship at a certain point mm-hmm. yeah see my memory is fading on this game and this is why it's like number 10 you beat it like in a week not yeah even, like a weekend like i said it was very popcorny but it was fun it was fun popcorn yeah ratchet and clank rift apart is actually my number nine okay uh and i'm not gonna go over too many of the same things that you just did i think it's a, a fantastic interdimensional uh journey um i don't have any background with the ratchet and clank games uh this isn't a game that like hardly it, it felt like to. yeah it didn't feel like coming home to me or anything like that no um, it was just a game that i knew i needed to play because the promotional stuff like really posited as like this is like this is next gen right like yeah. all the yeah. things it does to utilize like the ps5 hardware is just like it's it's brilliant right like the mm-hmm. sound design 
the the instantaneous loading like getting to jump in between the dimensions and the particle effects like you said just the the backgrounds like all the stuff going on in the foreground background midground it's just it's dazzling like it's just a a visual feast dazzling. yeah I, I really like i think it's one of the most gorgeous uses of the ps5 that we've gotten so far I don't really care about the character work outside of Rivet, unfortunately. Like, I think, like, what do I care about a Lombax, right? Like, what is a Lombax even, right? Like, oh, he wants to go home. His, his, his people are dead. They're almost extinct. So sad, right? And I, I felt that, right? Yeah. And I think the, the moments that shine most for me is, like, when he is learning that he's not the last of them, that he, like, his interplay with uh, Rivet, it's really great. Like, I, I didn't really care about, like, the, the other stakes of the world, right? Like, the fact that, like, there's two Dr. Nefariouses and the world's in peril. I'm like, I don't really care. It like, seems like that's a media's new favorite thing to do with franchises. Yeah. Is like multiverse stuff. I appreciate its execution of a lot of it, but like, I, again, like not coming from the franchise, I'm like, I didn't really feel like there were any stakes. I just like kind of seeing how they were trying to fix it all and how the characters intermingled. And I think it's an interesting thing where it split the characters mm -hmm. where uh, Clank is with Rivet. And then there's another character that's with uh, Ratchet. Did I get that wrong? Yeah. No, wait. Fuck, I forget their names. Ratchet is the linebacks, right? Mm -hmm. And then Clank is the little robot. So Clank is a robot. Yeah, man. they split the characters. Um, and there's another robot, Rosie or something. Yeah. Um, I forget. I thought the collectibles <laughs> were fun. There, there aren't very many. It's just a quick nope. and easy like grab. Finding the different like suit variables is nice. Like you get to look like Doom Guy at one point. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Doing the. Uh, the, the the Sonic Adventure like uh rail grinding is pretty neat in some of the levels where it's like yeah. oh I'm on a I'm on rail grinding, I'm shooting enemies. It's just like the gameplay is fun and kinetic and and the variety of like weapons is really fun. Like a lot of just unique creative ideas there. Like I had a tree gun that turned things into plants. Like that was really cool. Yeah, it's a very fun like like a three D platformer that yeah. reminds me of like classic three D platformers, right? Yeah, but it felt like popcorn to me. Like there yeah. wasn't much else after that I felt about it when I walked away. I was like well, that was fun. It, it took me like four months to beat. Like it took me a while because <laughs> I put it down so hard, but I'm glad I finished it because it, I don't know, it's, it's a remarkable game, but unfortunately one that really didn't like leave it's too a, much. It's a technically me. impressive game yeah. that just doesn't have an emotional impact. That's yeah. why it's my number 10 where I was like, this is like one of the most technically impressive games I've played this year, but like, it's not one of those games I would fucking go to my way for, you know, it has one of the best openings of a game. I'll say like, yeah, uh, that was the, cool. the opening where you're learning uh, about rivet. And then even like that, like celebration, like parade where they're giving ratchet and clank, like the key to the, the city mm -hmm. or whatever. It's, it's really cool. What was the bad guy's name? Dr. Nefarious. Yeah. All the Q and on nefarious stuff was a little touch and go. That was strange. A <laughs> little bit, a little yeah. bit. And the lawn boxes were marching up on Capitol Hill. That one. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Fuck. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't play either of those games, but that was very interesting. <laughs> Chelsea. I, I have Guardians of the Galaxy on PC, but I haven't yeah. started it yet. So I'll say that. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. It, you, I think I will. Yeah. It, it'll take a while. though. It's a long game. Yeah. But, but that was very game. interesting. I'm very excited now for one of them. Like getting to talk to them, talk about them back to back. They're very similar in a lot of ways. Um, Chelsea, what's your number nine? We've been talking forever. All right. So my number nine is something you guys both don't have on your list. True. So it's just, it's just going to be me talking, you guys. Get ready. Uh, it's uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five, which is coming out for, it was just for Switch. And it's coming off the heels of, like, the popularity of Persona 5, Persona 5 Royale, Persona Strikers, even. What do and they so, have to do with each other, Chelsea? They, but they, I don't know. I don't know, Kevin. I can't tell you. I just don't fucking know. Um, <laughs> the the, the non-Persona SMT stuff has been very... I'm 
I say obscure. I'm gonna say that. I think it's fair to say it's been it's it's 3ds ds stuff it's more niche yeah it's it's very very niche yeah you get like the demons you get from persona you get like that that like oh we got to do the compendium and you got to go and build stuff and you have to fuse them together but that's where the similarities kind of end smt is is usually a little bit more darker of a tone you're very lonely there's no squad. There's no people you go to school with who join you and have their own demons. There are people who have demons in the story, but they're not with you. They're on their own shit. And you recruit demons, and they're kind of like your Pokemon. Let's just <laughs> say that. They come out, and they're the demons. Like, if you have, like, Pixie and uh, Alice and the, the other ones, like, they're the demons that come out with you. There's no schoolmates. So SMT is more... The fifth one is more approachable than any other SMT because they kind of streamline it. They make it a little bit more easier to jump into because a lot of people are coming from Persona 5. It doesn't reinvent SMT in any any way. Like, it's still extremely tough. It's still extremely grindy. It's still... It's a grind hell is what I call it. (laughs) (laughs) There's... For the most part, it feels very easy. But with every SMT game I've ever played, like Nocturne, Digital Devil Saga, there's a big wall uh with this one there's a 12 to 14 depending on how you play it level wall increase when you go to the fourth area and it's hell (laughs) it's you go into an area and you're but you're maybe level 50 55 and then everything is level 72 and you're just like you think there's some there's probably some people who are like oh i can just get around it with my tactics and i'm very smart about how i play but not everyone's like that and i'm not like that because I don't have that time. So it, it's a lot of grinding in, in the last area. And it's just really hard. But it's so it's so Atlas. And it's so SMT. And it's so just like this this theme that I've always grown up with. Because I've grown up with SMT since PS2, PS1. It's just it's just an overall tougher tougher play than uh, SM, uh, the Persona will ever be. It's hard to recommend, I think. Because it's it's you're on your own. You don't have other people to talk to. You're just this blue-haired, beautiful, watery blue hair thing Sorry, wandering that, around this world. That's a selling Sorry. point. That is a selling point. Yeah. His hair is great, but it's tough. And I can't. I I will say it's pretty tough to play. I put about 120 hours into it, and I'm still having a tough, tough, a tough time. I didn't finish it, so that's my mm. that's my only unfinished game because I'm stuck on a grinding wall in the last bit of the game but it's it's just so smt because the last one i played was um four on ds and that game was kind of like eh, whatever i can pass on it i don't need to play it but this one feels nice because it's it's on a bigger console it looks really good but it still has that feel of other smt games but i think a lot of people who are going to it from royal are probably looking for the same type of feel but different it's way different i'll just say smt5 darker tone than any persona like it's got this like the world has ended what is tokyo or the people are gonna do like it's it's so different from persona because the world has ended from previous smts that they're still dealing with what the end of the world means and what god being dead means (laughs) basically (laughs) that's me trying not to spoil it but spoiling it kind of um it's tougher you're looking at there's people who are special who can get around like level cap stuff but i'm not one of those people like i said earlier so you're constantly kind of trying to keep up with the level cap which is very easy to do except for the last bit still a challenge it's still a grind hell it doesn't reinvent 
SMT at all, except making a little bit more streamlined for new newcomers coming from Royal or five in general. Hmm. And it's just more approachable. And his hair is beautiful. Uh, they redesigned some of the demons so that they're a little bit more appropriate. Um, Angel is one of them. They used to be a bondage kind of looking yeah. demon from the previous games. They actually did do that for this one. They actually redesigned her. So, Are you telling me that they uh, they censored the game? I I don't I don't know. I just know they redesigned Angel. Okay. Um, I'm going straight to Reddit about this because yeah. this is the problem. This is a problem. Well, I don't I don't visit Reddit, so I don't know what that means. I <laughs> wanted BDSMT. That's what I wanted. Right. But my my favorite thing <laughs> is that it feels like an older game, but it feels very cozy. And mm. I'll say that. That's Gosh. my number nine. It's it's grindy. It's hard. It's not persona but <laughs> you you can get an idea because the demons are the same but it's not as uh forgiving as a persona game because if you die in the game and you fail and your main character dies game over if you didn't save for a while you're fucked yeah it does that standard like rpg thing that's tough. yes yeah. it does <laughs> yeah so that's that's one thing to look out for if you need to save like crazy if you decide to play it if you're listening and um, just just try to keep with your level cap. Try to be the level of everything around you. I'm really interested in checking it out. I'm actually bummed I didn't pick it up this year. Um, but... It was on sale for 35 like this oh, week. Fuck. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty cheap mm. for a bit. I do want to play it, because like, I, but I'm afraid I'm going to have that uh, known thing that everybody's been experiencing, especially coming off of Persona 5 Royal, where it's like, I'm going to want more of that. But I'm going into it knowing it's more of like a kind of traditional turn-based JRPG. It, it doesn't sound like the story is as fun. Yeah. Like it's like a darker, it's, grim, It's dark and, desolate and it's desolate and you feel lonely. And it's so much more bare bones story-wise than a Persona game. Yeah, is there even like an ensemble cast or anything? There's side characters that you meet that you... I wouldn't say you would ever get attached to them as much as you would like uh, Ryuji or Makoto, etc it's not as deep as that so yeah you're not traveling with a group they're not a part no. of your party and stuff you meet them throughout the world and you kind of like touch base with them and that's kind of it how about you borrow a uh, nocturne that i haven't opened play that don't. shit huh no he says don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hear a few people were kind of disappointed with that uh remaster oh well why <laughs> I, I just know it's not persona mm. yeah <laughs> that's all so we already know your number nine, Daniel. Yeah, I was thinking that. So we can skip to your number nine, because my number nine was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, so. My number nine, it's the first Ooh. one on the, oh, here we go. Uh, Persona 5 Strikers. Wow. I. Hold on. Because this is on Chelsea and Mai's list as well. Yeah. So this is my number seven. And Chelsea, it's your number, what, five? Five. Number yeah. five? So pretty high up. My number five. Yeah. Gotcha. Number nine for me, Persona 5, The Strikers. Uh, finally, they made a Persona game I can play. <laughs> <laughs> All they have to do is do SMT Strikers, and I'll play the shit out of that, too. Uh, I So if you don't know what this is, it is a mixture of kind of... Um, it's weird to say, but it's from the creators of the Warriors games. Dynasty Warriors and all the, like, the Hyrule Warriors, all the spinoffs. But this one is way more Persona than it is Warriors game. I would say like the only big difference between mainline persona uh five and this one is the combat there's um free form combat hack and slash combat right but otherwise the game does a great imitation of being a persona game 
Like mm-hmm. it, it's got the social links. It's got the story. Social links are really streamlined in this game, mm-hmm. by the way, like really, really, really streamlined. But it at least has like these callbacks to all these elements of Persona 5 that make it more of a Persona game than just like, like if you're thinking Warriors in your head, there's no segmented levels that you go in and play as any character in hack and slash. No, 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 no. There's a, this is a legit sequel to Persona 5. Oddly, it's a legit sequel to Persona 5 and not Persona 5 The Royal or The Royale. Royal? It's it's technically Royal, but everybody says Royale. <laughs> Persona 5, Grand Royale. Royal. 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 Uh-huh. Royal. But I, I enjoyed it because, one, I'm not big on turn-based games, but I do love the world of Persona. I, I like the characters, and so it was kind of weird. I've never finished Persona 5, and I've definitely never played Royal. Royal. <laughs> and and so it was interesting that this game like took off with me because like there's obviously elements that like I really like about Persona that kept me going. Just the only ingredient you needed to change is combat for me. So it has these kind of um massive hordes that you fight of all these persona creatures that you're hack and slashing and uh, true to persona form they have weaknesses to certain elements and stuff that you can kind of like dig into and you can switch between your party on the fly to play as which is really fucking cool because they all have like different uh different abilities and different um kind of proficiencies which is really cool like mikado comes in with her fucking her, her leather trinity act with the motorcycle and slapping people around and stuff but but uh yeah my my favorite thing is like this is like a road trip version of persona they are on their summer break. The whole cast is like, why don't we jump to an RV? I don't understand how we're all licensed <laughs> to drive this. And just go across Japan and go on a tour. And of course, they run into some shit with these jails popping up left and right. And they introduce a, c- a couple new characters, which is interesting. The one cop dad who ends up actually being a decent character. I like him. And then the robo friend who's like, I'm just an AI, bro. Oh, Sophia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Sophia actually ends up being a cool character that's tethered to like the actual plot um i i enjoyed the hell out of it i i think um i really want to see more games like this where it's it's less about just trying to throw whatever ip into the warriors formula and more about warriors trying to adopt the formula of the ip that they're adapting like that i think that was really fucking cool Mm -hmm. Because if you ever played any of the older Warriors, it's very much like, here's just a cast that doesn't make sense together because it's just characters like in a roster, like a fighting game. And then just go hack and slash stuff for like a couple hours. This one has a legitimate story. It's a satisfying story. It has elements like you do a little side quest where where Ryuji's like, ah, I just need to eat soup and shit like that. You're like, all right, man, let's go on town and actually explore. And he's always <laughs> on stuff. It's really fun. I, I I enjoyed it. It's it's um 40 hours, I would say. So it's not as long as like Persona proper. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think the combat was great. Story was really, really decent to me. I was like, oh, yeah, this is interesting. Like, I was intrigued. Like I was like, what is the jail thing? And then the antagonist turned out to be one of the hottest ladies I've ever seen in a video game. She had a giant uh, little ear. Oh, ear. You know, see, I love her. She's hot. Giant ear. She has oh. one giant she ear. She had one big ear. <laughs> Biggest ear you've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah, Persona 5 Strikers was a surprise because I really, really, really enjoyed that. So And it made me want to go play play Royal, honestly. I was like, oh, fuck. But like, I feel like I'm just going to get slapped in the face by the, the turn-based stuff. I'm like, ugh. But you liked five, like you thought the turn-based gameplay was like pretty snappy, pretty like tactile. I liked it. Yeah. Hey, but now, I, now I have strikers in my heart. Game. Yeah. Royal does have like some quality of life stuff that does make the gameplay go a little faster too. Which yeah. Is nice. For sure. Yeah. I promise you both, I will play this this JRPG you speak of. I you will. don't have to promise me anything, actually. No. So. Uh, yeah. I want to promise right now in blood. 
He wants blood promises, Chelsea. I would never make Kevin is, play anything turn-based. This is a social link <laughs> that you need to max out. Just like I promise I, you one day I'll return to Final Fantasy XIV. Honestly, my my adoring affection goes to Daniel for actually playing it this year, and that made me happy. Yeah, the the, the live texting we were doing back and forth when I was like yeah. in the final stretches of like the main game and like the royal content was that really was a great. good time. Yeah. See, Chelsea doesn't want this for me because she yeah. thinks I'm gonna make fun of the game probably <laughs> as I play it. That, I that's that's her fear I'm about gonna... things that she loves. She thinks I'm just gonna make fun. No, of I'm I mean, not gonna force anyone to play it. But Daniel was already playing it on his own and okay. him asking me things was very nice and very appreciative gotcha made me feel good trying to figure out which uh people to date <laughs> no we no, were just he, talking about no, story he stuff was certain who he was gonna yeah pick, i so. i knew from the <laughs> oh okay the, there there was one person who came and kind of sideswept me and a character i also didn't know about because i romanced three people okay uh <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah a little polyamorous uh, there a little bit i little guess bit. so it was my five it was what, what was it it was my five mm-hmm. yeah um I guess from me coming from, I played the original five when it came out a bajillion years ago. And then I played Royal a bajillion years ago. It is what it feels like. And like I think what Strikers gave me, <laughs> it feels like a bajillion years ago. Yeah. COVID times are different, Kevin. Yeah, everything's times three in COVID times. So yeah, spit out my beer. On, Kevin. <laughs> COVID times are different times. <laughs> what I could, what all I have to add is to the Strikers thing is that it just felt really fucking, the saddest part about the original five and Royal in general is that you, you leave your friends. You, mm-hmm. you go off because you have to live somewhere else and only Morgana goes with you. Yeah. And so Strikers gave me a reunion of friends and just like, oh, we're going to spend our summertime together. We're going to have just this great time. And oh, shit, things are going down. That's just the best feeling is just from the other personas. We don't get that because for the most part, it's one and done. Maybe there's a spinoff with like the female protagonist in um, Persona 3 or with 4, it's just golden gets extra content. But when it came to 5... You get this extra semester, new characters, and you feel stuff. And then Strikers comes out and you're just like, yes, more friendship and feeling connected to friends. And it just it's just the most warmest feeling that I had in a video game this year. Those characters mean a lot to me. Like those hmm. people, that squad, like you get to know them and you just you feel them. You, they're your friends. And Strikers gave us new characters like the, the Bloodborne guy. <laughs> uh the 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 cop, cop guy cop dad yeah, yeah. Cop, cop dad he was cool he was very bloodborne and uh sophia was so sweet but god strikers was so good and like the the muso the aspect of it the muso aspect is small but it still was just so interesting and a different take on persona in in a different way that i was just like this is fresh this feels good mm-hmm. and i like like this colorful world where it feels so weird like everything feels off and you're just like you're attaching yourself to these characters and it just felt so good i liked it like because when you come from royal or like the persona 5 original like you're just like these characters mean a lot to me i'm very protective of them <laughs> so like you go into strikers and you're like i have to protect them and like this new world and this new concept of like prisons is there and you're just like oh, protect them i love that you're able to jump around in the jails mm-hmm. like yes. you can actually like platform and stuff yeah close. Mm-hmm. Close. Yeah, that was a cool thing where I was like, "Oh, I'm actually like in levels. I'm playing a gamey game, mm-hmm. which was interesting, yeah. right?" Um, yeah, but the design was so cool, and like just like having all like the the UI and like the vibrant Persona Five stuff happen, like you know the half hearts when you're attacking enemies and stuff, and seeing that like go down in real time, it was great. I was like, "Yeah, this is fucking really really special," and I really enjoyed that it was a sequel. 
to Persona 5. It wasn't like, oh, here, what if it's the same story, but with Musou mechanics? No, it was a straight sequel to it. I think it's going to be very difficult for both fans and Atlas to move on from this cast of characters, especially with like, oh, a Persona yeah. 6. And I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't like another kind of spin-off sequel thing to five because mm. they're just so popular i don't even really want to move on and i haven't even finished fucking persona five <laughs> like i don't need a new cast i'm like this cast persona works really q well too. persona q on a 3ds yeah they introduced uh five stuff to it and like even that was just like they're trying to keep it going and it didn't work out i don't think that game was that popular but i maybe i'm wrong persona q the second one where they included the uh the five characters i don't recall that was a 3ds game wasn't it yeah, yeah. Mm. and i i'm sure there's somebody out there that really loved it <laughs> and, I, and i will say persona strikers does try to hit some like meaty like uh, emotional points with a uh, mental health it doesn't mm. go too deep but it does touch some things like parasocial relationships and it only touches it it doesn't go too deep which is a very persona thing they don't go too deep on it but they at least touch it Mm. I will say that. That's very interesting to me. Yeah, they're not afraid of killing God, but they're afraid <laughs> of, like, upsetting Redditors, I guess. <laughs> they will kill God. <laughs> well, I'll say my thoughts on it, because this is my number seven. I can mirror a lot of what you guys already said. Um, having spent, like, 130 hours with it, like, in March going into April, like, you think I would have had fatigue. Like, I, I would want to play anything else except Persona 5. Uh, but I wanted more of these characters of this world because like the the base game and world does such a good job at like like how art JRPG should have building your relationship with that core cast uh, with Joker and the rest of the ensemble. And like you like it's emotional, like you feel like you're you're with your best friends, you feel like you're burgeoning relationships. And I think they they do such a, a special job at that. So by the time, you know, you kill God and like all this shit happens at the end of, of Persona 5 and then the end of the, the Royal content, it's a it's a bummer. It's a bummer that Joker just goes off and you're like, well, shit, that's it. That kind of feels like a flat ending to like, what was this crescendo of a game? Um, so I'm, I'm glad that they continued their story with it. And it is, it is a fun take to be like, let's just go on summer vacation, right? We had yeah. the craziest year of our life. Uh, you know, we just fought, we stole a bunch of hearts. Uh, we, we killed a guy, like all the stuff happens to, to its credit. Like, I love the gameplay. I think it's super snappy. This is only really the second sort of Muso style game that I've played in full. Uh, the other being, I, I played a decent amount of Hyrule Warriors, mm -hmm. um, but I, I like it. I like its kind of extension of systems. Um, I did find some of it a little cumbersome in terms of managing like SP and stuff like that, but like just the, the, the hot swapping of characters doing like the, I forget what they're called where like you hit triangle and like they do like a swarm attack, but like that stuff is just really cool. I thought they use their persona. Yeah. That, <laughs> cool um, stuff. And it's just really cool to to just like be able to have these like sprawling fights uh, yeah. versus like Persona Five and Royal. Like these are it's turn based, right? So you get locked into encounter for like you know thirty seconds to however long, and then boom, you move on to the next one. Whereas like this one, you're going into like crowds of enemies and just hacking and slashing through them, and it's just it's really cool. And it's elevated by the fact that like they took the soundtrack from from Five and Royal and made it rock. They made it slap ass like there are these rock versions of like river in the desert and like last surprise that like just make the gameplay feel so hype it's so good i don't think i'm as hot up on the, like the jails uh as i was like the the palaces in uh in, in five in royal but uh i think just because it feels like very homogenized after a while where i'm like oh okay this is just another jail um but like the monarchs learning their stories learning their influence on the world i thought was like really really uh really interesting 
yeah, I want more after this. Like, I haven't even finished the game, but I want more. You didn't finish Strikers? I did not. Oh, goodness oh, gracious. Yeah. I know, I know. Whoa. I know, I know. <laughs> but it ranks high for me because, like... I just thought of a share. <laughs> well, I forget what came out that kind of knocked me off of it. It was something that came out. What uh, month was that? I don't remember when it came like, out. It was, like, February or March. Yeah, but I didn't play it until, like, May or June. Could have been anything. Could have been anything. Could have right, been anything. I didn't mean to woe so hard. No, I, it's, it's a shocker for me, but it ranks so high, says the guy wearing like a Persona shirt right now. I bought that one. <gasps> because I just loved Royals so much. It's one of my uh, favorite it's fucking games. Joker's top hat, and it's on fire, yeah. and it's like a jersey that he's wearing. Like um, a jersey from, oh. from the old fan gamer, made by oh. fans for gamers. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love me Persona gear. Great game. Uh, I love revisiting some of the areas, like going back to like Shibuya and Tokyo and Sapporo and Sendai. Like that, that was just really cool to see it, like just recontextualized. Uh, and you, you go to Yokohama, which is Yokohama. from like a dragon, yeah. and you see the Ferris wheel at one point. So that is true. Yeah, I like that it has like mini side quests in too. Like I forget what it's called, uh, but like you manage it on your your Emma app, and it's like oh, I gotta go do this like quick quest for somebody and get some resources and stuff. And you cook, you do all the stuff. Uh, you, you help Sophia learn the meaning of, of friendship and what it is to be human. Yeah. It's so fucking powerful. It's all oh, good God. stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it. good. We're nerds. So good. What a fun game. What a colorful game. Mm -hmm. What a what a just the UI even just like a complete inspiration for other people making games like that. UI is just top notch. Yeah, it oozes style. So Strikers, I love you so much. I love you. I love, love you. you. Kiss you goodnight, Strikers. We love you so much. I love, I love you so much, Strikers. Um, Kelsey, what is your number eight? My number eight is Death Door. Hey That's also my number eight. Well, Daniel. That's well. Kevin's number six. Kevin. Just a lot of disrespect from both of you. This is a number six for me. How dare the both of you. Well, I'll let Chelsea start, then I'll go, and then you can fight for it. All right. I don't... Okay, so... Like I said before, before I, I got on the podcast thing, I just kind of wrote what I thought was my positives of the game. And I said, Death Store is the short, sweet, the stylized, beautiful game where the Bureau of the Reapers is this black and white like eh, world. But then the, the world of the undead is very colorful. And I liked that difference. It's hard, but it never felt cheap. Like if you just learned a little bit, you can figure it out. It's it's got this somber writing with a little bit of like this humor going on, like uh, doing a eulogy for all the bosses you fight. That that felt very funny. Yeah, like with it, the it was, like, in a funny with the way. gravekeeper at the end of every fight. Like you just yeah, <laughs> let's have go, a moment go. for the fallen. Yeah, I like that. It was very somber, but it has like a comedic kind of feel to it. And um, the characters in the game, like all the characters you meet, like in the village of a. Uh, it's been a while, so I can't remember the village, but the little green guys, uh, when you fight the Frog King, mm -hmm. I liked them. I liked all the characters of the Reapers, the the crows, all of them. Uh, death, uh, that's a spoiler, but you meet Death. <laughs> the art style of the game, like when you, the first real boss is like that castle that you fight. That castle has stuck with me for months. Mm -hmm. That was the most visually cool boss I have fought in all of 2021. That castle was so fucking cool to me. I wish I could replicate that in my own art, in my own time. I love that castle. As far as Death's Door goes, it's like this very contained, not a lot of people, they didn't, there's not that many people that worked on it. I, I think two, three, four, five people worked on it. 
um, oh. from what I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Acid Nerve is two people, but then they added on like concept artists and some uh, 3D rigging people. But like, I just, I don't know, it stuck with me. And when I was playing with it, I was just so addicted to it. And I just loved the look of it. I loved the little crow guy. You're so cute. In all honesty, when you died and you got the big death screen, that's actually weirdly hilarious to me because it's just death across the screen. And it just zooms in on your dead body. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love those little things about it because it's very comedic in a way. So yeah, that's my number eight. Death Store is uh, just like this little somber comedic little piece of my life in 2021 Hmm. yeah it was also your number eight it was my number eight i played it on thanksgiving i beat it i think like within three days that week and then i it took another few weeks for me to finally like roll through on the second playthrough and platinum it uh but no i I adore this game um i i really do like the tone uh and an overarching story of it it's sad it's cryptic it's mysterious uh, just just the idea that there's like this maybe like bigger mystery going on um, and you're just trying to find your soul, right? You're just trying to find that, that big soul that was supposed to be yours but is lost. So you're told, oh, now I got to go and just get these other big souls to help this crow dude. It's like, and you're like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll bite. I'll do it. And um, it's, it's an interesting like unraveling of a journey. Um, I honestly, though, for as much as I liked it or loved it, I thought I would like it even more, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, everybody like hailed it as like oh it's this amazing like you know zelda like and it definitely has those zelda like qualities it's definitely like you know that isometric old style like zelda uh metroidvania type game and i I like all the elements to it but i think i i was expecting more of it going into it because people hyped it the fuck up they're like Mm -hmm. oh my god it's the hardest game it's like a dark souls it's like this it's like that and like i thought it was going to be a little longer i thought there were going to be more bosses i thought it was going to be like a bigger experience uh and it's not to its detriment that it wasn't but i think some of the swell hype of it maybe made me a little disappointed yeah i think the way that it was sold to you you thought maybe it was gonna like strike the same nerve as hades for you yeah a little bit like this year but it definitely wasn't not it's or, not a hades or it's, even a hollow knight it's barely a roguelike yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it's not really a roguelike yeah that, that makes sense or hollow knight yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I think that what really works for it outside of like the style and the narrative is like, I think the exploration's really good. Like mm-hmm. I, I love just being able to like get an ability spill from one area to the next. And like, once you do get these upgrades and you're like, oh shit, now the Metroidvania part of it is really unlocking. Like when you get the hook shot and you get the bombs and like, it's just cool to go back to areas. Um, it makes you feel smart, uh, which I always love about like puzzle type games as well. Um, the thing about the combat is I think it's pretty basic uh it's it's good but it never really soars for me in, in quite the way i wanted it to because it's literally just like press square to like slash your sword and like yeah you could do like a roll slash which is pretty cool you do more damage and there's a hold uh and you can integrate your uh items and weapons in there as well outside of it but like i just i thought it was going to be a little deeper with its uh combat mechanics and like mm. you know it's it's fine that it wasn't um because like you know being a smaller game like there, it, it had a lot to do in its like eight to 10 hour runtime. And I think it, it, it wildly succeeds at its its vision and what it was trying to put out there as a game. Um, and I guess it's what also like in the Titan Souls universe very loosely. No one knows what that means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it does some very interesting things too with its visual language, like uh, the, the damage on the enemies. Like I like that a lot where it's like as you hit enemies more and more, you start to see like purple and pink cracks on them. Uh which what Chelsea was saying about the house, like when you get that house house down to like half or like 
down to its last bit of health like seeing it all damaged was like really cool and uh i'll always remember how that looks the music's amazing uh sad it's somber there's jazzy jaunty moments mm-hmm. uh some like epic soaring moments with like string sections and i it's a really fantastical small scale adventure and uh, i i really highly recommend like everybody plays it especially if you like those older school like zelda adventure type games yeah that this one's higher on my on my listing because i think it's just it's a game that stood out this year is something that i was like oh i enjoyed this from end to end so much it's my number six i kind of echo a lot of your sentiments about the game um i actually like that it's not complicated Mm -hmm. like it's a very straightforward fantastic imitation of what uh older zelda games were like it reminded me of playing um what's that one that they just remade a, a, a Link's link, Awakening? A Link fucks around? Yeah, Link's <laughs> Awakening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it reminds me of that, um, which is, like, very straightforward, and, like, that combat's not complicated. It's very much a slash, 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 make sure you get your three hits kind of kind of deal. I like that. Yeah. It's totally fun. Um, sometimes there's, like, a gimmick to the bosses that's, like, really cool. Like, you gotta use, like, um, you end up getting, like, a grapple hook and stuff like that to uh, get them on their ass, like the Frog King and whatnot, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. But, yeah, I, I like that it's... Uh, it's it's a self-contained adventure. I think its pacing is really good. Like it has some backtracking, especially when you start unlocking some stuff, but it doesn't do the whole like you're gonna be backtracking forever, ha 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 ha. Go find secret bosses or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Which I know some people would really want, but I think that's fine that it doesn't. I think what helps with the backtracking too is there's basically like a fast travel system where you can jump yeah. between the doors, which is really nice. Yeah, I, I like that too. And I, I think it's a like this is a game that I think people kind of like when they they looked at it immediately their their brain started to train them and think like, oh, this is gonna be like souls like or this is gonna be like roguelike kind of stuff. And it's not. It's a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. It's a Zelda game with a raven instead, or a crow mm-hmm. instead, right? Which is totally great, actually. And it's kind in its battles. It does have difficulty to it. But it's like, oh, no, it's more about, like, patience and placement than it is about, like, let me figure out some crazy trick or <laughs> or some sort of um, big punish or anything. It, mm-hmm. It's more just about, like, we're just trying to tell you this story, uh, this kind of sweet and somber story about death and the consequences of trying to extend one's life beyond, like, what should be natural. It I, I like the tone so much. Like, it's one of those, one of these games where I'm like, I would enjoy this as like a series. Like if you told me a TV series mm. of this story, I'd really be into it, right? Little animated series. It reminds me of like Over the Garden Wall a little bit with yeah. the like whimsical like fantasy world. Right, where like there's a just a, a tinge of darkness yeah. to it. A tinge of darkness that you're like, ooh, that's kind of grim, but it's fun, you know? <laughs> like it's a fun grimness, which I, I really enjoy about uh, the game. But yeah, I, I picked it up for, I picked it up on Steam because it is, it was available only for PC and Xbox when it first came out. Then it got to PS5 later. And I remember just sitting on my laptop and just like playing it through like in one week. Cause I was just like, this is like every level is interesting. I like the progression of it. Mm. I, I like how it isn't like so crazy where you're like, Oh God, I forgot where to go. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you could easily find what, what like the, the path forward is. Cause like, it's all kind of clearly delineated in a way that's not like, I have to put waypoints for the player because they're idiots. Like, no, it's like, no, it's a pretty straightforward design game. I, I really appreciate it. I think it's one of those games where it's like, I don't want to ever lose like people that have a love for just making like, here's a simple concept done really well. You know, I, I never wanted to be bogged down with like, oh, here's all these fucking bells and whistles and we got to go crazy. And here's the DLC camp. No, 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 no. They had a design goal. They obviously had a small team and they just fucking nailed it. Mm-hmm. They're like, here we go. We're going to do this. Here's some cool bosses. Here's some cool design. Love it. I think Death's Door is like, well, yeah, one of the best games this year. Thoroughly recommend it. 
I recommend also, like, if you are interested in the development behind it, there's a no clip documentary on it also. So shout out to no clip. Shout out to no clip. Uh, no clip has a documentary about another game that I fell in love with this year, by the way. And I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Oh, is that, is that part of, is that Kevin's next one? Is that, is that, uh, yeah. So my number eight was oh, death's okay. door. So go to Kevin's number eight. Kevin's number eight. I have to look at my own list was <laughs> the forgotten city. The forgotten city was a game that I've heard in, 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 you know, tertiary manner, right? Like, you know, through our podcast, like blessing, blessing was talking about it. I'm kind of funny. Uh, mm-hmm. A few other folks were talking about it. going like, this game's a surprise. And I'm like, what is this? <clears throat> and like, I looked into it and I was like, oh, this is a very like narrative based game. Sometimes, so I'm the type of player that's like, I like my books as books, I like my movies as movies, and I like my games as games. When a game tries to be a book is when I like games the least. <laughs> like, and there's a lot of games that do that, right? Uh, even if they don't mean to, it's just like, oh yeah, we're going to have you sit, sorry, Chelsea, but RGG games mm-hmm. are like, we want to sit you down and you're going to fucking, you're going to read for 25 straight minutes before you pick I'm up the so controller. I'm angry. I'm sorry, Chelsea. So th- this game, very narrative-based, next to no combat. These are all these things that w- shouldn't intrigue me, but there is one concept that fucking just bore into my soul, which is it's a Groundhog's Day kind of thing where you're on a loop, but the loop isn't just like, oh, I gotta I gotta shoot the right people, like in Death Loop or something like that, or I gotta d- you know do order of operation stuff. It was more about... You have to have these conversations and figure out a mystery. And the more information that you get on every loop is going to help you solve this mystery. And you start to learn that I can influence the people around me to do one thing or another based off of information that I learned from somebody else. I get to learn their phobias. I get to learn about their their Mm. interconnected stuff. I get to learn about their guilt. I get to learn about how they connect to each other. Why are they here? How do they get here? So what it ends up effectively being is one of the coolest detective games I've ever played. It is a detective game. I need to figure out how to get out of here. What am I trying to get out of? The Forgotten City is a city out of time. It's a Roman city that uh, you as a modern day person are somehow trapped in. So here's the, the funniest conceit, which is they all follow what is called the golden rule. The golden rule is that if anybody in the city, if one person commits an unforgivable sin, Everyone becomes a gold statue. They die instantly. Everyone in the city. And so you can even invoke the golden rule by fucking up. You could do something by accident. You could piss somebody off or you could be at the wrong place at the wrong time and boom, golden rule invoked. All Everyone becomes a fucking gold statue and then the gold statues that are already there come alive and start killing everybody. It's fucking nuts. <laughs> but you reset the day and you go back and go like, okay. I have all of that knowledge in my head of what fucked up, what went wrong, and what do I do? Now, you would think that, like, oh, man, doesn't this mean I'm going to have a bunch of, like, repeat conversations with people and shit? They do a really clever mechanic, which is there's this one guy that you meet, the first guy that you meet in the city. You could tell him, hey, go stop this person from choking. Go talk to this person about this and go talk to this person this. And they're, like, the most trusting dude in the universe. They're like, I don't know how you know this, but that sounds serious. I'll be right back. And so he serves as your, like, story courier to just, like, fast skip all of these elements that you would otherwise have to do yourself, which is really cool. So unlike Deathloop, you don't need to uh, do the same order of operations every time in order to get it right. You have somebody that does it for you so you can focus on new elements, Hmm. making it a better game than Deathloop. I said it. 
I said it right here. Shit. <laughs> that makes it fucking hand. Makes it a better game than Deathloop because it knows how to do its fucking Deathloop better. <laughs> I mean, quality of life things are really important in roguelikes and loop games, and I, yeah. that's awesome that they had something like that. It is it the it apart. thing. It's the thing that's just like, oh my god, you found the genius formula. <laughs> like, oh shit. What ends up happening is like these... The characters are so interesting, like figuring out like where they come from and, and who they are. Um, you, you get this like one guy who is like obviously the general of the city and there's like a, a political kind of like uh, race happening that day where he's obviously going to lose to some other motherfucker who's a piece of shit. But you can kind of like be the disruption in that political election and be like, how about I get this guy to come <laughs> over here and and like, you know, run. But oh, shit. How do I convince him to run? Because he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> and so you have to figure out like random things like I'm going to break into a politician's house by climbing a vine and dropping into the middle and talking to his wife who hates him <laughs> and figuring out his weakness, which is the fact that he's not who he says he is. And it's like it's such an interesting like like you learn so much. And then when you go back to these people and you kind of go like, hey, I actually know this about you. They're like, what the fuck? How do you know this about me? Yeah, it's so cool. I I. I fell in love with this game like immediately. I think I streamed all of it. Yeah, you did. I think yeah. you did it like a sick. Yeah, I would yeah. say. I would say, yeah, yeah. And it it, it just, uh, I had a blast with that game. I was like, holy shit, this is such a clever game. And it's, again, it's a simple game. It doesn't need to go out of its way to be like, here's some RPG stats that you can fight the fucking random wolves outside. No, there's no wolves to fight. Why do I need to fight wolves? I have one mission here. <laughs> Okay, which is to figure out what is wrong with the city and how do I get out? It's it's great. I fucking love this game. And no clip did a documentary about how it came to be, which was it was originally a Skyrim mod. Somebody that uh, a dude who was a lawyer in Australia uh, basically used his spare time to just build out this mod and scripts things and write stuff. And just one day he released it and people were like, you should make this a game. He quit his job, even though his lawyer friends told him uh, you're an absolute idiot to do this and you should focus on your career because this is like baby shit and he was like no i'm gonna go do this thing and he also said like i wouldn't recommend you do what i do because <laughs> he was like i was working like 90 hour weeks which is he's like i don't support that and i think it's inhumane but he was like it was my only way to get out of this get out of this way this life to something that i was actually interested in so i really respect like the story behind this game and i respect like what he ended up with and he actually consulted with like um, historians to figure out like how to build this game out and like little details like, hey, did you know that purple or sorry, carrots were purple back in the day because we just didn't have the right processes that we use today that they come out orange. So you might want to go back and make sure all the carrots are purple in your game. Like just really cool details about like, oh, wow, hmm. that's really interesting. I didn't watch you play any of it because I, I thought to myself, like maybe one day I will play it and I didn't want like any of it spoiled. Yeah, but now I'm even like more interested. I have it on Steam. Someone bought it for me, so that is my one of my next games I'm gonna play. But I did watch most of it through Kevin, <laughs> unfortunately. It's, it's hard. He's, I, he's so watchable. I, but I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm like, this is the type of game I would fucking love. So I'm excited to get into it myself. Very nice. So. I recommend it. Uh, what I want you to get into, Chelsea, is your number seven. Tell me about the medium. Is that my number seven? Oh, okay. So my number seven is the medium. <laughs> I didn't realize. Sorry, my notes. I I, I I like confused my notes with my my official list. I'm sorry. So Kevin's, you you put it at four. I did. I put it at number four. It was one of my okay. uh, favorite experiences. I'm this very, year. I'm very sorry to snipe it down to okay. uh, seven. My whole list uh, is sniped. Like I don't. I think there's only one that you guys can't snipe anymore. So the medium. 
it's such a weird game because I think no one's actually mentioned it in their top tens. Am I correct here? One of two games on my list that I think I've never seen on someone's top ten. Like on this call? Or... No, like I think in like across in games general. Media, uh, I haven't seen the medium hmm. and I haven't seen Little Nightmares. That's because uh, gamers are cowards. Yeah, it's all about Returnal. <laughs> well, I agree sorry, with that sorry. one. <laughs> <laughs> so the medium was like this game that came out beginning of 2021 you know i was like i'm into it i like bluebird bluebird's got like a weird relationship with me where they sent me like i'm gonna be honest they sent me some t-shirts and some goodies and all the stuff for uh layers of fear too and then the medium came out and someone gifted me the medium and i'll say i'll say his name because he's a good friend blaine blaine is a good friend of mine oh i met blaine yeah you've met blaine So he got it for me for my birthday and it was a birthday gift. It was a birthday game. So that's why it sticks with me a little bit because I Hmm. played it during my birthday. So the atmosphere is very like, oh, it's it's spooky. And you got the split atmosphere to it. And you know that they're feeling like, I want to take care of Silent Hill. You know that they're like, please give me the IP of Silent Hill. We got it. So here's the medium. We got this feel going on, right? Uh, <laughs> Tell me about the mouth feel. Let's get into it. Yeah. It's just like this this creepy feel where you're like, you're in this like hotel where you're like, you're exploring and you're, something's off. Something's off. You're a medium that, that interacts with the the dead and you get this little girl that comes to you and she's like nothing's right in this world but i'm not going to tell you everything because i want to hide shit from you so you go throughout this game trying to figure everything out trying to figure out your backstory why you're connected to this hotel slash whatever it might be because i don't want to give too much away because i think the game is going to be spoiled if i go into too many spoilers just do it, man. I don't Spoilers want to. for just, the medium. Do just it, like, man. It's just this the way that they do it where they split the the screen in half where you're in the real world and also in the I guess you would call it the aftermath or the the world where everyone's dead. And you do everything simultaneously and you move everything in the same way. And it's just this really cool concept where you have these mushrooms growing. I'm going to say mushrooms. I don't know what else to call them. Mushrooms growing on your arm where you you power up and you can power things in the afterlife. But when I come from... So the game is different from the other Bluebird games. It's a, a third person and it's visually pleasing. You're getting this atmosphere that just sucks you in and it's beautiful. Like when you play the male character, I'm not going to give too many away, but you play a male character in the game. You get this this beautiful spooky atmosphere that you just like suck in and it's just so fucking good. The medium is one of the best horror games I've played in 2021. Um Kevin help me. You put it you put it really <laughs> high up. I did put it high up. Um you did. I put it at number four on my list. Because it was it was one of those games that I was immediately taken with. Um I think it gave me a lot of like what I want from horror in a video game, or at least I should say what I want from like visual first horror because it's a very like like visually focused game where it's like they're obviously doing the split screen effect, which is like you're literally seeing the normal world and the spirit world in one and seeing the same character moving in the same way. But of course, you have different obstacles in each world. Like, let's say I can't get through a wall in the uh, human world, but there's some way to manipulate it in the spirit world to like affect both, Mm. which is really interesting. So you have to like the game's puzzles, like split your fucking brain in half. 
So you got to like figure out like what's going on top screen and bottom screen in order to like progress, which is really interesting conceit. So it's puzzles are like really interesting to figure out. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the show, have we? No, I don't think I've talked about the medium on, on here. It was like in between where we weren't doing saving plays okay. or something. Interesting. It has a very silent hilly vibe, especially with the whole like there's an other world that's dilapidated and falling apart and rusty. And then the normal world that you're living in right i i also think like the game tries to touch on this really deep like emotional story in the middle of it where you're Mm -hmm. um when you discover like the male character you play as like eventually in the middle of the story towards the end like you get this like deep emotional like (laughs) i i don't want to spoil it because it's one of like the biggest like plot points in the game true yeah um i mean you don't spoil that plot point but like there's the emotional core of it is just like who this main character is because like she has like a surrogate father who dies at the beginning of the game and it's this really like sad moment where like you learn that she's a spirit medium that can cross worlds because she's trying to console her dead dad surrogate in the opening because he doesn't know that he's in the spirit world right it's this really like fucked up like sad moment where he where he's like oh it's so cold here but you know i've always so proud of you and da 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 And she kind of told herself, it's like, I've been able to give other people this kind of solace, this conversation, and I thought it would be the same for me, but it's not. Hmm. She's like, it still still hurts. She's like, I don't like the goodbye, like, nonetheless. I really love the protagonist. You understand why, like, her mind is reeling about a certain things, and you're along with the mystery for her. You're like, I'm drawn to this hotel in the middle of Europe that obviously had some sort of horrible event that happened here. And I'm learning about it only because I'm seeing in the spirit world. There's something wrong here, but this game separates itself from other blooper team games because other blooper team games are literally like, here's a shadow on the wall. You know, (laughs) like that's. I I would say that a lot of the the previous blooper game games, aside from Blair Witch, is that a lot of just like you walk through a room, you experience things. There's nothing about you as a player that's going to connect anything aside from the ending. But as far as the medium goes, you're Marianne. This person is trying to figure out what the what the heck happened to her. her wow. Past and why she's. Thank she's, you. We're uh, going to syndicate this on a Christian broadcast. Thank, thanks for <laughs> censoring yourself there, Kelvin. <laughs> I censored myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but like you, you play as a character named Marianne, and you're just trying to figure out what what happened to her in the past, and you try to figure out what happened in this hotel, and and what happened with your real father, and, and what happened with her sister. That's another. Sister. That's another big element. It's not like a plot twist or anything, but it's and, like... and, and the villain that happened to her sister. Like it's just a big thing, and it's just like it's. It feels like you said earlier. Like it is. It feels like life is strange, but like married with a little bit of like a Silent Hill, and like this is what came out out of a blooper team, like. Uh, layers of fear thing yeah it it and honestly if the game was called silent hill subtitle like silent hill spirit world or whatever Mm -hmm. it would be a game where you're like yeah this could be a part of the franchise that like no like seriously like Like, i I do think they could take a silent hill and make it pretty interesting there is a few moments in the medium where i was just like oh wow like like the story goes in some bents where it's like this is this is fucking hard like it's it's not afraid to deal with some material. We're talking about another, like what persona strikers like being afraid of dealing with like mental health or other things. Yeah, it's very surface uh, this, dealing with uh, this game. Fucking kicks it in the teeth. <laughs> you're just like, oh, medium God. goes a little deeper, yes, but it also doesn't go deep enough where yeah. you're just like, okay, you didn't touch totally, but you tried. Well, I mean, when it comes to child abuse, that that, that that's like a tough thing for like a story it's to try to like because because a story that's like also in the guise of like a B horror movie mm-hmm. has to really. Be balance that the right way or else 
just kind of diminishing what the subject matter is. I think it did a good right. job with it. We've seen games do it before. Like mm-hmm. Persona 5 deals with like sexual assault and abuse right. as well. Not in the best ways, but sure. I, I, yeah, it's, it deals with that sloppy Japanese way. It's a very way, general but... way where you're kind of touching it, but you're not going deep into yeah. it. The medium yeah. goes almost a little bit deeper, but doesn't do mm. the best job of it. But it Yo, goes deeper. There's a big reason why, because it's like it's it. Uh, it's hard to not spoiling, but there's like a big set piece with like a monster that like yeah. you realize what the monster is, mm. and yep. it's just kind of like, all right, how are we really going to dive into this while I'm looking at like a 30 foot monster, <laughs> like that kind of stuff? But there's, it's yeah. cool. But like a big big part of the story too is that these whatever is happening here is also trying to rip into your world, and it's really fucking cool when you have chase sequences or or like sneaking sequences where i'm in the real world stuck with something that shouldn't be here hmm. and it ends up being effective horror because there's no combat there's no guns i don't have i have no shotgun mm-hmm. i can't melee my way through it yeah. you're just a person if this were a movie it'd be a fantastic fucking movie that we'd all be talking about going like that was a cool conceit <laughs> you know but it, it's a game and it's really interesting how it does it yeah the medium really really landed for me this year as far as like what is a horror game that's narrative first what would i want out of that the medium is exactly what I would want out of that. Yeah, everything you guys are telling me about this game, it sounds amazing. Uh, I had to look I up think... some of the screenshots, too, to kind of understand, like, the the dual plane of, of screens. Because I was like, how does that actually work? And it looks cool, the way they execute it. I think mm-hmm. the medium is something that Bloober's, Bloober's done that is top tier. Besides Layers of Fear 1, which is like, kind of like their, their step into, like, this big video game industry world. Layers of Fear 1... The medium is right after that. And as far as gameplay goes, I think they could definitely go right into that if they ever take on something else after the medium. Okay, so number seven for Chelsea was the medium. My number seven we already did, which was Persona 5 Strikers. Um, I will say it is going to be free on PlayStation Plus this month. So we'll uh, so move to Kevin's number seven. Kevin's oh. number seven, yeah. according to this list, is Far Cry 6. I, I was quite taken with this game in a way that I didn't quite expect. Cause like Far Cry is a known entity. It's always going to be the same, basically kind of like how people feel about Call of Duty. There's going to be a little bit of a different texture when you take a bite down on this. This one gave me a few things that I really liked. The protagonist, Danny, uh, was, was actually pretty interesting. Previous Far Cry's tried to do the whole half-life mute protagonist thing, which I think is like a cop-out when it comes to writing in video games. I like it when they actually go, no, this is a person, they have a history there you go you know um and danny was interesting because she is she becomes a, a gadia a freedom fighter in a not quite cuba hey 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 hey, hey. no not cuba if anybody legally asks <laughs> but it's kind of cuba um she wants to just get out right she's lived a life of tyranny there's a dictator who's also a famous tv star Giancarlo esposito uh he he is crazy there's no other way to put it the dude's crazy but he's not like malicious crazy he's just like i believe in what i'm doing crazy like a radical like Mm -hmm. like if he was like um if thanos was a normal guy but um she just wants to get out and she gets thrust into a situation where people are like well (laughs) there is no out for you and it's either like shit or get off the pot right and she ends up becoming one of the most instrumental parts of this revolution where you are trying to unite not just one guerrilla faction, but multiple guerrilla factions across the the country in in one kind of concerted effort to free this place. And to that effect, it is pure Far Cry. It's explosions. It's killing guards with arrows. It is sneaking around. It is using your your alligator companion to swallow somebody whole. Like it's it's amazing, just like over the top fun. 
it is pure gameplay. Like, you know, we always talk about like, we're always, sometimes we're just in the mood for a gamey game. This is pure gamey game. Like it is, it is gamey game of the highest order. You're, you're, you can do anything you want. You can fucking, uh, you, you can wingsuit your way off of a mountain and just drop down on a fucking enemy base. You could fly there in a helicopter. You could shoot down helicopters. You could drive around. You could do anything. You could set up random traps and laugh as everyone explodes. You can set crops on fire. You could set people on fire. You can do whatever you want. It's fucking, it's, it's great. It's, it is chaos. It is pure chaos and you are an instrument of chaos. It is, yeah, it's an absolute power fantasy of a video game. The The graphics are great. Exploration's pretty great. And it even has like these little additions that you can find off the beaten path, like um, these Tomb Raider-esque crypts are like all over the countryside with like their own little stories about like why people are hiding things in there or what treasure is there or what it means and you go in and they're actually like clever puzzles like i think you saw me doing one yeah. of them where it's like i have to swing around this cave that has like electrified yeah all the water on the floor is electrified because somebody set up a dj booth in the middle of the cave <laughs> and there's like a story behind like why that happened like it, it, it's interesting like the design is like really rich and dense maybe too dense because there's just too much on that map it took me like a good two months to beat that fucking game because it's just like ridiculously large the problem with every ubisoft game where it's like all right well how do we do our next game well we got to just do the the game before but more but more more, more quests more outposts more <laughs> this more that more outposts like, more things uh, to shoot yeah it, like reel it in a little bit maybe i don't know like it, it it's one of those things where as we see other game designers kind of like even insomniac for instance sure. rein in their open world for a more like streamlined experience there is some comfort in knowing well there's at least one studio i know that's always going to give me the extra <laughs> like they're always going to give me the gigantic i'm going to play this over a year instead of trying to squash it in a weekend kind of game and i think that's what um ubisoft has like kind of hung their hat on trying to do and if you're sick of it then it's like yeah maybe just wait two years until like one iteration of the game seems interesting to you mm -hmm. but yeah like yeah i feel like these gigantic open worlds these flagrantly large open worlds or something that like maybe don't get every single one i bought valhalla but i felt like that's a game i could have skipped and just waited for the next assassin's creed and been okay just do that with these games they're not for everybody. I get it, right? Like, I think, do we want Ubisoft to change? Like, and I, yes. I do mean internally. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. I, no, no, I, I don't mean internally. Sorry, sorry. I don't mean internally. Yeah. We want them to change their culture, but do we do? Do we want Ubisoft to suddenly make smaller games? Do we want them yes. to make non-open world games? I think it wouldn't yes. hurt if they tried to do something else and did some, like, reeling into the scope. Yeah. But why is the question? They might be able to tell something with less... Uh, open worldness because Valhalla was such a boring attempt at a game for me. I right. immediately was like, it's not for me. It's too boring. It's too open. The, what they've presented me in the beginning, I don't want to get into. I want to see what they can do with something a little bit more tightened up and constrained and into this mm -hmm. smaller world. I want to see what they can do. Like, I'm not suggesting they make a, like, a linear game, but definitely, like, not, like, a over-excessively fluffy, like, open-world experience. Because, like, I think you have an opportunity to tell, like, a tighter story with cleaner pacing. Yeah. Um, I, I love the core of, like, Cassandra's story and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but I've walked away from it 30 hours ago because I'm still killing outpost guards and, you know, trying to find, like... Uh, cryptozoological monsters from from greco-roman history yeah so. i guess my perspective on it is that i go to other folks other developers for sure. reined in or tighter experiences i don't know like i i like that that's their place in the world mm -hmm. their place in the world is to say that we're going to give you a 120 hour fucking open world game either you take it or fucking leave it yeah. right and like the leave it part is go find another developer that gives me a game like spider-man which sure. is like 45 hours and then you're done and, and people buy into it every year like far cry 
Assassin's Creed. These games sell for sure. They do. Like, the, the talk <laughs> is that like these games, are, there is kind of like franchise fatigue mm. for people where it's like, ah, yeah. oh, man, I just played a game like this last year, the year before. It's like, ah. And they do the like revolving thing of like, one year is going to be a Far Cry. One year is going to be an Assassin's Creed. Some mm. years we're going to have both. You know? Yeah, some years you are going to have both. So, I, I just wish they had like a different formula under their belt. Because like you have Division, you have Assassin's Creed, you have uh, fucking Far Cry. You know, we're yeah. getting that Star Wars game eventually. And it's like how, you know, what what's, is their brand now just open world madness? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. That, that's, yeah. that's what I'm kind of saying, though. That's yeah. what I like about Ubisoft. It's like they just do open world fucking madness. Yeah. I would say that's why I've checked out of Ubisoft almost entirely. Yeah. I wouldn't hmm. say that Ubisoft is my favorite open world stuff. So. Yeah, probably not for me either, but I feel like they're the most um, McDonald's of open worlds. Sure. You know what you're going to get every single time. And it's going to be salty as shit. But I, I will say that I think they probably fucking hit the ceiling for what they could do with Far Cry. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, this is kind of the thing where it's like this franchise should probably go on ice right now. Because we're six iterations in that are basically three of them are part three. Like, again. Like a dystopian leader, uh, world yeah. in chaos. That's spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's one of the things where it's like, I I, I think this is one of the better ones. Because, like, it's it's got some interesting story beats. The the writing is fun. There There's, like, it runs that kind of a clip despite being a just really, really sloppily large open world. But, uh, yeah, the next one is like, mm, what are you going to do with Far Cry next that's really going to, like, turn the needle? Or turn the needle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> turn that fucking turn it upside down. down put that needle <laughs> but yeah i i think it's just sorry i'm just like fascinated by the discussion around like ubisoft's games where it's like oh yeah why do you make these games like this and i'm just like somebody it's because people fucking love them yeah people why <laughs> and i'm gonna be one of the people who come out of the dark and be like i kind of like that they have these gigantic fucking open worlds mm-hmm. i but i also know a part of the agreement is i'm not going to beat this game in a reasonable amount of time mm-hmm. like i'm not going to beat this in a weekend and be able to move on like, I know that these games are an investment unto themselves. Odyssey took me two years. Mm-hmm. Two years, 100%. Oh, there's some people that don't buy, like, games on the cadence that we do, where it's like, no. oh, we're keeping up with every major release. So maybe this is the game that they stick with for, like, a few weeks to a few months, and that's one of their major moments of gaming that year. And that's cool. Yeah. But, you know, for maybe. people that revolve through games as quickly as we do, and have seen the, the release cycles from Ubisoft, it's just... It feels a little tired. You have that, rocket launchers on your backpack, and then you shoot them out. And I know. It takes there's out an alligator, helicopters, there's and there's crazy, alligators there's and shit. Stuff. I know. Like, there's just so much cool shit. <laughs> I'll play it eventually. It's so fun. I don't know. Well, who are we moving on to next? Is it Chelsea again? Yeah, we boomerang to Chelsea's number six. My, my number six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. My number six is Inscription, which both of you don't have. So I recently played Inscription. And I got it, gifted it for Christmas. That game fucking held me in its grips and didn't let me go until I finished it. It is one of the most interestingly unique experiences I've had in 2021. It holds what it really is until you get into it. Because I think a lot of the time when people are talking about it, they're they're mostly cool. They're just talking about like how it's a card game and you're kind of doing this like roguelike kind of, we have your cards and we're trying to figure out how to beat this game it's not that. It's such a weird game to talk about. It's escape the room puzzles. You're constantly being given this like scenario where you're like, okay, I'm playing cards against this character. And then once I play against this character and beat this character, I'm sent off into a new different genre of playing a game where you're still getting a card based experience. Uh, you're still gathering cards. You're still kind of building a deck that should get you through like bosses or like different battles. You still have to, like, kind of keep on, like, 
the edge of like a, I have this card set, this is the new card set, this is the new dynamic of the card set in each and every integration of this game, I have to keep on top of it. And a lot of people are like, okay, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this RNG of luck. That's something I've seen. Like, oh, you have to be lucky to be good at uh, inscription. You don't. You Hmm. can easily turn the tide of a game by just kind of being a little bit smart about things and like kind of figuring out what happens in the past five hours of the game seven hours of the game which i think most people have gotten to they got into the cabin and i don't think most most people have gotten past the cabin because they don't talk most about what happens after the cabin you get into this like robotic world you get into this 3d like sprite world where you're kind of like the stardew valley kind of character and you go throughout this world and you try to beat these characters and you unlock this deep like seated developer story it goes super behind the scenes if you allow yourself to like explore you go behind the scenes of the development because it's one guy kind of making the game uh, via whatever's happened in the past. It's this one guy and he's using this uh, facade of, I'm a card game opener. I'm opening cards on stream. Yeah. And you see him open these cards and then you unlock this mystery that happens within the game where you dig up the game in the woods and you're like, why am I digging up the games in the woods? And it's just this mystery that you want to unlock throughout the game. When you start going deep into the game, you get these puzzles where you start writing things down because you want to remember it. And I haven't played a game like that in a long time where I'm writing things down and I want to remember things. So inscription is just this deep mystery of you know, one side is this developer story, but then the other side is like, it's this card game in this world where you're trying to figure out what the fuck is happening in this deep card game where things aren't existing, but something's existing. And that's all I can say without spoiling it hardcore. <laughs> because it, it completely flips you on a 180 within about 10 hours of the game. You think it's this card game where you're, just, you're in this this cabin with this creepy guy and he's showing you cards and you're like oh i got this card stuff and then 10 hours in he's like okay you beat me here's the new set and it's just this completely different fucking game that i think no one's ready for and that's the best (laughs) part of inscription is that the game is not what it is what it shows in the first 10 hours i i it's a very subversive game it's one thing and it's a different thing and a different thing and a different thing as you go through these different levels of the game and it's hard to talk about without completely spoiling what's going on at each Mm -hmm. stage i think it's one of the best experiences i've played when it, uh, it flips me up on my ass like, I'm like, oh, it's a card game. But then 10 hours in, I'm like, oh, wait, it's not just fucking a card game. It's there's more like, mechanics going on here. Yeah. Can you imagine that? You're like, you're playing one type of game and then it just it's goes escape, to a different it's an genre. Room. Mm-hmm. It's an like, escape yeah. the room at some point. It's it's very, yeah, it's a That's, very unique. It's, it's one of the most interesting things that people have called out about it. But I've also heard it's very divisive from people where they, they prefer the first part of the game. Mm-hmm. And then when that switch happens, they're like, oh, I don't know if I like it as much. But I think right. that's a fascinating thing to do to like just subject your player to like a different like rule set and type of gameplay. Play. That's a, that's one of the coolest yeah. things about it. Like it switches art styles as it goes mm-hmm. across these different genres. The beginning, which I would call the cabin, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people really liked it, and I don't know if much much people got past the cabin. It's just the card game roguelike, and they did come mm-hmm. out with a, a mod or an expansion, I guess I don't know what to call it, where Casey's mod, where you're definitely doing like a legitimate like roguelike, where you're just doing the cards and you're trying to survive against rounds and rounds of against the boss uh and then it changes i mean in the game you do the card game and then it changes and does this kind of like 3d spite world and then it changes again back into the card based stuff and it becomes harder 
and harder and harder and harder and try to get to the ending and try to figure out the story of the actual in-game stuff but also aside from the in-game stuff you're trying to figure out what the player is doing because they actually include the player in everything Hmm. because you're actually a viewer trying to view what's going on with the guy who's live streaming everything and he's trying to document everything that's going on with the uh inscription card based game as a like he kind of like shows it off as like a Pokemon based thing or like maybe a Yu-Gi-Oh or magic type magic card type thing where he's opening packs of inscription cards. Uh, that's a little bit of a spoiler, but there's this live action stuff where he's opening cards and it's inscription based cards. And then when it comes to the end, it all kind of wraps up in this very like satisfying way where you're just like, oh, fuck yeah, nothing <laughs> has done this before. <laughs> where you're just watching two different timelines happen at once where you're just like, Oh, fuck yeah, but also, what the fuck? That's how I felt when I played Inscription, was just like, what the fuck, but hell yeah. Chelsea, this is uh, Kevin from the uh, Save Room. Got a question for you. Uh, would you recommend this to anyone that doesn't like card games? What is another card game-based game that Gwent. you think you hate? Gwent? Okay, yes, I recommend Inscription. <laughs> <laughs> I think Inscription is easy to dive Hearthstone. into. Triple Triad. Okay, Inscription. <laughs> yes, there's a little bit of luck. There's some times where I've had to restart a fight. It's not huh. that much of a headache, though. It's just you restart it and you restart it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, the boss is like, oh, I'm a boss. That's it. Uh, <laughs> but as much as, like, restrying fights and stuff and, like, being, like, whatever, like, with the RNG and luck, it's not that bad. You okay. can easily fight through it because I'm pretty impatient with the RNG stuff. Inscription actually was pretty okay. I got through it. I finished the end. I fucking beat bosses' asses really fast. I had a great time. One of my favorite games of the year. If you like like a creepy kind of mysterious story and also the developer, the studio behind it is very small. So it's all just one person or a couple of people. It's amazing. It's amazing what a small group of people can do to make you feel like very insecure about a game story. I love it. (laughs) Well, where are we at on this on this now? So Daniel, Mm -hmm. we're on your number six. We're on my number six. Take it away. My number six, which is not on anybody else's list, just totally fine. I'm not going to talk about it at at large length, but it it takes two Uh, from the the madness driven mind of Joseph Ferris. Because nobody knows what his studio is called. In Hazelight Studio. (laughs) Oh, there we go. (laughs) I don't know, like, what goes on through this man's head when he's creating a game, but, like, his shit's on another level. Uh, like truly um i watched you guys play a way out i watched you play a little bit of it takes two i think i was leaning more towards wanting to play this than uh, a way out because it just it seemed like much more of a creative co-op game god you know what what it is i think i agree with i like the way out more sure i like the way the more. way out more i did too i did too yeah i don't know what it was it's me i mean you guys had your own fun meta game with it we were trying and to there was we an emotional story, story with that yeah maybe that was it i think the the, the, the problem is that maybe you, you guys like the story of a way out a bit more whereas the story of like it takes two even though it's at the core of like what you're doing yeah. it feels kind of secondary like yeah. I, I don't know you can give her or take it at that point um i grew up in kind of the school of like couch co-op games right like on nintendo on on sega and like it this is just like a a, a lovely like love letter callback to that era of games um i played it with nick at make monsters uh over on my twitch channel over the summer um why are you laughing and he what's making you laugh i just love nick so much okay yeah he he graciously uh gave me three separate streams of his time to play this like 
I guess like 12 to 15 hour game. I don't even know. Uh, we got lost in it because like there's so much to do outside of the story beats. There's so many mini games. There's so much mm. to explore and do. You did three streams. Yeah, we did three streams. Oh, wow. Yeah, we had a fucking a blast with it. Um, I think he was he was Why, May, who's the wife. And I was Cody, who's like the the, the man who runs with his butt. Uh, he is the butt runner. He's the butt runner. Um, th- the story like is is whatever, right? Like it's it's this couple who uh, she works too much. He doesn't appreciate her job. They're neglecting their child, Rose, who's oddly British for whatever reason. Yeah, <laughs> he's stupid. She's not. Yeah. It's never gonna work. Yeah, exactly. He just wants to garden. She wants to do science and shit. Right. And I honestly like I had trouble paying attention to a lot of the story because Nick and I were just like riffing over it and just like in in awe at the same time because every other moment's like, oh my god, this is so cool. Oh my god, this is so creative. And it, it is just such an interesting take on like couch co op genre. Because, like, every new area, every new thing it tries to do, it's, like, it's inventive, right? It takes, like, normal, everyday objects that we see in our house and makes them fun gameplay elements, right? Like, whether you're using a nail gun to, like, shoot pegs in the wall so your uh, other player can jump across them, right? Or using hammers to, like, help catapult things, you know? There's such an interesting, like, counterbalance of of gameplay, and it's... It, it's harmony in the right hands. It's chaos in the other hands, right? What are you laughing at, Kevin? Cat. But she's gonna cry. Whatever. It's fucking screaming out there. Um, <laughs> the reason why it landed so high for me, even though like I didn't care about the story, is because like fuck, gameplay is king, baby. Like the, the gameplay was so sound and, and fun, and every time I sat down with it, it like it gave me something new and it does it in brilliant ways where it's like, you never stay with a mechanic for too long across like the seven areas. Like they give you a mechanic here that you maybe spend 20 minutes with and then they change it a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's so dynamic in its approach and uh, having to be cordoned off by uh, what's his name? Dr. Hakeem, the book of love, who's oddly weird and that creepy. Book. Yeah. I hate that fucking book. <laughs> you know, like I, I hated him. Uh, and he really just kind of serves to like, be like a marriage counselor for Cody and may and uh, help you like, you know, rekindle your daughter who this daughter has a weird power, by the way, the fact that like, she just mm. made these dolls that like transplanted our bodies into them. I don't know what magic. there's something else going yeah. on there, right? Yeah. Some sort of demon. She's that girl's pra- practicing witchcraft. It's true. Yeah. It's, it's a marvelous game. I don't know. Like I, I really appreciated it. Um, I, didn't really feel the need to like want to go back to it and and platinum it after because mm-hmm. it, it requires a second person. Yeah. Um. But I love the feature of like, hey, there's the free like um friend pass of it where mm-hmm. one person buys it, a friend can play it for free, which is I really neat. No yeah. trophies for your friend though. No, no, fuck him. Fucked up. Nick doesn't like trophies anyway. Yeah, but I like trophies. Kevin did, and I, yeah. I exposed him to no trophies. Actually, I no like trophies. Nick does like trophies. Exposure, yeah. I was gonna say shout out to Nick to playing with uh Daniel. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Shout out to Nick. Yeah, he really helped me like just kind of enjoy my time with it. Like, you know, and uh I think it would have been hard to play by yourself. Yeah, you yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like our joint curiosity was kind of fed in the same way where it's like we were both just kind of marveling at the same stuff. And like mm-hmm. it would it just it would work differently if like one person was into it and the other wasn't, right? Like mm-hmm. we were both equally into it. So every time we sat down for like a new session, we were just fucking super stoked about it. <laughs> it was really cool. I don't agree with the sentiment that like it's game of the year, like the fact that it won game of the year at the game awards. <laughs> cool. Like take I'm, it back. I'm stoked for them. <laughs> I hope it only kind of incites them to make more cool, like creative, like co-op yeah. games. But like 
I don't know. Like it has a, a few deficits about it, and like the, the the strongest component is the gameplay, really. Yeah, I think it's easily the most fun I've had with a platformer all year. Sorry, Ratchet and Clank, you did some cool stuff, but mm-hmm. this game did it in a much more interesting way for me. Yeah, it's one of those games that um I enjoyed my time with it. I'll never play it again. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that game where I'm just like, one, it's over long. It is. Very it's, long. it's a very long game to. Yeah expect two people to stick with mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah. <laughs> right it's like it could make or break a marriage when the point of the yeah. game is to fix your marriage yeah i think kevin and i went into the game pretending to be married and like yeah. once we got to the snow world we're like uh, yeah the uh, marriage got a little rocky in the snow that's like, like one of the uh, worst designed environments in the it, game. That, it, yeah. that snow area where you go underwater like uh, oh. kevin and i were just drunk and just not figuring it out yeah (laughs) it it wasn't telegraphing itself very well but yeah no otherwise it's a fun game what i like is that it like it stitches together a lot of different experiences that still has like the same framework but gives you like new things new things to interact the new gamified areas some sort of other thing so that that's like its greatest strength which is like there's so much variety of play in that game it's not one thing like Mm -hmm. ratchet and clank like it, it is like several things together I, I just think like it's funny. It's like I want a forever open world game. Sure. But this game, I was like, please end. Like yeah. literally at any point, please end. It, it gets to a point towards the end where it has a little bit of uh, pacing yeah. issues. But I like the the scale of it. I might have like said, yeah, like you become dolls, but in that like you become kind of like it's like the like honey, I shrunk the kids, right? Yeah. Where you're seeing the world in a different perspective. Like the house that you used to live in, the house that you fucking paid a mortgage on is now this like grand playground that you have to navigate to save your marriage. Yeah, I like that Toy Story shit. I muted myself when I was playing with Kevin because I got really emotional during the uh Princess Elephant yeah. situation. Yeah, there's a, a scene where you quarter an elephant. That was that was fucking awful. And you're awful people for doing that. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> well, that was of like course, the funniest shit Kevin in the world. I thought it was hilarious, but I had to mute myself because like this is fucking horrible. I can't believe they're making us do I'm this. I'm sorry, I love and, it when cute dies. <laughs> That's like my thing. After that point, you're still not good characters. There's never a time where I feel redeemed. Yeah. I think that's the biggest part for the parents where it's like, I never feel like they really earned the right to save the marriage or like well, did anything right by the daughter. Right. Uh, I feel like they still like are very neglectful, shitty parents. <laughs> um, and I mean, the the point wasn't to like, I, I mean, it's it's a complex game, like dealing with like, you know, divorce and and child neglect and all this other stuff. But I feel like it was, it was sloppily done to serve as just a fun gameplay experience. Um, I, I, do appreciate like the variety of play like all the levels felt like dynamically different like whether you're going through like the tool shed or going through the yard there's a scene where you kind of uh you're in cahoots with squirrels to take down this fucking like wasp army i did like the squirrel yeah the military <laughs> squirrels those are good the CQ, it's so the cool part? yeah oh my yeah there's just so much personality to like every area and every new inanimate object that you fucking encounter <laughs> that has like just interesting personality um i think i liked rose's room the most because it feels like a toy store um right. but where you end up is pretty cool you go to the attic and it becomes this like kind of uh, moment of closure uh, for for Rose where she just like is trying to find her voice again and like there's a scene where like she sings um, but it's all very like music based and it, it's really cool. Do I think it sticks its landing? No, not really. But did I have a blast playing it? Fuck yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. So right on, right on. I had fun with the person I played with too. 
Me too. <laughs> you fucking fight a vacuum, guys. You make them suck up balls. That was cool boss fight. I really like that boss fight. I did maybe 75% more streams than we should have done for that game, yeah. but I still had a lot of fun. That snow part really set us back. The mini games too, like, really surprised we me. Where it's like, I didn't expect there to be as many as there were. I think there's like 20 or so. Yeah, there's a bunch of mini uh, games. You know, whether you're doing tug of war, you're doing whack-a-mole. Yeah. I, I recommend it. If you have somebody to play with, um, go for it. If you have someone to play with, play it so i'm gonna be benched for a little while on my list and we've <laughs> talked about all these games that i have on my list so i'm like my number six is death's door we already talked about that um so we're gonna move back on to chelsea for number, number five. five my number five was strikers which you talked about we're gonna move on to daniel to his number five my oh yeah Daniel number five Strikes, my number one <laughs> yep. so i i will give you the option now chelsea if you want to save it or like when Kevin and I are talking about our number one, so you can give it more of like your own personal. No, I don't. I don't care when we talk about it. To okay. be honest, my number five and Chelsea's number one is near replicant <laughs> version something something something. A lot of numbers. There. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, the 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 remake of a of a ten year old game, uh, which kind of does some interesting like recontextualizations of the stories. I for somebody who played near automata like uh probably like three years ago and didn't finish it i wasn't expecting to really be swept away by this game uh in the way that i was um especially because like i think kevin talked about it it does have some dated gameplay like mechanics and yeah. systems about it between its side quests uh which are primarily just like old school like fetch quests and then even some of the combat like it's not like super deep but it is just kind of like gameplay like action rpg like gamey gameplay and i i really mm. liked it i like the the backdrop of the world a lot um it it definitely feeds you a lot of answers to the questions you have along the way too because like you're dropped in this post-apocalyptic world there's like a prelude section where you're like oh i'm playing as like this brother and sister dynamic and then there's a time jump and you're like wait, is that the same brother and sister? Like, what's going on here? So there's a lot of mystery to to the world. Um, I like the, the post-apocalyptic backdrop of, like, there's this uh, ever-pervasive, I guess, like, disease called the, the Black Scrawl that, like, infects the land and infects people. I was gripped by the story a lot because I think they do a great job at, like, making brother a very three-dimensional character um, in his care, uh, for Yona, uh, his sister, and then, you know, him wanting to just do good and help those around him. Um, I think he's a really good character to kind of like be alongside where I feel like some JRPGs and action RPGs like stick you with a character that just kind of like annoying or really like mm -hmm. not somebody that you want to spend like 40 to 50 hours with. But like, I, I find brother to be a very redeeming uh, and good character in that world. And like the, the basic story in the beginning is like, just you, you're, you know, building up the world, you're doing fetch quests. Um, you're trying to help your sister out, which is really sweet. And then like, you know, it expands into a bigger story towards the end. Um, but the gameplay is fucking great. Uh, I love the variety of weapons, uh, which granted you start in the beginning with like, uh, like one handed swords and stuff. And then when you do the time jump and become like adult brother near you get like two handed spears and two handed swords and like the gameplay becomes a bit more dynamic. I wish with how cool the weapon sets and combat was at times between like the weaponry and the magic abilities that the enemies are a bit more dynamic because like fighting the shades like it just felt like nothing after a while mm. whereas like fighting some of the bosses yeah there's a bit more like dynamism to how you're supposed to approach it uh how you should be using your magic when you should be deflecting and stuff like that the cast of characters that you're with is pretty great too like uh kaine really sad tragic character um and i love that they gave her some kind of extended runtime with some of the extra endings uh, mainly the e1 and where you get to play as her for a little bit 
Um, you have Grimoire of Ice, who's this really annoying at times book uh, who just has like a history of the world and a lot of knowledge. He calls Kaine a hussy a bunch. I don't appreciate that. Kaine is just trying to get by, uh, you know, just misses her grandmother. He also serves a more important function in the in the gameplay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there is Emil, another tragically sad character. It's it's a sad fucking game. Like it, it hit me in the feels like so many times. I think there it was definitely one good time where I cheered up and I didn't expect you. Oh. Um, and that's Square is good at that with their games. Like given like games that have like a really good emotion emotional depth that'll hit you with a right hook out of nowhere. Hmm. Um, Dark World, Sad World. There, there is some whimsy to it as well. Like there's like fun character interactions. The music kind of helps elevate some of it as well. Like if <laughs> if the music was always dour, it would feel like even more of a depressing game. But like there's just like very like vibrant, lively like compositions and stuff. Uh, whether you're in the open world or you're in the, the village. Uh, we always talk about Song of the Ancients being like one of the Song best of the Ancients. Ever. That's a banger right yeah. there. Let me tell you what. This game has my favorite soundtrack of the year as well. Like, yeah. Fuck. They, they released like a vinyl collection of it that I really wish I had gotten on, but it's just fucking so expensive. But they broke it yeah. up into like separate parts too. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about this kind of at length throughout the, the podcast. I didn't think I would see it through to all the endings, but I'm glad that I did because it's definitely a, a game that as you stick with it more, it rewards you more, rewards your curiosity, it rewards the player experience. Uh, it's a very enriching game, even if it asks you to fish for hours and all you collect are cans. <laughs> but I think where it's a love letter to older games, like there, there's definitely an homage to like Zelda style games, older like RPGs. It, it it's thoughtful, right? Yokotaro, man. You're tongue-in-cheek with a lot of what you do, but some of those quests feel like you're just laughing at me. <laughs> yeah. He loves asses. Yeah. He loves ass. He loves asses. I'm just glad I stuck with it because uh, I definitely, I dropped off of near Automata, which is a shame because I know it's a really great game. Mm. Um, and hopefully this only inspires me to go back to that. Hasn't yet. <laughs> hasn't, hasn't yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of all I got on it because I've talked about it at length on a, other episodes, but I'll give it to Chelsea. She has more history with Nier as a franchise than I do. I'm interested how this ended up on your number one versus something like Inscription. Because like if I didn't know what your list was, the way that you talked about Inscription, like I would have guessed that would have taken number one for you. Near original came out in 2010. I played it in 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, that was father, father near. Daddy near. what you would call him. Daddy near. You didn't play brother near because brother near came only with the Japanese release. So we got father near. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was okay. It was like, you know, the father and the daughter connection. It didn't really like super connect with me like other games with the father daughter connection. Um, but it, it hit the same kind of like emotional level as like enslaved Odyssey to the West did. It was about the same time. Hmm. Uh, I compared those two a lot. Like those were the, my top two games of that era. Like enslaved and near were my like top games of like feelings wise. Interesting. Um, so when they finally decided to remake near and they did the brother, I was really excited because that was actually the only thing I could have wanted from near was to experience the other side of that game going into this game like it's just that i just wanted to know what the brother was like in the brother dynamic because i never like looked into it i never watched playthroughs and it actually hits a lot deeper in my opinion like this young guy trying to protect his little sister losing everything else and living in this tiny little hobble away from everyone else and he's just this naive guy who's just like i just want to be the best i just want to be strong to protect my sister and it didn't matter Obviously, the same outcome came to like uh, Yona got taken away and you go through this five ending story where you don't have to do side stories. I know that's part of the like the platinum achievement, the quest achievement stuff, but you don't have to do it. Uh, you don't have to do the the quest, uh, the weapon stuff. That's part of the 
100%ing it. But you do need to get your weapons at least to the base level to get ending mm -hmm. E. You yeah. don't have to you don't have to upgrade them. You have to collect every um, weapon. There's like what, you like have 30? To, you have to collect all 30, but you don't yeah. have to upgrade them. And that ending E where you play as Kaine is what we what we didn't fucking get in either iterations of uh near and that ending is so hard hitting i've always been wanting for 11 years it's just this, like kind of like comforting we've got you the arms around you we've got you we're gonna take care of you type of storytelling that we didn't get from the original near and the western side or even the japanese side emil's there maybe brother near's there kaine's there etc just like we've got you and we're gonna like carry you into the next segment or like carry you into feeling okay going into the credits because i'm someone who doesn't feel as connected to automata i feel like it's very disconnected from the near narrative it feels very i don't know isolating and it doesn't connect as well as much to me i know a lot of people really love automata mm -hmm. i like automata pre uh the the amusement park part uh, everything after that I don't like, uh, but the amusement park storyline where you get it throughout the endings, like if you figure out the amusement park part, I love that. As far as near replicant, like that ending E is what I've always fucking wanted 11 years post what I played. It's just this, hmm. I feel okay, but like getting Kaine's part, figuring out Kaine, it just feels really good. And like the emotional impact of someone who's really loved the series for 11 years, like that happening, it hit really different. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but just like when I was playing, I was like, fuck, I feel like it's not as like alone feeling or as isolated as, as I thought it would be because it feels like I'm okay. I'm with these people who care about me in the game. And whatever happens after that, I'm okay because at least I have these people with me. Because the the ending before ending E. So and before ending E, you're very alone. You lose people. You lose hella people. And you're like left and right, you're losing these people and you're very alone. And if you don't have the requirements to get into ending E, you're going to feel really alone. And that's how I felt with the original Nier. So with the new remaster and exposing that new written ending E... It's just like, it's such a relief and it feels so fucking good. And all these things are tied. Like these weird endings are just, the the loose endings are just like tied perfectly. And I'm like, okay, I love that. Because I thought they were going to be kind of like throwaway endings, kind of like some of the ones that we got from like Automata. But like each first ending serves the next subsequent one. And it's just such a beautiful like layering and building. And, and to just get this kind of like dual resolution, not only for Brother, but get this like second full story with Kaine. It's like, damn, they did a great job at executing that. Like, I didn't know how important she was going to be until like those later endings. Um, is she kind she, of like sidelined in the original or? She's not super sidelined. They definitely make her more important because they're definitely wanting to use Kaine as the blueprint of what happens with the AI that happens in Automata. Yeah. Mm. Like she is the blueprint, like going into Automata as the loosest way I could talk about it. <laughs> Even the remodeling of her face from the original Nier in 2010, going into the 2021 Nier Kaine face, like it makes sense because they wanted her to connect more to Automata. That is interesting. It's interesting. I don't love the remodeling, but I get why they did it because they wanted her to be the blueprint. Is she supposed to be like what? 2B is modeled after or kind of yeah. loosely I, I I didn't look too much into it I know someone will correct me if you have like hardcore near fans in the, <laughs> oh, in the yeah. chat you know they come but... for us yeah those hardcore near fans <laughs> 
from what I've looked at, because I don't try to look too much into it, I just go off interpretation of what I've played. Like, I can tell that Kainate is the blueprint of the AI robots of Automata, etc. Okay. For you, it's kind of like this emotional resonance of a game that was like one of your favorites finally getting a happy ending. Yeah, I would say that was like a Matrix uh, Reservationism. <laughs> yep, that's what it's called. <laughs> Matrix Resurrection. The Matrix Resurrection. <laughs> I don't know what I said, but I meant it. The Matrix Roblox. All right, well, let's uh, move. My number right. five is something we talked about, Guardians of the Galaxy. So we're going back to Chelsea for number four. For number no. four. More talking from Chelsea. See, that you shouldn't have had interesting games. Yeah, you shouldn't have had different games. Different games. You should have played Guardians. Okay. You should play Returnal. This is me me doing a loophole. This is my loophole game. Uh, Final Final Cut of a Disco Elysium came out this year in August. And it added hella shit. So, like, I have what they added in case you wanted me to prove myself. No? Yeah, we want receipts. Oh. No, because I I looked at them like, why would I include Disco Elysium over, like, Mass Effect? Like, what's the difference of, like, making a new game? Mass Effect did basically nothing except maybe smoothing the first game. Disco Elysium added maybe seven different unique things. So I thought it was okay to add it. And I just (laughs) finished it. I finished it New Year's night, right at midnight, which was, like, the perfect way to finish things. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) Like, Disco... Disco Elysium is amazing. <laughs> I get why it has such a high Metacritic, you know, Metacritic score. I get why people love it and talk about it all the time since uh, the 2019 release, right? Uh, the Final Cut just adds on to how amazing it was with Final Cut with all the uh, voice acting, fast travel, new characters and locations, hardcore mode, uh, full controller support, 4K resolution, um, other things, um, um, new quests, like, like, Fucking Disco Elysium is amazing. I I'm not really getting to why. Yeah, can you give us an overview of like what the, the story <laughs> is? So because I know it's like it's kind of a mystery story, like a mystery noir. I'm, I'm a m- murder mystery lover. I love detective work. I love figuring out small clues. I love figuring out small little intricacies that they sprinkle throughout the game that could happen for your playthrough or not happen. I love the isometric view. I, it reminds me of like the old fallouts, like one and two, uh, tactics if you want to talk about it, brotherhood if you want to talk about it, I won't. The the depth of writing, the way that they've done it in the final cut, they have obviously added like way more quest questing stuff when it comes to like the different political views, the different ways to like figure out the murder. It's just untouchable in my in my opinion. Like that, that, like you could play this game. And you have to play it five different times just to see everything. Five different times to experience every different character, every different outcome, every different way to like do the whole 100% achievements or whatever you want to call it. It's crazy how deep this game goes. And I think it's mm. it's deep and it has like a smart take on things. Like you, you can do it five different ways and I can see where I could have done it five different ways. But I played it. I obviously played it where I was like very gentle and I'm like, I want to help everyone. And I'm very Mm, apologetic. That is very, you can play it. You can play it boring. You can play it like where I'm like, I'm letting the bloodletting enter into my own world and I'm going to let everyone just suffer with me. It's just so fucking different. Like the final cut is perfect. I think this is the, best time uh this is the best time to play at disco elysium is to Hmm. do the final cut because that's the best they've done and they did full voicing of every single character since uh before it came out in uh 2019 
So the final cut has every character voiced. So you don't have to like kind of sit there and read everything. So people are reading to you. Gotcha. And it helps. It helps. And there's definitely, there's uh, more quest lines, more quests, then there's more um, stuff to do with your partner, uh, Kim, who I love very much. It's just one of the best games I've ever played. I would have put it at number one if I didn't feel like I didn't have enough time to dissect it in my brain. (laughs) I just finished it. So that's why it's where it is at four. Still spinning around in there, huh? But it'll probably yeah. have to sit with for a while. It seems like a very dense, thoughtful it's, game. Yeah, it's inter- so dense. Interesting themes, uh, philosophies, uh, largely choice driven too. What would be like your elevator pitch for like this game for people who maybe like aren't clear of like what it is? I think if you were playing it, you'd be like, okay, this is a lot of dialogue stuff. This is a lot of visual novel stuff, if you want to call it that. A lot of writing, a lot of dialogue, but that that last half is mind blowing. Uh, when you finally figure things out and you put it into place and everything starts falling into its little puzzle pieces, it's amazing. And I'm blown away. Like when I played it the other night, I just sat there and I was like, I'm blown away. And I don't have time to digest it because I have to be on a podcast in like <laughs> less than 48 hours. How long so do you I need to digest this? To... <laughs> I need a week. It's, it's, such a, it's such a dense story because like hmm. you go through this character and him trying to figure out himself throughout the entirety of Disco Elysium. It depends on how you want to play. And it's just so it's so interesting. It's just this murder mystery that you can figure out any way you want. You could put political stuff into it. You could put you could put cryptozoologist stuff into it if you even want to. And that's amazing to me. How does that I love Mothman. <laughs> So the cryptozoologist stuff, I'm not going to say too much, but like there is a side quest where you kind of looked into cryptids. And I thought that was my favorite part. I was like, I'm into this. I wish I could do this as a living. I wish that was a whole game. I would love a a cryptid game that isn't Fallout 76 because there's a lot of cryptids in Fallout 76. But Disco Elysium, it's it's just that tiny scratch on my back when it comes to cryptid stuff. And it pays off so well and i know that's kind of spoilery but i don't fucking care please play disco elysium that is the one ask i have of you uh, well i do own a copy you started playing it you, right mm-hmm. did you like it do you have, do you have I, final cut i have final cut came out for ps5 yeah yeah i picked that up when it came out in august i started playing it and i was like yo this is a really fascinating game uh it's dense it's a very dense experience i think that was I one of the times where i was just like all right i i need to be in the mood for this exact kind of game because mm-hmm. it's not a gamey game right it's an upright game where you have to very much be it's like a... on the screen reading the pay attention game yeah. Yeah. yeah chelsea daniel from the save room uh hi i have a question for you what does the name mean disco elysium oh is there like a okay, mystery so, to that or so if you want to ask me what disco elysium is that's actually a spoiler oh uh, no I don't say it. okay I don't never mind it's okay. actually a really cool moment in the game uh, towards the end. If you ever play it, it's going to feel really cool. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, they do I mention really... disco a lot at the beginning of the game for some reason. They do. They do describe you as a disco man uh, in his late fifties or whatever they call you, like yeah. a old man who's into disco. They say that a lot, but when yeah. it comes to the actual name of the game, it's a really cool moment. Okay. And I think it's it would just subtract people's experience if they knew what yeah. happened. It's it's a strange game in that like the setting of it is like you go to this port city, right? Mm. And you're playing a detective looking into a murder. And you meet uh, your sidekick, Kim, who's mm-hmm. more buttoned up kind of guy yeah. than yourself. Kim Kitsuragi, baby. The thing <laughs> that was interesting is like, I got this feeling that I was like, I'm not on Earth, am I? Mm. But it's not a sci-fi story. And I was just like, I don't feel like this is our reality. Like, it's something else. Because mm. like the the political climate and the different things going on, I'm just like, this is not, like, it's not 
you're a... you're trying to figure out why your memory loss is happening and it could yeah. go several different ways but but i'm not on earth you're you're on earth but you feel like a kind of like a dutch angle kind of like weird unsettling <laughs> feeling even though they don't yeah. dutch angle you so when i played the i played the actual ending of the game with someone on discord call and i I called a lot of beats of it, which I told Kevin on the stream. I was like, I called the beats of it. And like the person I was like uh, streaming it to was like, oh, what the fuck, Sheltie? You're <laughs> fucking brain. You're calling everything before it happens. But it's like the most rewarding fucking ending I've ever felt in a game where you're just like, mm. fuck, this is awesome. Like everything I've ever wanted from an ending of a game is fucking happening in Disco Elysium. And I, I just want more people to experience it, like, and just get through the, I did it through seven days, seven to eight days. Uh, that's kind of how the game works is the day cycle. Mm -hmm. I saw, I, I, I kind of fought the game, like on the second day I soft locked it to the point where the developer was like, oh, if you soft locked it, you have to go back to an old save. I hated that. Ooh. At the same time, I was like, I fucking experienced the game at its worst, and I still fucking love it. I still think it's one of the best games I've played in the past decade. Decade. Kevin. Decade. Gotcha. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, that sounds like a game worth playing. <laughs> I, Honestly, I'm not sure it's like a Daniel ass game, but I'm definitely intrigued by like a lot of what I've heard about it. And then watching IGN's like top hundred games of all time, I think they put it at like number ten. I'm just like, damn. They put it at ten. Yeah. That pretty makes sense. Pretty nice. time. Yeah. I mean, that just speaks to like how impactful it is and how it's doing very different things in the medium that your normal games aren't, that your Ubisofts aren't doing. That that old, like kind of like old school isometric view of a, like a Fallout. That just feel of it and the way that they did the narrative uh, role checks, where you're like you have to pass it or not pass it, is very Fallout to me. Hmm. It made me actually re-download the first two Fallouts because I'm like, I have to fucking replay them because they remind me of Fallout. Same world, like a like a where post-apocalyptic kind of like everyone's at the like the end of the rope trying to survive type of world. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, if anything, if any viewer is listening, Disco Elysium is the game I recommend. Again, another game that sounds like her number one. Yeah, I, don't, exactly. I, I still don't know how near replicant ended. <laughs> that's why. That's why I love like I, having I Chelsea like here. I like... didn't have enough. I didn't. Have, I didn't think enough about Disco Elysium to wonder if it could pass the other three in my game. Yeah, it's probably one of those things where it's like it's so hot, you're riding the high from it. So like maybe yeah. the recency yeah. bias would blur it a little bit. So I'm glad you stuck with your guns and, and yeah, I tried to stick did. with what I felt. <laughs> yeah. Today. Well, we got number four for Daniel on your list. I'm really happy that this game landed in my top five. I'm not sure that like in another year it would have, but it's Life is Strange, True Colors by Deck Nine. Uh, I fucking love this game. Uh, I it just it's probably the most like emotionally impactful game outside of Near that I've played all year. Actually, from this year because I Persona Five Royal is very deep and emotional as well. Um, it made me love episodic games again, which is something that I kind of got tired of after like so many Telltale games. I'm glad that it wasn't served to me in an episodic way that I can binge consume it all in like a like two or three days sitting. I, I talked about it. I actually like I feel like I did a full down breakdown review of it when we talked about it on Save yeah, Play yeah, like a about few it. weeks ago. Um, so I'll try and veer out of spoilers on it. But um, I think the the main character, Alex Chen, is a amazing character to kind of be uh, at the at the helm with um, learning who she is in that world. 
uh, as she kind of rediscovers herself in this new town in Haven Springs, Colorado. Um, it's really like deeply personal um, as she tries to like, not only like, not necessarily like escape her past, but like try and kind of redeem herself uh, as a person. You know, I think a lot of us have had these moments in our life where like, we've maybe moved to a new place, right? And try to become somebody new, right? And that's like her story. Like she's trying to become the better uh, Alex. And um, a lot of like the emotional beats and and character depth is like, it's very elevated by Erica Mori, who's the voice actress. Beautiful story. It's a, uh, it feels very small scale in comparison to a game like Life is Strange 1. It feels like a, like a three block radius in, uh, in Haven Springs. Um, but because it's so like close knit and intimate, you get to know like all the characters very deeply, uh, whether it's your brother, Gabe, his girlfriend, um, his son-in-law, whatever you want to call him, um, or your budding love interest, whether it's Ryan or Steph who runs like the local record store. There's a mystery to it. Like all life is strange games. Um, there's a mechanic to it. Like all life is strange games. I wasn't sure like when I started it, if I was going to love like the quote empath mechanic. Cause I was like, how does that work? Like that's my superpower. I can read people's emotions and okay, sure. Like that's great. But like, it, it is a really cool ability because like you get to like kind of, I've, I've explained it before where like, I think it's L2. Um, you kind of go into like this deep thinking state and you can basically read people's auras in moments. So if like somebody's hot off an argument, they might read red or if they're sad, they might read like blue. Um, and then you hold X and you basically can like read their thoughts. Um, and from those thoughts, you get to basically make decisions of like, how do I want to like talk to this person? How do I want to kind of like, you know, make the next narrative beat and choice to move forward. Um, and it's, it's really well executed. It could have been done in a, a really dumb way. Um, but I think they did a great job at blending that mechanic with who she is. Cause it's not a learned mechanic that you're learning for the first time in the opening minutes of the game. She's been living with it for a while. Um, and it's something that's kind of like at conflict with her. I like the way the story unfolds across its five episodes. Like you're immediately hit with like tragedy at the end of episode one and then a central mystery, uh, uh, Typhon mining company, uh, Typhon mining company and big mining. Uh, they're at the kind of core of like a lot of the conflict with the story. Um, a lot of people don't want them there. Some people they do, uh, they're kind of doing puppet master stuff in the background. You think they're paying off people in the town. Um, and a lot of the stories like you trying to like kind of get a moment of redemption and take them down, but there's smaller stuff in, in you know, the story too. Like you're helping people at the flower shop. Uh, you're helping, uh, the, the local barkeep who you sleep in their upstairs, like uh, floor space, like you're helping them run the bar and it's, it's just, I don't know. It's really reeled in and I, I appreciate its approach. Um, the, the empath mechanic definitely gets better over time. Um, and there's an aversion with it where it's like, oh, it, it like as you use it more, it kind of like fractures the world a bit, which is interesting. And I think there there's the episodes have a good pacing to them too, where it's like not all like emotional stakes on the rail. Like it knows when to kind of like hit hard. It knows when to like lean back and let you kind of explore a little bit and develop your relationships. It knows when to let you LARP in the middle of the fucking main park and, and kind of have this like weird side diversion where it's like a, Final Fantasy type like RPG experience, which is really cool for them to throw in. But yeah, I I, I love it. It's I didn't think I would. <laughs> um, it seemed kind of corny on the onset. Um, but between the performances, between the writing, which is pretty good, and the music, uh, a lot of it's done by Angus and Julia Stone. Um, MMX Tune does a lot of the covers on it. So like uh, Radiohead's Creep, uh, uh, Blister in the Sun <laughs> by Violent Femmes. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. 
Um, it's got a lot of heart and a lot of charm, a lot of funny moments, a lot of sad moments. Um, I, I would definitely recommend it if you're worried about it being like too expensive of a game for how short it is. Maybe just wait for it to be on sale. Uh, it's, you <laughs> if know. you that's our saver advice. If you're worried about a game being expensive, wait for it to be on sale. You know, I think that's a pro tip. I, I mean, I bought it at 60 because I was just like, I really want to play this game. I want to support the studio. But if you're on the fence about it, like I think like at 40 bucks, that's worth it. Like any amount's worth it because it's a fantastic. Was it a sixty dollar game? It was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. 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 <laughs> so I I enjoyed my time with it. I played it pretty recently too, uh, and I also got the platinum in it, which I appreciate how easy it was to do. Where it's like you're just finding like hidden things in the environment mm. uh, with your empath ability, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I talked about it at length before, but I just I love it. I, I'm glad that it it stuck with me as as it did. Um, but you know, if we had a year where like you know we had God of War and fucking Horizon, it might be sitting a little lower. Yeah, probably. a little lower, but yeah, that's not how it shook out this year, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a game that I definitely want to I want to get to at some point because I always appreciate like the writing and the style and like the kind of gameplay gimmicks and Life is Strange. Mm. But uh, yeah, well, you know my number four, The Medium. Mm -hmm. Again, we already talked at length of The Medium and how it goes back to Chelsea once again. All right, so my number three, is it different from everyone else's? Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay, Tales of Her Eyes. Um, Tales of Her Eyes. Which uh, most people would uh, consider as the JRPG of the year. Honestly, I agree. It's the JRPG of the year, you guys. Fucking beautiful, right? Uh, watercolor environments, uh, beautiful settings, great characters. They got a guy who can't feel shit when he's being touched. <laughs> they have a girl who inflicts pain at the very touch of her fingertips. Hmm. That's the most romantic shit I can think of. Uh, like when I saw the trailer of it, right? Yeah, I guess that's Daniel, romance. Daniel, what do you think about that? A guy who can't feel pain, but a girl who inflicts pain. What do you think? I think that's some Romeo and Juliet Juliet shit. And uh, I think, want to be in the middle of it. You, you, you think, want to feel think, his lack of pain and her infliction of pain? Yeah, like I think that's like that. That that feels like no, um right. like Morpheus, not Morpheus, uh, Neo and... Uh, Trinity and Matrix Resurrection, right? Where their love together Morpheus would create a supernova. <laughs> no, Morpheus is in the middle. <laughs> we got a guy who can't feel pain, right? He's got a mask or a half of a mask, depending on how far you got, or maybe no mask, depending how far you've got. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. Kevin, it sounds like Kevin's only gotten to half a mask. Oh, he's got no mask. He eventually gets no mask and he figures out who he is. Oh, it's, good for him. Good for him. You know what? Good for her, too, because she figures it out, too. Oh, good um, for her. Does her attitude improve? No, she's always Sundari. <laughs> okay. She is the Sundari character, which means hard on the outside soft on the inside ah, so she's like she's sweet. on the outside she's like i don't give a fuck about you but then on the inside she's like please eat the food i've cooked because <laughs> i can't stop eating um tales of rise is kind of like a crazy game because like out of all tales games i've played a lot of them and my favorite video game in the top like 20 of chelsea games is tales of vesperia i think that story is untouchable and mm. i don't think arise surpasses it but gameplay uh, Arise is very beautiful and like kind of fun. Uh, they still call out all their attacks, which I think could be pretty annoying for some people. <laughs> they do. Uh, they truly they do. Don't, they Fire don't attack. <laughs> they don't stop doing that. But as far as gameplay goes, this is like the most beautiful gameplay of like any Tales games that has ever existed. And I've played a bunch of the old ones <laughs> back on like GameCube 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As far as story goes, it's not groundbreaking. It's still like a very typical like anime story. Like, oh, the girl who can't touch without hurting someone and the guy who can't feel anything. Like, of course, they're going to like come together and touch each other. And they're like, oh, romance. Of course, they're going to touch each other with a setup like, like there's, that. There's, all, there's always going to be like that <laughs> that moment in like the side story where they're like they touch each other or like they uh, in the main story where they're like, uh, we can touch each other and I feel you and I feel where you're coming from and you're so lonely and I want to build on that stuff and figure out what's going on. And like, that's really paid off in the Tales of Arise, you know, story. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, all the weapons are really cool that you could pick up because like, um, I love swords. And I said earlier, it's like, a, it's like an extension of like your body part, like a penis. Uh, ignore that. Uh the the little owl that you can find you can find owls throughout the like uh poodle setting poodle and you can find little tiny owls throughout the different settings you can find and you come to this like owl setting where you can find them and it pays off where you can get these really cool like cosmetic shit so it doesn't matter the owls creep me out because they're voiced <laughs> oh, by people because they, have, they, oh. they, they, oh, okay, they so go who who like, like that like exactly that. Like it's a, it's literally a person making an owl sound. I thought it was who who it was horrible. Who goes there? I was like, please give me that job to be an owl. Um, awful. So the environments, like a lot of the time when you're looking out onto the world, is watercolor feeling. Uh, it's very mm. like this beautiful watercolor effect that you have on this entire landscape. The landscapes of Arise are beautiful, and you just want to like go and explore. And the fishing aspect of it, like you're you're getting lures and different baits and all that stuff, and you're just trying to like get the best fish to get the one get the platinum, but also you know just just have fun with fishing. And it's just was so much fun. I had so much fun. The rise. <laughs> this is the one you platinumed, like, right? This is the one I platinumed. Yeah. And all I could say is like, I don't care about platinums. I wouldn't have cared if I platinumed it, but I had so much fucking fun playing the game post and pre-finishing the game. I loved fishing. I loved getting all the weapon types. I loved finishing it out and doing all the side quests. I just loved it. It was so fun. And it wasn't hard. They didn't ask too much from you. <laughs> and you just love the characters. All the characters are great, which is like previous Tales games. There's like one or two characters you're like, okay, shut the fuck up. Like, I don't fucking <laughs> give a shit about you. But these characters are great. I loved it. They all made sense in the story. And it's just, I just want to just change my shirt and play, play them. I don't, I don't what, know. What does that mean? I don't know. I just want to change my shirt. Gotta change my shirt and play this. Like I get really sweaty when I think about it and then change it. And then I'm like, I want to play. I want to play the game again. I don't know. I have a weird way of explaining games. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, just one of those games that makes you want to change. (laughs) I just really loved Arise. Like I thought I didn't love it, but then I platinumed it. I'm like, I obviously liked it because I wanted to keep with the platinum. And And then the second thing that made me think I really loved it was that I kept thinking about it over the months throughout. 2021 i'm like mm. i keep thinking about tales of rise i still <laughs> really fucking like it i still really like what they presented to me with the fishing or the weapons or the story like you don't have to like listen to them talk at the fire camps which i know a lot of people were like okay we don't like the anime visual novel style of the the comic book styling of telling a story you don't have to do that but it is improved from other tales games where they just did face dialogue Arise did like this comic book like actionated like facial stuff 
at least they did that where you made it made it feel like you're feeling the emotion of the people telling you stuff tales of rise is great it's my top three of the year i am solid on it i loved it i put so much time into it it ended up being kind of like a weird storyline that like went somewhere that i didn't expect it to go and i loved it i should pick that game up (laughs) You should pick that game up, Kevin. Pick that game up, Kevin. It's on my two playlist for sure. <laughs> two play, indeed. You can borrow it, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, I'll borrow it from Kevin. Well, eventually, when I pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Daniel, you have a number three on this. I do. List. And I... It's, it's one that neither of us have on our on our uh, game of the year talk. There, true. Your loss. Uh, my number three is Deathloop. Uh, yes, I, it is. You know, for a game that maybe I've I've said is a, a lot of style, maybe not so much substance. The more I thought about it, the more I was just kind of impressed with uh, its approach overall. Up until that point, I had never played like an arcane uh, lion game, but I think it is just a brilliant culmination of like everything they've done before. Uh, you know, from wow, my brain is like fucking blank at this point dishonored (laughs) uh going to um pray and you know i just i appreciate it for like its emergent ideas um its stylistic choices um the way it kind of thrust you into the world it it's one of those games where like there's a lot of questions you're like oh why why the fuck am i waking up on this beach like every like kind of uh roguelike sort of game even though this isn't a roguelike game it has some of those elements of like a loop mechanic but it's it's a bit different um there's a mystery of like why am i waking up here what is the purpose of these loops who is this person antagonizing me uh and i i think the way the story kind of unfolds between like colt who is the main protagonist and juliana who is the antagonist uh who is always kind of like combating you over comms and kind of like egging you on and later invade your world um i think like to see their relationship bud is pretty interesting um it doesn't quite land in the way that i hope it did by the end much like a lot of my criticisms with the game uh, i feel like the narrative as a whole doesn't quite tie itself up like in a nice like bow like i think it's kind of a sloppy finish Mm. for what is kind of a really interesting game across the board but the gameplay is kind of what like really resonated with me like i don't there i've had a lot of fun with with games this year like between you know returnal and hades and other like gameplay first order games but this one i think I, i was really compelled by um, I really like just the kind of play as you will style and approach that, you know, the studio is known for, um, whether I wanted to like run and gun my way through an area or stealth kill my way through an area, um, or even the idea of like, oh, I need to slowly learn each of these areas across the day, day cycles to then just say fuck all and break it. Right. Like once I learn like enemies, like kind of walking patterns and where they're going to be, uh, or how the world reacts to me, I can literally do anything, which it felt pretty cool and freeing at times um, and gratifying to kind of learn. Um, I do wish there was a bit more uh, variety with the actual like story itself, because like I thought it was going to be a bit more dynamic because you have like the four areas that you go to across like different day parts and you learn how to like manipulate the areas and the characters within it to kind of corral them into like newer areas. You guys know like the main through line of the game is essentially... You need to get all these visionaries kind of in a line to kill them all, like all eight of them in one day cycle to basically break the loop Um, and figuring out how to do it's interesting. But like by the end of it, I was like, shit, there's only really one way to do this, which was kind of disappointing. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted a bit more oomph to that, Um, but like figuring it out, it like you feel smart when you do it. And then every time after it's like, well, then it kind of becomes a little bit uh, mechanical. But I, I just love the gameplay. Like, um, I think the, the things it does to set itself apart 
in a roguelike sort of genre. Um, the fact that you have like uh, weapons and uh, slabs and trinkets and the fact that you can infuse them with like a, a resource you find in the world to keep them between the runs. Uh, it's really awesome. It makes you feel powerful. Um, whereas like you start the game, you only have like, I think like a, a melee weapon. I don't know if it's like a hammer or I forget what you have in the beginning, to be honest. Um, and just kind of a basic gun, but you, you know, grow attached to like, Oh, I want that shotgun or I want your machete. Yeah. It's a machete. Thank you. And then you're like, Oh, well I got the shotgun that I really like, or this really like OP, like legendary level rifle that I found. Um, I like the way it does its, its narrative trails of like finding clues in the world. Uh, the, the game in the menu does a good job at like kind of keeping track of it for you. Like kind of Majora's Mask style where like there's a notebook where it's like, shit, I wasn't going to remember that this person was here at this yeah. time of day or, you know, that this conversation led me to know that there's a secret in the library. Um, so the, the game does a good job at managing it for you, which is nice. Um, and same with the threads, whether it's like the weapon threads or the visionary threads, like, you know, it's easy to get lost in what you're supposed to be doing in the game, but at least the menu helps you keep track of it all, which is nice. Very stylish. I love uh, the 60s, 70s, like deco style between like the world design, the characters. I, I don't know whether to call them biomes, but they, they are interesting at times, depending on like the uh, character that inhibits them. But just kind of getting to the point inhabits. of like, huh? Inhabits them? Yeah, what I say? Inhibits. Oh, yeah, inhabits. We've been going for like five hours, so my words we have are been going all for over five the place. Hours. That's true. Uh, <laughs> so apologies that I forgot how to speak. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's a tough one because like, I think there are like soft pedaled elements to it where like the stealth is kind of like, it doesn't feel like really like a punishing stealth game. It's really easy to just get up on somebody, break their neck and then move on to the next thing. Hmm. But there are moments where it's like, oh, if I don't stealth correctly, the whole area is on me, which is like, I wish there was more of a balance with that. Once I learned how to stealth my way through an area and how the ins and outs work, I just run and gun my way through the areas after I'm like, fuck this. Like, I'm just going to do what I need to get my uh, objective done, run back to the tunnel if I can. I really like the player invasion element of it too with uh, Juliana. It, it had a very interesting uh, kind of flip to the gameplay where, I mean, I would say if it was a player invading your world, it's a bit more interesting. The AI gets pretty stupid mm -hmm. at times where they come into your world and they kind of just are running into a wall um, or they're not like ducking and covering as, as, as well as they can. Um, but I thought that was an interesting element to it. I think they oversold it, like yep. the whole spy versus spy part. Um, they could have done maybe a, a more interesting, deep job with that system. But like, I know it's a bit to manage, but because of that, like uh, PVP element, we got one of my favorite mechanics. There was a whole no clip documentary talking about it, which is the kick, yeah, the, the fucking kick. kick where you can run and fucking kick somebody off a cliff or just fucking kick them to the ground and stomp them. Hell yeah. I love it. Um, something that was implemented just because like they needed a melee feature that wouldn't be too at odds with latency based off of people joining the game. Uh, but man, it just it's such a rush to just fucking get up on somebody and just kick them down. I just started Deathloop and I fucking am so into it, but I haven't played it enough to uh, like include it. Oh, but, I like. I was under the that, impression that you had finished it. I haven't finished it yet. Okay. I only got to the the first part, but I'm like, I'm so into it, but I really want to get into it. It's the most cool like atmosphere and theme of a game I've played in a long time, and I fucking love arcane games. Mm -hmm. I love Dishonored. I love Prey. Obviously, what I mentioned earlier. And all these fucking games, they're like, they get me and Deathloop's one of them, but I just haven't spent that time with it yet. So I'm, I'm very interested in your, your love for it. Yeah. It, I mean, we did a plays on it a while ago and I, I talked the fucking through the ceiling about it. Cause like there was just so many cool moments of it. And obviously I loved it enough to platinum it. Learning the world is interesting. Cause I love games where it's like, they have like a new world to tell you about. And this game does a great job at doing that. Although like 
again, the narrative through line towards the end, it kind of sinks where I'm just like, fuck, like they could have really had like a, a strong uppercut of an ending, but it just mm-hmm. kind of like felt lipstick, unfortunately. But yeah, the world design, the audio design, all of it, I fucking love like just the, the music about it. Um, and the visionaries are cool too. And just finding out how to take them down, stealing their slab abilities, uh, just having that like kind of dual wielding of I have a gun, I have a fucking magic ability. Like that added like such an interesting amount of depth to the the gameplay and everybody obviously does it differently right like oh am i going to be somebody who uses fucking a shotgun and, and a levitate ability or am i going to use like the fucking uh overpower like brute force one i forget what they're all called at this point but but really really cool i could see like why a lot of publications have put it as like their number one um tamor has has called it like elegance in in game design like supreme <laughs> like you know it's because it is elegant it has a lot of systems that it's trying to juggle and i think it does it all very competently um i just think for as much as i would invest it in it the payoff wasn't quite there towards the end so um i'm interested though kevin like why this didn't rank for <laughs> you at all for like somebody who like i, I like I know you got close to the end you didn't beat it even yeah no i didn't beat it <laughs> yeah i'm i'm very much on like the difference like the other spectrum than both of you for this game um it's a game that i want to love and i don't that that's the biggest problem with it yeah. it's a game that like the way that people gas it up and the way that like people are like it's elegant in design and the art direction and the vibe and everything and i'm like yeah i, I, I agree and i played it and i'm just like i'm not in love here mm. like i i appreciate it or i like aspects of it Again, I think a lot of it was more flash than there was substance for me there. Sure. And then I, I just got kind of tired of its gimmick, mm. like very quickly. Like I said, when I was talking about Forgotten City, it was like, oh, you found a clever way to keep me in this and want to pursue. Deathloop became work. And that's when I stopped having fun. Mm. It was like, oh, cool. I have to go turn off the power station again. Yeah, it does make you do the same beats a bunch. Yeah. Especially getting towards like that ending, like corralling of like, I got to kill all the visionaries in one day. And also, I'm like one of the few people on this earth that really found Juliana's lines annoying. Mm. Like I just like I, I didn't just, like her lines either. They're so galling. They're yeah. and like they're purposely galling, but I just was like irritated every time it would happen. Like they're back and forth. Yeah, was just, it was like, too Ugh. much for me. And then of course I won't spoil it, but like the reason I stopped playing is I found out what the ending was, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's shitty. And then I just stopped. Mm-hmm. I just like stopped playing it. I it's a game that was almost in my top ten out of respect, <laughs> like less so than enjoyment factor. <laughs> okay, like it just respect like. There's a game that comes along that I know objectively is good. Mm. It's good from its design standpoint, its art direction, just the love and care that Arcane put into this. I really do think it is a good to great, great game that's not for me. I started to enjoy it, and then when I peaked, I was like, I've seen every single trick that you've given me, and yet there's more game left, and I don't want to go through it. <laughs> like, it, it was sad. Um, maybe I'll feel differently going back to it, but I also think maybe the conversation around the game kind of like bucked me off too. It was overhyped. Where like sure. everyone was like, this is the best shit I've ever fucking fucked. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I'll say for me, like, I don't think it is like the next coming of like games. I think yeah. it's like the most eight out of 10 game I've ever played. <laughs> yeah, but, like, that, I, that's the thing. <laughs> but I really just enjoyed it. Like, um, I, and I even said like when we were talking about it uh, on that plays episode where I'm like, I think this is like my number six or it's my bottom 10. And just like over or bottom five of my top. 10 but like over time it just softened on it where i'm like shit i had a lot of fun playing it i think for me a part of it too is like in a world where we're craving like bioshock type games and like new worlds and like kind of just crazy dystopian feels like this game gives it to me in a different flavor which is nice yeah like the idea that like oh we're all stuck in the soup and we all die at the end of it creates this kind of uh, feel where everybody's just partying because they don't give a fuck. Like, they just know they're going to die. Sure. Um, uh, I forgot what they're called. I think they're just called cultists. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They're just all reckless in that world. And it's just, it's such an interesting kind of like 
way to paint your your NPCs and characters. I wish they were more dynamic. Uh, like the mm. the main like glass shows are so easy to take down. But like I don't know, just kind of the why you're there, what happened, what caused the loop. It's just it's an interesting kind of onion to uh, peel. It is, yeah. and I think maybe it's it's proximity to other games that are very similar, like Hades and Returnal. Yeah, like also kind of like took away its impact for me, where I was playing and I was like, oh, another one of these. Mm-hmm. Whereas for other people, it's like I've never played anything like this, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, another one of these in a year filled with these. these. This is the year <laughs> of the loop. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those games I got to revisit one because I paid full price for it, and two just because it's like I don't know. Some games are very time and place mm-hmm. um, where I'll play a game and it just like does not strike me at all. And then I'll go back to it. Like Doom Eternal is a famous example. Mm-hmm. That where I still think the campaign's pretty bad compared to the first one. But I think I appreciate that game way more than when I first played it when there was like such like fever for it. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is like the shooter of all time. And I was like, yeah. no, it's not. It's busy. That's its problem. Mm-hmm. And that's my problem with Deathloop. It's busy. Yeah. No, it's it's true. It's not the cleanest like FPS that there ever <laughs> no. was. But I like its frenetic gameplay. I like yeah. that it kind of feels like uh Bioshock meets Doom meets Wolfenstein. It's just I don't know. Sure. It gave me like just kind of really fun gameplay feels. Well that was my number three, Kevin. Uh that? everyone knows what my number three is. It's Resident Evil Village. So now we gotta go back to Chelsea. Let's do Kevin's number two, because I feel like I've I've done I've done mine first. <laughs> Well, I'll do my number two is Halo Infinite. Uh, I got to tell you, the smartest thing that 343 and Microsoft ever did was delay this game by a whole year. Because I I don't think it would have landed as hard as it did. And I think it's it's marvelous (laughs) what it is, despite people's, I guess, anger and cynicism over the kind of free to play multiplayer design where a lot of that like I, I get that. I'm I'm coming at it from an angle of like what is this as a gameplay experience for me and I feel like there wasn't another game that like brought people together in a way that like I've played this game with people I've never played video games with before. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's one of these kind of like um unifying titles where people are like, "Yeah, I'll play Halo." <laughs> and I'm just like I've never seen you talk about a video game before. <laughs> that was like Overwatch for me when it first came out. I was yeah. playing that game with like literally everybody I fucking knew. Yeah, in, in a year where we had to all abandon Overwatch. Yeah. Thank you, Activision Blizzard. Um, that it, it was nice to have a game that was like, oh, here's the multiplayer jammy that I can fucking just jump into and have like either do a few rounds or do way too many rounds. But as a complete package, this is a very kind of, this is a great way to return the character to the roots that we like while also still kind of pushing it to the future it's one of those smart soft reboot sort of titles where there's a lot of fat and a lot of like tangled webs when it comes to narrative and design choices that four and five kind of curse the series with Mm -hmm. five especially is a game that it's like what is wrong here Mm -hmm. like something's not working it's just too much too big of an ensemble too too many threads too many multimedia projects that apparently are more important than the actual story itself just fucking cut it all out, right? Halo Infinite like kind of resets that by going like, nope, it's Chief. It's only Chief. He's thrown into the middle of a new Halo, Zeta Halo. There's a mystery going on here. There's something about this ring that is different than all the rings that, which is the easiest plot point to fucking like be like, hey, there's a new mystery. Yeah. What is it? This Halo is different than the other Halos. Oh, <laughs> but um, I was surprised to see that there's a bit of a little, a little emotional core that I felt like. Like, 4 did a good job of introducing to the series. In this one, it's like, hey, you have this kind of emotional tethering between there's a pilot character that's just like a human, normal dude, not even a good fighter. He's stuck on this ring with you, and he just wants to get back to see his fucking family. 
and he he doesn't want to be like superhero mode like because master chief is always like we got to finish the fight and he's like oh he's, this dude's like fuck the fight dude what do you mean we're all dead <laughs> like there's no one here to help you dog and so it gets interesting there and then you also have a new companion um ai um who is called weapon the whole game but it's basically Cortana. Like she looks like Cortana, talks like Cortana, is Cortana. She comes at it with like this kind of exuberant, like I'm a new AI and I'm excitable and stuff. And it's interesting because like you ended up having this pit for pat with Cortana in previous games where you're both kind of like a little bit jaded about your surroundings and what's going on because you've been through like literally every war in the cosmos. And so you got these new elements in there that kind of help reset the audience's like viewpoint of like what is happening and you're given a new villain and i think the villain kind of sucks mm-hmm. the villain is um i forget his name lashrayam eshkram something like that but he's this big brutish guy that's like we need to have a glorious battle to, to the end and it's just like it's the least interesting fucking component of the game there's more interesting things going on on, on the underworkings but honestly the things that work about this game are how we go back to just here's one setting we're back to a Halo, like the original Halo game. The difference is we're treating it more like an open world game. And so with that freedom of it being open world, all of the covenant and different enemies kind of scattered around the world, kind of protecting like little fortresses, much like a check lo- checklist of Ubisoft game, you know, taking down these fortresses is like, you know, how you progress through the game, but it's a little more dynamic in that every little like fortress is like a new fight, like a new, like, oh, wow, this feels like a, like an actual handcrafted battle where like new interesting ha- things happen where it's like I can take this on tactically or I can be an idiot and just like start lobbing grenades and running in. Like you can take it how you want. And usually you're rewarded with something kind of cool. Then there's the other factor of the game, which is this, it's more of um you have linear levels that are tethered to story that you go on. Those get a little more, I won't say boring, but they're like, they're all samey. Because you end up going like inside of the Halo into like installations that are like underneath where it becomes more homogenized, more mechanical. But like the fights are really good. It's just that like the environments aren't that like interesting. Hmm. And so the entire time you have this kind of cosmic pool between like I really want to be in the open world and do more open worldy shit because that's really fun. But the story is like, but we have to tell self-contained stories in this. And that I think that's a byproduct of them starting out with a very big game that they had to keep on dialing back until it made sense. Hmm. Still, as far as like an attempt to like reset this monolithic franchise, it's like one of the most successful attempts at making a Halo game feel like Halo. It's a weird thing to say, but I feel like Microsoft's games like Gears of War and Halo struggle with identity. They struggle with like, what is it that people really liked, you know? And so like they come up with stuff where it's like, well, we went really fucking far out there with like four and five. And there were some things that people liked, but for the most part, people got really pissed off. So we have to dial back and go back. And Gears of War has done similar things where it's like, man, what if we had dog sledding? And it's like, what? Excuse me? (laughs) Like that kind of thing. Just because we needed something different. Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like this one does a great job of like, here's the core DNA of Halo. And it's not just in the campaign, but also in the multiplayer where it's like, no, 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 no. We threw away all the weird perks and like weapon loadouts and stuff that like we let Call of Duty design infect the games over time. And we went back to this very basic, it's an arena shooter again. You start with a basic loadout and you go to go find the better fucking weapons on the field, which it makes for kind of a more interesting dynamic of like, well, you kind of know where people are going to go. You know what they're going to go after. And if they get it, they're going to be dangerous. So I need to either get there first or figure out some sort of counter maneuver. The multiplayer suite is growing right now. Like it it was just like a quick play 
playlist basically of like random stuff but now you can actually choose like i want to do slayer which is team deathmatch or i want to do like capture the flag and stuff so it's it's nicer it's growing but it's it's still like a marvelous amount of fun every time that i'm playing with like a group of people where you actually got a full stack of four people online it's just like this feels really good this feels like great there, there there's like literally like no barrier between me and my inputs and what's going on on screen like i don't have to worry about cumbersome bullshit i don't have to worry about crazy loadouts. I don't have to worry about somebody literally figuring out a way like in Call of Duty to, to just spam some piece of equipment or something to just make it chaos and pain for everyone else. It feels like a fair fight again, mm -hmm. right? There, there's some fucked up stuff. I know some people will disagree if they get in the hard and the paint and be like, the melee is broken and oh, fucking the neck code and shit. That's that's that that's part and parcel for multiplayer games. Yeah. I think at its at its offset, the game fucking plays brilliantly. Like, it's one of the best shooters I've played in quite a while, mm -hmm. honestly, where it's like, like, you get in your hands, you're like, this feels great, even. Like, what the hell? So they did Damn. a great job with that. Thank you, Chelsea. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I like the the one element that I'm not talking about that I think it's like just changes the game is the fucking grappling hook. It feels, oh, yeah. yeah, it feels like there's like, you know, when we try to like do reboots of franchises or anything, like we find one thing that might work, never get rid of the grappling hook. The grappling hook makes life so fun in that game. Name one game that has a grappling hook that's bad. Every game that has a grappling hook is elevated by like 10 points. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> Uncharted 4 did a great job with Good grappling point. hook. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But this grappling yeah, is... Grappling hook. Doom Eternal had a grappling Doom hook. Doom Eternal added a grappling hook. Changed the fucking game. <laughs> this one's great because it's the same stuff. You pull yourself to enemies, you yeah. do a fucking melee, or <laughs> you Skyrim the environment with your grappling hook. Oh, that's dope. Like, you're just like, literally, I feel like Spider-Man, but Halo Man, going around on mountaintops and going like, you know what? I can probably get there. And the answer is yes, you probably can get there with your fucking grappling hook. <laughs> like, it, there's such a freedom... Uh, that wasn't there with some of the older Halos that makes this one like really like, huh, this is different. Huh, this does feel good. But okay. yeah, it doesn't land everything with its story beats. I think um, just because there's so much, there's so many sins of the past that they need to like sure. fucking excise. Like they reference it and go, this doesn't matter anymore. Are we on the same page? Cool. And then move on. <laughs> right. Which is, but it does bog down the story a little bit. I'm actually more excited for whatever comes after this. Now that we have a cleaner reset of the story. What are we going to do going forward? Like, what's our new thing? So it's, it's it's a good, it's a nice reset, I think, more than anything else of saying, hey, this franchise just doesn't have to die. Mm -hmm. It could still move forward in a smart way. We just have to make sure that we evoke the feelings of original Halo while still making it fresh enough to even justify its existence. And I think yeah. they did a wonderful job doing that. It seems like a really gratifying, like, homecoming for, for Halo fans. And then, like, to have this, like, twist on it and, like, kind of uh, new gameplay elements that reinvigorate it, it makes it, like, feel like there's something promising going into next entries where yeah. it's not going to feel like, oh, this is just another Halo. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't, they feel like they're opening themselves up rather than dead ending like yeah. how they did in five like at the end of five nobody was asking what's next they're like i don't understand what i got but yeah halo infinite the game that jerked off the world with its suit jerk the whole world off people love it <laughs> uh chelsea what's your number two my number two was little nightmares 2 oh. which i don't i haven't seen anyone put in their top tens uh ever in uh, all the <laughs> lists i've looked at uh in the past week because I don't think people remembered that this came out. <laughs> it was pretty early in the year, right? Yeah. It was early in the year, and I think that Little Nightmares is obscure enough. And also, the developer was like, we're not doing anything after this game. We're done. We're what? not even touching. 
we're not touching little nightmares at all lore wise whether it be comics or whatever we're done we're not we're moving on to other things and i think they're mm. done with video games actually oh wow because when i was looking up this game because like this game is one of those games where you're like i want answers i want uh anything that's like uh, open-ended to be uh tied up uh so you look it up and a lot of the stuff is like you know to your interpretation and the developers are like we're done we're not touching this game we're not even gonna help you out with dlc we're done we're moving on to different things that aren't video games i don't know what that means so that's as far as the developers go that's what happened nfts yeah i was gonna, gonna move on to nfts <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so i hope it's not that but you know what fucking that's the world of video games lately so little nightmares is a it, it originated in 2017 the the first game uh it ended up being one of my favorite games of 2017 i didn't write anything that you know like article wise in 2017 but little nightmares was just this cute weird unsettling horror game that you had to unravel yourself and this little little girl named six with a, a yellow trench coat and she's just trying to escape these people on a ship who paid to be on the ship to eat food uh we don't know what food means but at, there's a certain part of the game and I, i'm okay with spoiling the first game it's been a couple years uh, there's a point in the game where you need to outrun the, for lack of a better term, overweight or obese boat dwellers who paid to be on the boat to eat. And it it, it kind of hints that they're eating people or kids. Mm. Um, and you're one of the kids who escaped. And there's a point in the game where you have to escape these people on tabletops to, and I posted on Twitter, like me escaping them. So like, you can look it up. <laughs> uh you're escaping their gre the like grabby hands of like trying to eat you and you escape and you uh you get into like the final boss battle of this like very thin woman who's very about her looks and she only looks at herself through mirrors but then you use mirrors against her and you kind of go hey you don't actually look like that it's just all an illusion and she freaks out and that's kind of the end of the game and you gain your powers Fast forward to 2021, you play a game who isn't six. You play it, play the game as a, as a character named Mono. He has a plastic bag, or no, paper bag over his head. And you discover uh, along the time of like, you know, discovering this like kind of weird cabin house and you find six from the original game. You're kind of like, what's happening? You're finding six in like this weird basement kind of dwelling and it's just this really creepy thing where this hunter is like hunting you throughout this forest and you have six with you and you you slowly start to figure out this is a prequel to the first game. And that's oh. my only spoiler to when people ask me, like, do I need to play the first one? Yes, you do. And you, you travel with the person from the first game throughout this game. You go through like a school, you go through a hospital, you go through et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, these apartments. And it's just this creepy unsettling environment that you just you cannot shake you cannot figure out no matter how much you put time into this setting you will always feel unsettled it is creepy as fuck i have never felt this in a game and i've played <laughs> i've played outlast which is i think was the creepiest before this game setting wise because you can't like change the way you feel about the game uh as far as little nightmares goes you you're just presented this creepy setting of like going through a school, these kids in the school, they're made out of porcelain and they're, they they do not give a fuck. They just want to treat you like shit. 
they're not real people and this this teacher in the setting doesn't blink that's her thing she doesn't blink and she's watching you sneak and you're never safe you're never fucking safe so when you you suddenly like you you kind of smart her out and you you sneak through the thing and you go up through the levels she's following you with her long neck i'm and, actually like, looking what, at a picture of that right now it looks really yeah, creepy and gross creepy. <laughs> and her neck will follow you like you get to like a point where you're at books and that's the part where i had trouble with where you go through the books and you jump through the different piles of books and her long neck is following you because she doesn't blink she knows where you are unless you're smart about it and that goes on to like the hospital situation where there's a hospital attendant that crawls along the ceiling and it's fucking creepy as shit. But you, you finally figure out his patterns as a little kid and you, you, you outsmart him and, and you do these things. And I don't want to spoil it too much because I think Little Nightmares is kind of a short game. But the, the feeling the first game gives you and the second game gives you is nothing I've ever felt in a long time. Hmm. Like, the setting is so creepy. Like, you feel unsettled. Even if, like, the tasks they give you is, like, you think it's easy and you can do it, but you still feel like, I don't feel calm. I don't feel like this is a happy ending. And the the outcome of Little Nightmares, too, like, the whole ending sequence is fucking and settling like when you play the first game and you play the second game and then get the ending which is the ending into the first game it's fucking hard you like play then you're like i know what's happening i know what's going on it feels awful little nightmares deserves so much more praise than it ever got and i think most people have forgot it came out this year or even didn't even play it it's crazy to me because this game is one of the best games i've played spooky wise the atmospheres of the school, the hospital, the city at the end, the way the inhabitants of the city react to you, the way your character is involved in the actual overall lore. It's fucking. I don't even mean to, I don't mean to say fucking. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> we can curse on this podcast. Yeah, that's fucking okay. Sponsors won't pull out. Yeah. I'm I feel so deeply about little nightmares too like Hmm. i wish more people would give it the attention it needed and the problem is is because i think the second one would do so much better if you played the first one and the first one i think people like passed it by because they didn't think it was that important or like Hmm. it didn't look that interesting but like the way that game presented itself and the way that character dealt with being captured or or being hungry i'm gonna say hungry because Hmm. it's a big spoiler but being hungry in the first game is a big spoiler into how Little Nightmare 2's launches and how it ends up tying all together. And it makes me so sad the developers are so done. Because the, the creepiest feeling I've ever felt was from this game in the uh, the school uh, with the teacher with her long neck. And she follows you in the like vents. Like, you you know, in all horror games, you go in vents. That's always like an, a, just a <laughs> thing that happens. Very rarely do you get followed into vents. And she follows you. Her head and neck goes into the vents to go after <laughs> you. And there's only been one other game that I have seen that has done that. And that was, um, uh, I, I'm so sorry, Nick. Um, Five Nights at Freddy's uh, Security. <laughs> I watched uh, oh. a playthrough of the whole, I watched the pre playthrough of that whole game i think it's interesting i'm not gonna lie but when you go into the vents in that game a creature follows you and just like little nightmares 2 the teacher follows you into the vents and it makes you feel not safe and i love that why do do you think little nightmares hasn't like taken off with people 
I think it's because most people haven't like vocally talked about it. There was a point where everyone was talking about like, oh, wow, this is really creepy. But for the most part, the mainstream hasn't taken it and put it in like a, you have to play this, you have to do this. There's a part in the game that I posted and I'll post it again tonight if you want me to. Sure, do it. (laughs) It's a video where it's one of the most creepy things I've ever done in a video game. It's very Silent Hill of them to do, but like you... these mannequins come to life if you don't shine a light on them in the uh, hospital, I think. And you have to shine a light on them constantly or they'll attack you and pick you up and like rip you apart. And so you go through this room and you have to like kind of like manage shining your light on them while also trying to get through the room. And it's this this segment that has just been, it was hard for me to do, but when I did it, I was just like, fuck yeah fuck yeah <laughs> like it's just <laughs> the best feeling i've had in all year and like i'll post it tonight i'll post it right after i said this i'll go look for it but like little nightmares one and two are my favorite games i played in the in the last decade one the the soundtrack is so creepy six's theme is so creepy if you go and listen to it you'll be so creeped out i love it it's just so good <laughs> and <laughs> And the and the atmosphere and the setting of it is just so oh you have to just experience it and the thing is is like even the DLC like adds to it and it's just so it's such a unique concept and it's so good and I know that's me being very very passionate about it because that's my last game I get to talk about because like Nier was my number one but Little Nightmares I just want people to play it so bad it's so good. It's it's an interesting take on like the horror genre too, because like you get a lot of like first person horror games, like Outlast, like a lot of hide and seek horror games. And this is like very much like a side scroller at times. Like it has different perspective shifts. The art design is really fucking like it's it's creepy. Like like Chelsea said, but it's it's also gorgeous the way they did it. Yeah, I I'm I'm interested in checking it out because uh, it it definitely especially playing as like a you know from the perspective of like kids right there's there's a way to elevate horror that is scary in that that way like what's scary for kids right like how do we make it even creepier as like an adult player is playing it yeah it looks like Coraline yeah but yeah. like darker yeah it, it it looks like Coraline post like uh meeting the mother with the button eyes the other yeah. mother but that, that was, times that ten what would you say about the iOS game uh, very little nightmares. <laughs> The iOS game? Yeah, there's a, no, there's an iOS game. Is it really? There, yeah. there, there is. Uh, it's supposed to like tie in stuff. I actually don't know too much about it, except that they're just trying to tie in lore okay. because they're very done with the uh, IP. Is there a reason they're very done with the IP? Like they're sick of it? Like they don't give a shit about it, or, I, uh, or like they just hasn't made them enough money? <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I watched like four videos on it, and it's not clear. All I know is that Bandai Namco could just take it and do whatever they want. So I don't know. I don't know where it would go. Uh, there's comics. There's uh, the iOS game. But as far as like lore goes, like this, I don't know. The second game is just special. I I don't I don't want to like say like you should go delve into the other stuff. Maybe the the iOS game is a little different, but like it doesn't it's not going to affect how you feel going into the first or second game mm-hmm. for sure. Do I need to play the first one to appreciate the second I one? I would say play that. the first yeah. one. 
No, I, just, I need I, the reaffirmation because I feel I, like I would jump to the second one. I do say you have to play the first okay. one just because the second game hits so much harder if you know mm. what's going on in the first game. Okay, that's that the only sense. thing I'll say. But what if I did play the second one? <laughs> if you play the second one, it will still it'll still be kind of interesting. But like the the beat at the end won't hit as hard. Okay, I won't like, understand the hunger. Well, I mean, the hunger is like a, a thing that's only like. Um, important to the first game because the hunger of of being on the uh we're rich and we're paying to be on this ship that's taking us to eat food is only from the first game that's not gonna like matter in the second game gotcha well here we are leaves us not with much to discuss (laughs) just returnal just returnal Yeah, uh, I guess that would be mine and Kevin's collective game of the year. Should we dub it the save room game of the year or should we give that to something else? I don't know. It, it sounds like that or or we got to give it to near replicant. Ooh. <laughs> we'll make them knife fight. Uh, so, a knife fight. <laughs> so I feel like this got snubbed out of a lot of like major game of the year. conversations. I think so, too. And I don't quite understand it. Yeah, because. Really? Yeah, like I feel like maybe a few applications mentioned it, but like it's the one that's easiest to drop off on the list for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why that is, because I, I feel like out of all the games that I played this year, the one that's fucking just like stuck to my bones has been Returnal. Returnal is a game where I'm like, there's something here. It's weird to say, like it, it doesn't quite reinvent the wheel, but I still feel like I'm looking into the future of games <laughs> like when I play it. The way that it uses sound design, there's sounds I've never heard before, yeah. like in a game. The mixing the way, is amazing. Yeah, the way it uses the the controller, the haptic feedback is probably the the best execution of haptic feedback mm-hmm. for the DualSense since launch. Yep. You know, it's it, 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 there's so many elements to it, and the biggest thing that I think about Returnal, in, like as as a personal fan, is that I keep on saying I wish they made an Aliens game like this. Mm-hmm. Like I wish the Aliens uh, Fireteam Elite was this, where it's like a roguelike on a mysterious planet and you're just facing hordes of like random aliens and randomized settings and maybe there's something to like prometheus lore like making the 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 how did you say the permutations of the different rooms Mm -hmm. but it's interesting because the game is a mixture of like it's a roguelike in that your world changes it's not just your the enemy patterns the world changes every time you go in which is super interesting which is hades doesn't even do that no, because like all the rooms are the same. It's just like yeah. the enemies that you get or where the rooms are spawning. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing that makes me like reminds me of the movie Cube, where it's like every room is like all constantly like reconfiguring itself and stuff where it's like, OK, I die. I go back and it's like, oh, this is a different version of this place. I, I think the, the the texture of it being on like this alien world, this ever shifting alien world makes it even more interesting to dive into and unravel. Yeah, there's like this kind of central mystery to the story that. It doesn't even really explain itself, even when it tells you what's going on. To be honest, I put 100 hours in this game. I still don't really even know what the main story is. I like I'm like, did she die in a car crash? And the whole game is like in her head. Why would she create something so fucked up? Is this hell? Is this purgatory? So I love that the game like teases these questions and never answers them. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's my favorite part. The game like just refuses to tell you if it's if it's hell, if it's a dream, mm-hmm. <laughs> or if it's if she actually went to space. Yeah. You get this like mid-cut cuz like the game is divided into like a first part with the three biomes and then a second part with like the like a last three set. But in the middle there's a break where like Celine, she's the main character, she leaves Atropos, goes home, and you basically see her like live out a life. She grows old, 
dies and then resets on the planet and it's like yep. what is what it what is tying her to this loop and there's obviously like a time space paradox about it too like you know she crashed her her ship on uh, atropos because she was chasing the the white shadow it's a signal that like called her to the planet but you later found out that she also shot her ship down to bring her there so it's like what is mm-hmm. pulling her to the what is the mystery so, yeah and, and you throughout the um the story or throughout the game you find your body over and over and over and over elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like at, at a certain point, she even kind of muses and you you find these audio logs from her, different versions of herself. And she even says that like, well, considering what I've seen so far and what I've recorded, I'm pretty sure I've been here for about 66 years already. And it's like one of those crazy things where like you as a player, are like I just got here. Mm-hmm. What the, what the fuck? Like I've been here for 66 years. Yeah. One of the first things you discover is like, you need a weapon and you find what is your body holding the weapon. Yep. You're like, holy shit and like i love that it plays with this loop of like there's no clean cutoff for the loop it's Mm -hmm. like she dies and she's back there yeah she every cause and effect is her Mm -hmm. like she's the one that did all of this and even the game it does imply that some of the like i think like the last boss or one of the bosses might be her Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's it's you you are fighting yourself constantly and that's why the theory of like is this purgatory Mm -hmm. like because like they have the scene of her like dying in a car crash or like falling off the the bridge in the car Mm -hmm. and you're just like was that the moment that actually started it all? Like she just got stuck in Atrophos there? Like, well, what the fuck is going on? I, I, I love that. It's a game that's like, we're not going to tell you straightforwardly. Mm-hmm. We're going to play with this loop so goddamn much that it's in it, in the DNA of everything that happens in this game is that mm-hmm. it's just recurring loops. It's crazy. <laughs> like, it's a game where I'm just like, this is like the hardest sci-fi fucking game I've touched. Yeah. And it barely has a story. It's like psychological <laughs> horror meets high science fiction oh the horror vibes are what gets me yeah. going. that's why i'm like this should be aliens right because mm-hmm. like um it, it's very very kind of like this dread foreboding on it even though you like it's a very action-based game the sounds they make are just so weird and the lights and the neon from the aliens and stuff and you're in these dark environments just filled with mood and ancient fucking temples of, mm-hmm. built by aliens and you're not sure like are the inhabitants now like the actual are they just fauna <laughs> who's the creators what is going on mm. it, it, it's such a brilliant like uh, when it comes to art design and just like the the level design itself i'm just like yo i don't understand why people aren't looking at this like the fucking master class yeah i think this is fucking housemark's like crowning achievement like oh everything they've been doing is leading up to this moment this is probably like one of the most impressive things that they've ever done like because a lot of their games it's like it's bullet hell right yeah, like bullet hell shmups bullet hell but like this is translated in an interesting like 3d action shooter space uh one of the tightest shooters this year by the way and that's why it ranks like at number one for me because like the gameplay is like i (laughs) i always wanted to be playing it i I was sad when resident evil village came out because it meant i had to stop playing return Ah. (laughs) it's so stupid because it's like man they're both great games but like this is what like was was calling to me around every corner much like the the white shadow Mm -hmm. called to to celine um I think it's just it's a masterclass in in roguelikes. It actually is it what it's what made me appreciate and love and understand roguelikes because I'm like ah yeah I get it like loops okay cool yeah. but like this kind of showed me in full like what the full potential of a roguelike uh, could be right in terms of unraveling a a big budget story in terms of doing interesting character work all, all kind of wrapped in a package of like just tight gameplay right like there, there's an interesting like um, 
risk and reward system too with like some of the parasites and suit malfunctions it's like shit. do i want to like pick up this thing that's going to give me a revive but maybe all enemies are going to do like poison damage when they die right like it's just like there's a lot of measured moments and and decisions you have to make to to maybe make it to the end of a run or maybe (laughs) die an hour in um but the, the the gameplay is just fucking tight. The guns, man. Like every time I had the Hollow Seeker, every time I had the perfect like subset of like unlocks and abilities for it, I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be the the run. And yeah, it, it's it's one where like I always felt myself getting better with each successive run, mastering its systems, learning it, and uh, I think it it's it's rewarding, right? To just you know put the time into a game and actually like see myself come out the other end, right? Where it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to beat the the first boss and it's like shit i did it cool what's next and like just kind of getting to that what's next moment to not only like you know get to the end of the game but also unravel the story like who they, they did it in such a way that like it, it made it worth it i know it bucked a lot of people off because it's a hard game it's a hard fucking game and the fact that there's no like save resume like if you you know exit the game you have to fucking start the run over and that's really frustrating yep um they I fixed that by the they way they did they did yeah. they added a patch you can you can save resume now which is good um but I, I, I know just like not a lot of people are probably going to get to it just because of the conversation around it, right? That it is brutally hard, that it is like, you know, oh, I got to do runs and I die and I don't get to keep my weapons. That sucks, right? Like it's it's weird because like roguelikes is, is it's not an accessible genre, but this is one of the games that makes it accessible, I think. Tries to. Yeah. Try, <laughs> tries to. Tries its goddamn. Yeah. Just, I, I think there's kind of a cadence to the gameplay that like when you get on that wavelength, it feels so good. Yeah. It, it 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 feels like you're in the zone for it, right? It Where it's like, like God mode. it's like I got the right roll, I got the right like uh right parasites equipped, I got the right like whatever perks. I I've got my health that which you can continually keep on like adding to your health, but you lose it all if you die. Like I've got everything set up right to go carve a path, and you could still end up in ruin, or you you actually might cut through. But it, it is it is a marathon of a game because like the game doesn't just go like oh you got to the end of the level cool you can start from here from now on. No, it only does a halfway point in the game where you can start from there, mm-hmm. but you still have to get through three grueling levels to in order to get to three more grueling levels, yeah. <laughs> which is interesting. And I love that there's this, um, in, in the idea of the loop, the last three levels are mirrors of the first three levels, mm-hmm. but just like completely remixed and given like different, some of them have different weather, mm-hmm. you know, like... Um, like the 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 deserted wasteland of the second level yeah. becomes like a snowy tundra. Yeah, it's an interesting cool. like kind of counterpoint of like this was a crimson red wasteland of sand, right? Like shifting ruins to be this frozen tundra with like enemies that do like ice damage and stuff. It, it's so interesting. I, like there's so much thought given into the design of the game, mm-hmm. and I can see that people would be like, ah, oh, there's not much to like bite into, and I'm just like, I don't know, dude. It, yeah. It, it does a great job of visual storytelling. It does a great job of giving this kind of foreboding sense of like, mm-hmm. like, like this weird feeling of like, you actually feel like Celine where you're like, I'm stuck on this, mm-hmm. that, that this loop will go on and on and on and on. And the hope comes in progress. Your hope is I've never touched this guy before. What is this? <laughs> you know, like unlocking like just a little, it's like a, it'll be one permutation where it's like, huh? I've never seen that statue before. Let me start shooting that and see what happens. And then you just unlock a new portion of the game for your your kit. And you're like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, shit. You know, because you remember you don't get the full suite of guns on your first like run. <laughs> and then like when you start replaying, you're like, oh, oh, I've never had this. Mm-hmm. Hollow Seeker. Oh, my God. The greatest gun in games. <laughs> Hollow Seeker with, does the job. With the Doombringer where it's like this fucking... Uh 
doom orb that you send off and it just does crazy <laughs> aoe damage to everything and eviscerates the world oh man and like fucking the bosses man like the bosses are sick like some of the most interesting uh and dazzling level design like i, I mean it's a playing the the bullet hole bullet hell element of it like they shoot off colorful orbs mm-hmm. or like just the most swelling music drops happen and it's just like crazy particle effects across the board yeah ps5 just being stretched to it's like limits and it just came out yeah like just playing the first one i was like shit that was crazy then you get the second one and then like the third one which is like it like a platforming thing where you have to like kind of hook shot between like a disintegrating world and it's one of the coolest fucking like boss fights i've ever seen yeah the scale and sense of um of difficulty is like exactly what i want boss fights to be Mm -hmm. like it's so fucking good yeah returnal is a game that just like i again like i said just got stuck in my head all year Mm -hmm. i was just like that's the game right there that i can go to and it feels second nature that like the controls are so good it just yeah. feels like second nature to pick it up and play you were doing like your platinum run on stream and like mm-hmm. i think you were like ordering food i'm like let me play for a second and like, it had been months since i'd played it and i'm like nope still got it still all got it. i still know how to fucking time the shot to where like uh if i need to reload i hit the reticle yep. at the right time and i can you know thank you here's a war for that reload yeah the cube headed floating <laughs> things are like my favorite like one of the designs yeah where it's like it's just this weird thing that slowly like lazes its way towards you and then suddenly it throws a fucking spiral of neon at you <laughs> and then the other like dog enemies like just these weird fucking things with dreadlocks and like flowing tentacles coming at you like the enemy design is like really interesting and weird because it's like you can't quite describe it mm-hmm. even when you're looking at it yeah it's like, like something you've seen before but also not but haven't yeah, yeah it's, it's such a the enemy design is so interesting because it's just like that looks like a lovecraft monster in mm-hmm. space yeah the the geiger and lovecraft influence is like very much worn on 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 the sleeve of this game and i oh. i appreciate it because like I, I feel like we've never gotten a game of the scale of this style to have this cryptic uh horror sci-fi alien loop game like i've we've never had all that kind of wrapped into one pack there was just yeah so much like uniqueness to it yeah. where it was just like it's just a game that stood out for me and it, it's amazing i i, I feel kind of like how chelsea does with like little, uh, little nightmares, nightmares yeah where it's like I, I, more people should have been fucking playing this game and going mm. crazy about this game but like i'm just like dude this is like one of the best fucking like heady sci-fi shits that i've played in video games yeah i i was riding a high on this game for like a, a good month or so yep <laughs> and like i i wouldn't stop until i platinumed it and my only cr- critique is that like the platinum kind of sucked uh mm-hmm. also yep. i wish it had launched with the photo mode it's i'm glad that it's there now should have came with that uh, photo mode gotta tell you i guess it's hard to implement those yeah. shits <laughs> i i would say it's like it's a must play uh, ps5 game because it literally u- uses the hardware like in every which way much like ratchet and clank does it's yeah. just it's and then the fucking again the surround sound like audio design like i played most of this game with headphones in and god my i felt like my i was transcending my own body every time because it was just so like the music is is transformative yeah with uh with its kind of creepiness too. you gotta try it with the binaural headset i do i do see what that's like yeah but yeah returnal is like i i, I want a sequel i want another return i want to return mm-hmm. also shout out to having a middle-aged female protagonist yep isn't sexualized in the least <laughs> like she is just a person yeah selena is like a very uh she's very powerful uh has her own agency about her right like you she has a career behind her like yeah. you know she's very determined headstrong a lot of things that like you know incels wouldn't want to see a, a female character be but like i think she's a, a powerful character to, to play as and learning her story it's it's gripping it's emotional like 
when you when you come across the house, like the scale of her house in the middle of the woods, which is like, like one of the coolest visuals in yeah, the game. It becomes kind of like a first person horror experience, kind of like PT mm-hmm. Silent Hills, where you're just walking through a house and like like you fucking turn down a hallway and something like plays like mind tricks on you and like the the the, the rooms like warp and change when you go back to them. It's you're like what is going on with this house? Like why yeah. why why is this astronaut eating cereal? At the There's so much visual table? mystery to it, but yeah. I, I I just I I loved it. I I think they fucking knocked it out of the park. I think this game should be fucking like people should be shouting Returnal's name. It's mm. stupid name yeah. <laughs> on rooftops across the world. It's a name that I ended up falling in love with. Right, yeah. <laughs> like after playing it over and over, it's like yeah. Returnal. But when I remember when we first got like saw the reveal, we we're like Returnal. A dumb name. Actually, I wasn't even interested in the game. Uh, yeah. Until like uh uh kind of funny, man. They they are influencers to me through and through mm. where like they were just like screaming the good name of it. And I was like, really? It's that good? Fuck. Okay, cool. Who was? Who it, it was Greg and, and Blessing for sure. I, oh, I'm shocked Greg was yeah. going on about that. Yeah. Seems like one of those games that would buck them off almost yeah. immediately. It's also the game that taught the world the the word biome. It's true. This year. Everybody's like biome this biome. Returnal that. fucked up the whole year. Fucked up 2021 <laughs> with biome. But yeah, it's it's an amazing game. It's a game that I even after platinum i still have an itch to go back to Mm -hmm. like i still want to play it because there's very few experiences like it i'd be interested to see how this informs like housemark's kind of catalog going forward i hope they do more games of this nature oh they said that they're they're triple a dev because nobody liked their fucking bullet hells or they said that the bullet hell stopped selling, so they can't can't make more anymore. Mm. That's exactly what they said. Arcade is dead. Yeah, they're yeah exactly. <laughs> arcade is dead. They're like arcade games are dead. We got to yeah. make triple A games now. And then maybe they were right. And then they made their most successful game to date. Fuck. <laughs> what do we do? How do we? How do you argue with like? I know you don't like hearing that arcade is dead, but you stopped buying them. Yeah. Why? They're like they turned it on us as an audience. Go sure. discuss. <laughs> and it's like, um, well, I didn't know what next Mahina was. <laughs> You didn't make another Dead Nation. <laughs> I got the game when it was free uh, during the great PlayStation Plus crash of like 2011, whenever oh, that was. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that Housemark is now officially like first party because it just means that they're just going to get flushed to do whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. They got that cash to make whatever. I'm sure like, I gotta make Returnal to you fuckers. <laughs> but yeah. Well, shit. We got through the game of the year. We did. List in a six hour podcast. This is our longest effort to fucking date. I'm so sorry. I don't Daniel. know. I don't know how to edit this. <laughs> yeah, we just had an emotional break that he's sunk in his head. I, yeah, I like like this isn't coming out until like until next month. <laughs> it's not coming out until next month. Yeah. What's that, Chelsea? I used to uh, edit my podcast, so I feel terrible for Daniel. Uh, he's not editing this. Oh, one. no, this one is not mine. This is uh, on Kevin's computer. <laughs> yep. Oh, congratulations, Kevin. I feel so glad for you. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Just do it in chunks. Is it really six hours? Yeah, dude, six hours. Oh, my God. It's probably going to net out to like a four to five hour podcast. Well, I peed a lot. So yeah. take away a half hour. I- yeah, I think it's still going to be like five. Yeah. five <laughs> it's going to be a good six hour podcast. Everyone's going to be like, oh, hell yeah. Who, who else had one? I think GameSpot had like a six hour game of the year podcast. And I was like, Holy I'm shit! Sure. Crying. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 do the recap of what our list are. Chelsea, can you tell us what your <laughs> top ten was? You want me to go through my list? Yes, please. Starting Just a from ten. Start from ten. Uh, ten was Resident Evil Village. Nine, Shin Megami Tensei Five. Eight, Death Door. Seven, The Medium. Six, Inscription. Five, Strikers. <laughs> Funny name, I guess. (laughs) It strikes me as funny. (laughs) Did I say Strikers? Yes, sure did. Okay, four Disco Elysium, 
Final Cut 2021. Uh, th- <laughs> uh, three, Tales of Arise. Two, Little Nightmares 2. And number one was Near Replicant. Number, number, numbers, I don't remember. <laughs> Such a good game. Uh, all right, I'll go next. Uh, my number 10, uh, Marvel's Avengers. My number nine, Marvel's Avengers. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> my number 10, Marvel, Marvel's Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Number nine, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Number eight, Death's Door. Number seven, Persona 5, Strikers. Six, It Takes Two. Five, Near Replicant. Four, Life is Strange, True Colors. Three, Death Loop. Two, Resident Evil Village. And one, Returnal. My goodness. Yeah. My list shook out to number 10, Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart. Deathloop was actually number 10, like, but when we sat down, I was like, you no. You forgot about Ratchet. I was like, no, Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Number nine, Persona 5 Strikers. Number eight, The Forgotten City. Number seven, Far Cry 6. Number six, Death's Door. Number five, Marvel's The Guardians of the Galaxy. Number four, The Medium. Number three, Resident Evil Village. Number two, Halo Infinite. Number one, Returnal. Wow. There you go. Put in the comments who you agree with the most. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with me the most, I think. Like if I, I had to. me the most. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Crazy. Ah, <laughs> oh, what, a, what a year for video games. What a year for recording podcasts. <laughs> Thank you for including me in the games of the the, the year. Chelsea, Bay by the Sea, or (laughs) whatever it was that we said. (laughs) I am a bay. What is it? The Bay City Bay? (laughs) Bay City Bay. (laughs) And I know it. I'm going to run with it because I I am a babe. Right on. (laughs) Chelsea, we appreciate you uh, as a friend and a longtime listener of the show. Thank you for helping us make this show what it is. You've had a lot of good uh, comments and criticisms over the year that have made us change formats you know hey this should be shorter and we ended up just ignoring half of it yeah that the shorter <laughs> comment has i think we went the, the opposite all yeah contributed uh, to the 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 stratosphere of save room was that i told kevin to not stream every day yeah that, a few other that didn't work yeah <laughs> it, you know, it worked for a little bit and then it stopped yeah <laughs> and then i started streaming every day yep well covid <laughs> happened so i don't know <laughs> Chelsea, we appreciate you as a longtime listener and a friend of the show. Um, if people wanted to find you on social media or your work, your, your writing, wh- where could they find you? They could find me at Chelsea Heckabad on Twitter, which is the main place to find me and the only place to find me. Uh, if you really want to read my writing, it's ChelseaHeckabad.com, but that might not be the thing for forever. So Twitter's the best place to find me. Thank you. I love you. There we go. <laughs> Well, right on, right on. You know, I think uh, I, I've shared similar sentiments across stream, Discord and whatnot, but I got to tell you, to the burgeoning, the small community that we have, we really do appreciate you. It's been some really hard years, man, and I'm sure that you've you've gone through some roughnesses. You've watched us go through some roughnesses, but what I've always been kind of uh, delighted and shocked by, shocked and awed mm. by, is that Shocker. you're still here. <laughs> and you still support each other and you support our friends you support our friends like nick of make monsters a very lovely gentleman uh, lovely. you support chelsea you support daniel and he streams you support me and i love the way that you i don't know you form the community yourself we do nothing but show up mm-hmm. <laughs> and you guys do the thing you guys share with each other you talk about games 
And I am constantly amazed by how this passion of ours kind of is our unifying factor, right? So many different walks of life and opinions and backgrounds. And yet at the end of the day, we can still shoot the shit about video games. And it's always cozy fun. Community. A cozy community. And we appreciate the fact that you keep it cozy. You're all I, great. I love all of you, if, if that's okay to say. All we have to do is keep on getting on by 2022. We'll see what the fuck you do. But as long as we got you, we'll be all right. Yeah, I share that sentiment. I appreciate the fuck out of everybody that supported us over like the last five years, especially like the last year and a half, two years of, of COVID impact. The fact that like we were able to build a community, have people connect with our stupid fucking shenanigans, our streams, our our long-winded, ridiculous acid trip podcast. Like it just means a lot that like you connect with the the stuff we do and you want to have like thoughtful, meaningful conversations. And, uh, you know, there's nobody like you guys. We, we appreciate the fuck out of you. And, uh, you know. Going into this year, uh, you know, I hope you guys continue to stay safe, play video games, continue to be good to people, not just us, but good to people around you, right? Don't just be good to the people you like, you know, don't be assholes. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I got for it. Because as Aunt May from Spider-Man <laughs> PS5 said, when you help someone, you help everyone. Peter. <laughs> also, fire Bobby Kotick. Can we say that enough? <laughs> What's that, Chelsea? I said superheroes. Superheroes. But I, I like the Marvel. What about the Sebastian Stan? Yeah, you love the Bucky. Well, that's different because I wish he was shirtless all the time and I could see his muscles and thighs all the time. So okay. His hey, Yana knows what's up. Does he, <laughs> does he make you have to change your shirt? Uh, can he change my shirt for me? We'll have to ask. Only if you're covered in like absolute I, sweat. I've done <laughs> like to begin with. Kevin and Daniel, I've done my, I've redone my shirt since this uh, eight-hour podcast. So it would have been nice if I had a superhero to help me. I thought it would be like three hours. What the fuck? This yeah. is a job. That's it's, never gonna fucking happen. It doesn't make any fucking it's, sense. It's so funny when we're like, oh yeah, we'll change up the the round robin format so it'll be shorter. Bet. I fucking knew it. Literally, knew we, we had, like, in order <laughs> we, to get, like, a three-hour podcast, we would have to have one video game each. So, I, it, yeah, it would have had to been rapid fire of, like, talk you for and, five minutes about each thing. You and that. Daniel may have had a similar almost kind of list, but I came in there, I was like, anime. <laughs> yep, you, you animated it up. God. I fucking did it to y'all. Damn it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna release this as is. I don't give a shit. Do it. Do it. <laughs> with all the dropped calls and the cat screaming and the neighbors ice picking okay. and me getting an xbox delivery <laughs> it's all gonna be cat, in there that cat screaming was really great I yeah think yeah that's true edit out the gaps you'll be fine in the beginning was good too so yeah but guys thank you for listening to the save room welcome to 2022 uh that's it uh, th goodbye everybody thank you chelsea thank you daniel goodbye. If, you, if you like me ask me for more time that i'm in there Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I understand. What? <laughs>